Yeah, waiting for Poker Fraud Alert Radio during the World Series can sometimes be the hardest part because uh, sometimes it doesn't come because we are busy with World Series stuff. And, and this week, it looked like there was going to be no show at all uh, because Benjamin's mom was gone. Still is gone. She's coming back, but she's gone right now. And that means I have a little boy to watch. And I, I just didn't think I would have time to do radio this week. So I canceled it. And it was just going to be skipped this week. Brandon was busy with the World Series. He's playing some events. I will start playing events on the 14th. So it looked like this week and maybe even next week there would be no show. And somebody texted me today and said, this is really a shame you don't have radio during the World Series because people want to listen. In fact, you may get new listeners during the World Series who just want to hear this content and you're just gone. You're just blowing the chance to be here at the time of year when everyone really wants to hear about poker. So I thought about it this morning and I said, well, you know, maybe I can make a few hours today during the day. Uh, this is definitely not a, my favorite time to broadcast. This is definitely not the best time to pick up an audience. Uh, everybody in the U.S. is working right now if they have a job, unless they work some kind of odd shift because it's before noon right now. I started the show about 11.40 p.m. Or 11.40 a.m. 11.40 p.m. is pretty bad, too, but that's a better slot at least than this. This slot is inconvenient for everybody in the U.S. who works, which is the majority of our listening base. But the truth is most people who listen to the show do so through the archives and not live. And I forget that sometimes because I gear the show a lot of times toward the live listener and then I think, wait a minute, that's just a small percentage of who listens. In fact, I did a ratings analysis, which I'll talk about shortly. They did an in-depth ratings analysis of the show because I got curious what our ratings were. I always say it's a thousand people, but that was an estimate. I decided to delve into it more and I got better numbers, which I will share with you shortly. Anyway, for those of you that don't know, my name is Todd dandruff Wutelis. I do this show every week along with Brandon Drexel-Gerson, who is not here probably because he didn't know we would be on. I didn't know we would be on until this morning. So Brandon's probably sleeping. And I have to imagine our other usual co-hosts are unavailable in some way. We may pick some up during the show. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Uh, whatever. This is not going to be a seven-hour show, an eight-hour show. I just don't have time for that. I'm squeezing this in. Someone texting me right now, yay, Euro-friendly radio. Yeah, the Euros, they got to be real happy. They can listen live for once. This is in the evening for them. So for once, the Euros are not at work. They're not sleeping during this broadcast, which is very unusual for us to get this in the early evening hours for the Europeans. But, yeah, I think it's like, 7.45 p.m. over in England right now, 8.45 in France and Germany. So, yeah, pretty good time for them to listen. So it's either this or nothing. So I'm opting with this. And whoever we get, we get. The chat room is not exactly jumping right now, but it's because I just turned it on right now. And there will be no free roll because we won't have anybody to play it. <laughs> the, free will, the free roll will return for the next scheduled show, whenever that is. I don't, I don't even know when the next show is going to be, because next week I'm playing every single day. Literally every single day next week I'm playing, so I don't know when I'm going to be able to fit in show. 
On Monday, I'm going to be busy. Maybe we can have like an overnight show on Monday. But then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like I'm playing all those days. Every single day, I am playing a World Series event. So I don't know what to do. But we have today. The phone numbers to call into the show are the same one, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355, and the Mount Charleston line, 702-430-1808. Mount Charleston is a mountain near Las Vegas. We have an old 70s rotary phone sitting on top of Mount Charleston. And it forwards to me wherever I go. You can see a picture of me visiting the phone and the radio transmitter up there on Mount Charleston. 702-430-1808 is that phone number. You can't text that number, though. If you want to text me, you have to text me at the main phone number for the show, 775-372-8355. 775-372-8355 is the text phone number for the show. It's also the main phone number. You can text me anytime, and I will respond. If you want to text Brandon, maybe try to encourage him to wake up and get over here, his tech number, which you can also reach any time, is 203-299-2436. It's 203-299-2436. All this stuff can be found in the official radio thread, which is in the Poker Fraud Alert Flying Stupidity Forum. Of course, we always have the call-to-listen line. The call-to-listen line is a phone number you can call just to listen to the show. Now, I had Lyman from the Poker Sesh at Live at the Bike making fun of this. This week. He made fun of the call to listen line, but his show doesn't have that. I think he's just jealous. But we have it. We have the call to listen line. You can listen to this show from any phone in the world that can dial. Doesn't need the internet. Doesn't need data. Doesn't need a smartphone. You don't need anything except a phone of any kind which can dial, and you can listen to the show. Doesn't even cost you one byte of data. Even if you have data, it does not cost you any bytes of data. That phone number is... 712-775-8162. 712-775-8162. You can find that on the radio page on PokerFraudAlert.com if you forget the number. Very useful line. We also stream reruns of the show 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. When we're not on live, we stream reruns. We just pick a random rerun and stream it. I don't pick it. The computer does. We have almost 200 shows to choose from. So you're not going to hear the same one twice for a long time. That can be found at the radio page, streaming live, or just call the call to listen line, 712-775-8162, and you will hear the streaming reruns. By the way, the date of this show, which I haven't announced yet, is June 9th, 2016, at around 11.50 a.m. right now, as I'm streaming this live. You'll probably hear this at a different time if you are not one of the few listening right now. Here is the agenda for today. I'm not going to spend too long on any of these topics because I just don't have too long. Seth Polanski provided me with an answer regarding WSOP.com's update page where you need to do a Facebook or Google login to even view the content. I discovered this last week as I was doing the show, got very pissed about it. Other people have been pissed about it. And one of our co-hosts has figured out various ways around it. And I will tell you how to find that page explaining how you get around it. I will tell you Seth Polanski's answer 
regarding why it's like that and whether or not it will change. Well, we always have a controversy at the World Series of Poker. I shouldn't say a controversy. We have a lot of controversies at the World Series every single year. It's hard to have the World Series without controversies arising. But this one is pretty ridiculous because the WSOP Top-Up Turbo event, a new event, had a controversy. And it was a controversy not over a decision by the World Series. It was a controversy because the official WSOP Twitter account gave misinformation. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's bad enough when the actual policies of the World Series piss people off, but this was actually a good policy, which was communicated as a bad policy, and everyone got mad, and several people boycotted the event as a result of this comedy of errors, which I will talk about as our first story, or second story, I guess. Think if you're at the World Series, and you go all in late in an event, and you're just waiting to see if somebody calls you. And maybe you don't want to call. Maybe you just want it to fold around and you take the blinds. Or maybe you do want to call, but you're hoping you're not called by a really strong hand. So you raise and it goes, fold, 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 fold. And the last person to act tanks. And you go, okay, good. <laughs> he doesn't have aces. He doesn't have kings. doesn't have queens. He's got to have some kind of marginal hand that may be worth calling, which means my hand's got to be better. So you're happy. In fact, you're hoping he calls, probably. Well, what would you do if after minutes of tanking, the guy turns up aces? Yeah, This actually happened not once, but twice with the same individual at the Colossus event this year. Late in the event, twice in a short time. We'll tell you about that and... Discuss an unfortunate connection it has to that Hanson kid who listens to this show. And I hope he won't get too mad at me when I talk about this, but it's not Hanson's fault, by the way. I'm not mad at Hanson. I'm just, it's just the guy who did this has a connection to the, the Hanson kid. <laughs> Chris Ferguson, one of the board members of Full Tilt Poker that stole our money five years ago. Remember that? Remember our money was gone that they were holding for us? that they were supposed to keep safe. They, they stole it from us, all uh, $300 million. Well, he's back at the World Series, mostly without incident so far. So talk about that and talk about what I suggest you do if Chris Ferguson ends up at your table. And don't worry, I won't be a hypocrite if it happens to me. If Chris Ferguson ends up at my table, I will do what I'm telling you to do. And if, you do, if I don't, you can give me a hard time about it. Interesting lineup at the World Series of Poker $10,000 buy-in stud final table. A lot of times these 10K events get a lot of big names in poker, so sometimes the final table is pretty interesting. This is one of them. It's over already. I should say this was one of them. Another piece of the Jacqueline Moscow Nolan Dallas story. She appeared on yet another podcast, this time the Lyman Poker Sesh show. And they were taking phone calls. So against my better judgment, I called in, even though I hate being on Lyman's show because he screams over me every time. I called in and, well, let's just say the expected occurred. I'll play you the segment and make some comments and tell you about the aftermath, including something you might not expect. The 2 Plus 2 Poker Cast says goodbye to a major sponsor. I believe... The main host of the 2 Plus 2 Poker Cast, Adam Schwartz, is listening right now. I saw him log in 
right when I started this show. So if you're here, Adam, hello. But yes, we're going to talk about you and your poker cast. And I'm going to state some rumors I heard. Not from Adam, by the way. He didn't tell me anything. I promise you guys. But uh, others told me rumors, which I'm going to state on this show about po- the PokerCast and its sponsorship with PokerStars. And let me just tell you, if these rumors are true, I'm jealous. And I'm not saying that sarcastically. I legitimately am jealous of the 2 Plus 2 PokerCast, which, by the way, I don't think is competition. I, I, I don't mind the PokerCast. I don't wish for its failure or demise. I, I see it as just another poker show. We don't really have competition. We're just our own entity over here. We don't have sponsors. We're not really competing with anyone. And that's the truth. Speaking of 2 Plus 2, they are strangely covering up for full flush poker and what's going on there. I will tell you about what's happening and the weirdness over there, how they just don't seem to want the truth to come out about two, about uh, full flush and what they're doing and what its major affiliate professional rake pack has been doing. Finally, or actually, not finally, I have two more topics. The Monte Carlo Las Vegas is going to split into two resorts. I'll tell you a bit about that. And finally, California Online Poker maybe is taking a major step forward. Maybe. Those are our topics. Not going to spend too long on each one because we've got to get through them all in a few hours. And it feels strange to me to try to get through everything in such a short time. I'm going to feel rushed. But I, I've done it in the past. There were the days earlier in this show's existence when I had to finish by like 10.30. I'd start at like 7 or 6.30. I'd have to be done by 10.30, sometimes even 10. So I've had the luxury of long shows recently. This time I can't do it. So we'll try to get through everything. So just jump right into it. Uh, Apologies if I can't take long phone calls or anything like that. I will take a phone call or two if you want to call in. 775-Fraud55. But uh, if I have to hang up on you quickly... It's because I'm trying to get through everything. There are no general topics this week. Just won't have time for them. I'm sure about that. I think it'll also go quicker because there's no co-host, so there's no tangents. I love having Brandon on the show. I think he makes the show very entertaining. It's uh, very good radio chemistry between he and I. But one problem with having Brandon is there's a lot of tangents and the show gets really, really long, which if you like... If you like long shows, then that's good. But uh, if I'm trying to get everything done quickly, it's probably better I'm alone because there's nobody to distract me. With that said, I hope Brandon shows up because uh, I still want him here. I'll just have to tell him no tangents tonight. Today. There's no tonight. I always say tonight, but it's actually today. Okay, let me read some texts here. I just, uh, I just told a diehard die fan of the show that it's on. He just says, what? <laughs> yeah, we're on. We're on live. If you're hearing on the call to listen line, this is live. This is not a recording of a show from 2013. It's live here, 2016. Eric Ryland saying that he met the Iceman, and the Iceman wants to be on, but we're not going to have time for that today. F- from uh, the U.K., Yay, Euro-friendly radio. For the 979, using the call-to-listen line, Lyman can go fuck himself. I agree with that. Uh, From the 410, did you hear that Ted Forrest is broken playing 2-5 PLO at the Borgata? Yes. 
I have heard for a long time that he's broke. Pretty amazing how some of these guys who played like really high limits that used to like admire or be jealous of for their high bankroll are now broke. But he's one of them. I was just thinking about uh, the controversy. I think it was uh, earlier this year or late last year where Matt Glantz and Scott Seaver were going back and forth on Twitter. Matt Glantz listens to the show, by the way. But uh, he was fighting with Scott Seaver related to Donald Trump. And Scott Seaver got nasty with him, like, really for no reason, just called him a bigot, which is dumb. Like, I don't like Donald Trump, as you guys know, but I'm not going to say anyone who supports Trump is a bigot. It's just not true. Like, you can easily support Trump and not be a bigot at all. I don't believe Matt Glantz is a bigot. I don't believe a lot of Trump supporters are bigots. So it's dumb to say because you support this candidate, it means you're a bigot. I mean, that's ridiculous. But anyway, Scott Seaver did that, and then Matt Glantz got mad and told everyone that Scott Seaver was broke. So, (laughs) I mean, Scott Seaver is another guy who just seemed to be blowing up huge and just making millions and even recently just cashing in big tournaments, and yet the rumor is he's broke. So you never know who's broke in poker. Never know. So those are some texts we've received. The 412, I stand by my guess that Moscow is maybe a drug addict that is in South Florida for rehab. I think she's been in Florida a very long time, or maybe her whole life. So I don't think she came there for rehab. I don't think she's in rehab. I don't know if she's done drugs. Don't know that much about her personally. So let's get going here. I'll throw a call on and then we'll get going. See a call coming in from the nine one four area code. Hello. Yeah, hi. Hi, can you kill the radio in the background? Uh sorry, is this live? It's live, yeah. Oh wow. Cool. But why were you calling in if you didn't think it was live? I didn't think it was live. I thought it was like a repeat. No, no. So who is this? Uh these nuts. These nuts. Okay, well. Yeah, welcome to the show. Yeah, it's it's live. Uh, it's a weird time, but this is the only time I could make it this week, and maybe next week there will be nobody on the show, so this is all I can do. Here, let's throw a second call on. I usually don't have a three-way thing going. Okay, well, I appreciate your show and all your efforts. Okay, well, thank you. All right, take care. 714, hello. Caller. All right, that's nice. I love when people call in and hang up on me. Why are you doing that? Like, you don't have to do that. Just call the call-to-listen line. 712-775-8162. Then you, you can listen to the show through that. I made the call to listen line because I had certain people telling me that they want to call up during the show and mute themselves on the main phone number just to listen because that was the only way they could do it. I'm like, you know, this is such a pain in the ass. I, it's a pain for me. I'm afraid you're going to make noise in the background. Like, I'm afraid, you know, what if I hang up on you? It's, it's harder to manage. It's just harder to manage everything. So I said, this this is ridiculous. I can't stand this. Anymore. I'm going to make the call to listen line, and I did. Okay, so let's get going. Thank you, D's Nuts, for calling in. I think D's Nuts was running for office in some jurisdiction recently. Okay. I want to talk about the WSOP.com updates page. We talked about this last week. We discovered it during the show. And I think it's worth giving a little bit further discussion. Uh, this is a, an absolutely ridiculous decision they made at the World Series of Poker. Absolutely, positively ridiculous. 
The World Series of Poker has decided that in order to read live updates of events or any information about an ongoing event that includes updates, that includes the prize pool, that includes the results of you know who's finished in the money, that includes basically any info about a particular event, the seeding, whatever. You want to get any info on an ongoing World Series of Poker event, you cannot do so on the WorldSeriesOfPoker.com site unless you log in through Facebook or Google+. <laughs> I mean, what a moronic decision. What a moronic decision. The World Series of Poker hasn't done a bad job this year. So far, they are relatively scandal-free. They have done pretty well. The Colossus event went well. They've really gotten things together pretty well this year. Not that things can't be improved, but for the most part, they've done pretty well. But this is a boneheaded mistake. And it's intentional. This wasn't like an accidental thing. This is intentional. So this is what it says. If you try to go, and go right now, unless you have certain browsers like Internet Explorer, which they they had an oversight and somehow Internet Explorer doesn't do this, but just about every other browser does. Go to WSOP.com, try to view any update for any event running right now. A pop-up will come up on the screen that will block all the content. It'll say, sign in now to access exclusive WSOP content. Then it says, sign in with Facebook, sign in with Google. That's it. It has to be either Google Plus or Facebook. Any other social media, you can't do. You can't sign in through Twitter. You can't sign in through uh, the World Series of Poker.com itself. Just one of those two. You've got to have accounts on one of those two or you cannot view the content. So then it says, not interested? Return to WSOP.com homepage. So if you click on that, it literally takes you back to the homepage, which is pretty useless. Like you can't see any updates on the homepage. So it says in smaller print, not tiny print, but smaller print under it, once signed in, we will send you exclusive offers for the social WSOP game. (laughs) So so basically they're saying, sign in with one of these two, and we're going to start spamming you with, quote, offers to play our social WSOP game, which is basically like a free money WSOP game which most poker players are not interested in. Like most people going to that page are not going to want to play play money on WSOP.com. There's very few are going to want to play that. You're there to look at the updates for one of a few reasons. Either you're a player in the event, either you know somebody in the event, or you're just a fan of poker who wants to see how people are doing. But only a small percentage of these people are interested in playing play money WSOP games. Because even if you're a fan, that doesn't mean you want to play play money. An example is, uh, well, I, he's not really a fan, but like, like my dad. He will look at it in events I'm playing in to see both what my progress is and also how other players that he's gotten to know of over the years are doing. Say, he'll look, you know, is, is Helmuth in the event? How's he doing? How's Phil Ivey doing? How's Negreanu doing? Like, he knows those names. He wants to see how they're doing. Uh, he has no desire to play play money WSOP games. None, none whatsoever. Also, to use my father as an example, he's in his 70s. He's been married for almost 50 years. He does not go on Facebook. 
He does not go on Google+. He does not have a single social media account. He has no interest in social media because he doesn't need it. He doesn't want it. He's an older person. Older people, for the most part, just aren't into social media. There's, There's some that are, but most of them are not. Most of them don't use social media. Even if they are very computer literate, like my father is, they just don't use social media, especially if they're still married and are not really looking to meet people or connect with people that you know, they knew from before. If they're just kind of you know, set in their lives at this point, they do not listen. They don't read social media. They don't get involved in it. They don't sign into it. So this is a huge pain in the ass for those that don't have these social media accounts. Furthermore, even if you have it, like I do, you don't want to sign in and get spammed. I mean, I don't want that. Now, someone says, oh, you can turn off this stuff in your Facebook and make sure it doesn't share. No, I'm not going to do that. And furthermore, um, they're always changing the rules about what these sites can access once you sign in through them. Basically, you're giving these sites access to some of your information. They're not seeing your password, but they'll see your friends list on Facebook They can see email addresses. They can see lots of stuff that you may not want them to have. And even if you turn off the settings allowing them to have it, uh, first of all, I don't know if you can completely restrict these things. I haven't really looked into it. I just never sign in through Facebook on any third-party site ever. But even if you turn off what you can turn off, uh, Facebook could change its policy tomorrow about that. In general, you just don't want to let third-party sites look into your social media and grab things out of there. It's just not a good idea. Huge invasion of your privacy, which you are willingly doing, willingly allowing. So I will never sign in to Facebook through a third-party site. Now, yeah, I could go make a fake Google Plus account and use it just for this, but what a freaking pain in the ass. You know, I've been doing, I just sign in through Internet Explorer. That's a quick workaround. There are other workarounds, which I'll get to shortly. So I was very upset about this, and I knew my dad, who's going to want to follow me in just five days when I'm playing, is going to run into this, going to be unhappy about it. In fact, I haven't even really figured out what to tell him. I'll probably just tell him to go on Internet Explorer. But I decided to send off a mail, an email to Seth Polanski. Because Seth Polanski is very responsive. Whatever your opinions of Seth Polanski are, and I I know he's uh, an outspoken guy. I know he has a temper. I know he's not exactly soft-spoken. So some people, some people don't like him. But I've I've gotten to uh, know him over the years. We're not friends or anything by any means, but uh, I've gotten to know him, and he's gotten to know me. And one thing I will say is he's responsive. If you have a question for him, he will answer it. At least he answers me. Every time I write to him, I get an answer, and I get a quick answer, and I get a detailed answer. So whenever there's something at the World Series that I want clarification on or even want to complain about, I will send him that message. Now, often my opinion is dismissed, and I'm just told why I'm wrong or why they're not doing it the way I suggest, and that's their right to do. I am not in charge of the World Series. I'm no one special. I can give my opinion. They can also say, well, we feel you're wrong. We're doing it a different way, and it's their business. They can do what they want. So, again, this is the World Series' choice to do it this way. It's their event. They can do it this way. No one's getting cheated by this. 
No one's getting screwed over by this. This is just a dumb decision on their part. They are making it tough on their fans. I think they are harming their brand by doing this. I think they are discouraging people from being fans of the World Series, from wanting to follow the World Series, from getting excited about the World Series. And if there's something that's been happening recently over the years is the World Series of Poker has been losing excitement. People are less excited in general about the World Series now than they were 10 years ago, 5 years ago, even I'd say 3 years ago. There's just less and less excitement over the World Series. I can feel this myself. Now, I get excited to go there and play. But I kind of feel like a lesser energy. I kind of feel like a a lesser buzz in the air. I kind of feel like if I were to win another bracelet, there wouldn't be anywhere near the fanfare that there would have been some years ago. I don't even mean like during the poker boom in 06 or 07. I mean like four years ago. I think a bigger deal would have been made if I won a bracelet four years ago than if I were to go there this year and win a bracelet. And I'm not talking about me personally. I mean anyone winning a bracelet, I think it's less exciting. I think everything is just kind of every year declining in everyone's interest and excitement about the World Series. Now, it's a slow decline, and there's still a lot of interest and excitement in the World Series overall. But they want to reverse that trend, not encourage that trend to continue, which is what they are doing by making it difficult to see the updates. Jeff Bezos of Amazon.com, which of course is one of the most successful internet companies ever. It's huge now, Amazon, as you know. He once said that for every additional click that is required for someone to get to what they want to do on a website, they lose a large percentage of people with every click. So Jeff Bezos commanded that Amazon.com does not require many clicks to either see what people want to see or buy products on the site. He was very big on that. Very big on making it simple and easy to use. You'll notice Amazon looks very similar to how it did some years ago. Like it's, It hasn't changed that much, but that's on purpose. They want it to be simple and easy and straightforward for everyone to use. The World Series of Poker should take a cue from Jeff Bezos. You don't want to, you don't want to put barriers of entry into your site for World Series fans. And that's what they're doing. They're putting a barrier of entry. You want to check on an update, you go to the site, it says you have to log in, you feel uncomfortable about it, or you don't even have these accounts to log in. And you go, ah, this is too much trouble. Ah, I don't want them having access to my stuff. F them. And you just close it. That's what a lot of people do. That is what a lot of people do. Some people say, oh, who cares? Just go make a fake Google account. Oh, just log in. Who cares? You know, so you'll get a few items of spam. Big deal. Stop whining. No. It's unnecessary. It shouldn't be done. No sites work this way. The general accepted model of logging in through social media these days on third-party sites is that you can see things without logging in. You just can't interact. So, for example, on a news site, you can read the news articles without logging in, but if you want to comment on the news articles, then you may have to log in through Facebook, which I don't do, by the way, but at least there I can read everything. And if I want to participate, then, then I'm required to log in. And then if I want to comment and I have to log in through Facebook, I say, okay, well, I just won't comment. No big deal. But I still come back to the site because I still am mainly there to read news articles, not to comment on them. 
I can't think of a single other site that will not let you even look at it without logging in through Facebook. I can't even think of one, except Facebook itself, of course. <laughs> that makes sense. But any third-party site, I cannot think of even one, poker or otherwise, where they require you to log in to look at things. That's crazy. Now, it's one thing if it's to log into the site where you're reading the stuff. It's another thing to have to log in through a third party to read this stuff. That's crazy. I've never seen Facebook used that way. Huge mistake. They're, it's their mistake to make. It's their right to do. I'm not acting like they have to do what I say. They have to see it the way I do. No one's getting screwed over by this, but it's a mistake. I say this as someone who operates my own website where I'm trying to get people to read. I say this as someone who is a longtime user of the Internet, probably longer than just about everybody listening to this show. I say this as a poker player. I say this as somebody who understands the way things work on the Internet as far as uh, what people want to see and what barriers of entry do. I say this as someone with a father and with other elderly relatives who want to follow my progress in the event and are going to have a hard time doing so. I have a father who's going to find this to be a pain in the ass. I have an uncle who follows me during the World Series. He will think this is a pain in the ass. Neither of them have social media accounts. This is awful. So here's what I wrote to Seth Polanski. And I'll tell you his response. I got a response from him, as I always do. Where'd this go? Here we go. This is what I wrote to him. Seth, I would like to provide some constructive criticism regarding a recent change to WSOP.com. As you know, I attended the WSOP both as a player and media. So I feel I especially have an informed perspective on the matter, which I do. I am both player and media. It is very frustrating and disappointing to see the mandatory social media login in order to view WSOP updates. While it is understandable to require such a login for interactive content on WSOP.com, it is a huge mistake to require this to simply check event updates. First off, it is important for the fans of the WSOP to have a direct and easy path to viewing of WSOP.com updates. Requiring social media updates, or requiring social media logins to do so is both burdensome and non-standard. I have not seen any site which requires such a login to simply view its content. For example, some general news sites require a Facebook account to comment on their stories, but never to simply read the stories themselves. This is likely to turn off many WSOP fans who will simply log out and never come back. Second, not everyone has a Facebook or Google Plus account. This is especially true of older fans, friends, and, re and relatives of WSOP players. A good example is my own father. He is very computer literate, but as a longtime married man in his 70s, he has no desire to create social media accounts. He has used WSOP.com to both read updates on me and also to check the results of big-name poker players he got to recognize over the years, but now he cannot access that content at all. This will be true of many of your, quote, over 60 WSOP fans and player relatives. Third, some people are just generally distrusting of letting any site link to their social media, fearing data harvesting such as friends lists or worse. 
My reaction to seeing this change was incredibly negative, and I and everyone I have spoken to has also strongly disliked this new requirement. While it is ultimately the WSOP's decision what it feels is best for their own business, I think this new policy is a huge mistake and in fact violates the general concept of how social media linkage is utilized in 2016. Please consider reversing this and providing other more voluntary incentives for people to link their social media. Thank you for your time in reading this. Todd will tell us. So I'm not going to read his response out here, but basically to paraphrase it, he said that they can't continue to hemorrhage money providing these updates, that the updates themselves are not making any money for the company. So their options are to either, one, do away with them completely, stop providing them, two, start charging for them, which of course is ridiculous, they'll never do that, and number three, provide this social media sign-in thing so they can at least advertise their social gaming platforms through the updates. So they decided to do number three. That's basically what he said, and that these are here to stay, that they're not changing it. So here is my answer to that. I'm not understanding where all this money is hemorrhaging from. The poker updates people are not making big money. Let me tell you, if your desire is to come to the World Series and do live poker updates, which you can do. They have those jobs every year. You're not going to make much money. You're really doing it because you enjoy doing it. Believe me, the pay is very poor. They are not paying these people very much. So the expense in providing this is very low. They basically just have to pay some low-wage employees to do it. That's it. It's not zero. There is an expense, but it's not a high expense. And I would say that the return you get from that expense, which is people being interested in your product more, is well worth it. This is a very cheap part of the operation. I realize providing the World Series overall is not cheap, but this is a very cheap portion of the operation. You don't have to have every element of the operation make money. I mean, what's next? They're going to charge us for using the bathrooms and say, well, we can't keep hemorrhaging money from cleaning the bathrooms. <laughs> I mean, you don't know, Todd. You don't know how dirty those bathrooms get. These players are pretty disgusting. It's costing us a lot of money to hire janitors. We can't hemorrhage money anymore. No. There's certain elements to your business which are going to lose money. Elements that support the parts of the business that make money. So I don't believe you think you're hemorrhaging money, but I, I do think, and this is just my guess, by the way. I'm not saying I have info on this because I don't. But I do think that whatever money this makes by bringing people over to the WSOP social games, which in turn makes money for them in some way, I think that goes towards money that is counted for the WSOP.com instead of WSOP itself. And there's a difference. Even though they're part of the same unit, they are counted differently, and the success of each side are analyzed separately. So if you are one of the people in charge of WSOP.com, and it's losing money, then this reflects badly upon you. And therefore, whatever you can do to make additional money for WSOP.com, you should. And I believe they are still losing money. I don't know for sure, but I believe WSOP.com is losing money while the main WSOP is making a ton of money. So one part of the business is doing really, really well, the WSOP, WSOP itself, but then the .com site 
is losing money. And I'm talking about like the, the online poker they're providing in Nevada and the online gaming they're providing, both poker and casino games in New Jersey. I think all of that compared to their expenses, I think they are losing. And if they're not losing, they're only making a little bit. So that part of the business is not successful. I'm not blaming them so much. I think they could be doing better. If I were in charge, there would be some things I'd be doing differently. And we've discussed this on other shows. I, I think a lot of it's just the market is poor for this right now in the state-by-state -state market that they have, which is their only choice at the moment. But I think they're desperate to make more money on WSOP.com, and I think this is one way of doing it. And unfortunately, because this is seen as under the umbrella of WSOP.com rather than the WSOP itself, which it should be. This is, this is physically served on WSOP.com, but it's about the World Series. It's not about the online play. It's not about the social gaming. It's about the main WSOP. It's just the updates exist on WSOP.com because that's where they have to be. It has to be somewhere on the Internet. So that's where it is. So I'm afraid this is seen like these updates are seen as like a division of WSOP.com and they are not doing well. So they've got to find every way to make money, whereas the main WSOP is making tons of money. But this is separate from it. So they feel like, well, this unit has to make more money. So that's like that's where they have these problems in Caesars. Is that everything is to compartmentalized. The left hand and the right hand act like they're on in different bodies of Caesars. That's what happens. The hands never work together. This is just an, another example of it. That's my guess here. I could be wrong, but that's my guess. That they just, they found this as a way to try to make money for the dot-com site. And they are ignoring the harm it will do to the main brand. Because it's going to harm the main brand, for sure. They may not see it right away, but they're going to see it. You never want to get in the way of the buzz of your product. You never want to put in a barrier to people getting excited about your product. No product should ever be considered so big or so successful that you think that it's okay now to put barriers into people enjoying it. Otherwise, people are going to stop enjoying it. And once you notice that is happening, it will be too late to stop it. Once people lose excitement for the World Series, you can't just change something and have them gain excitement again. This is a bit different, but think in uh, 1980 when people started to lose interest in disco. And by 82, disco was gone. Even by 81, it was mostly gone. It went from one of the biggest things to being gone. Whatever factors drove people away from disco as the 80s came, they couldn't change anything and bring everyone back to disco. It was gone. <laughs> people lost interest in disco. It was gone. So don't do that to the World Series. The World Series should not become disco. So going on with what Seth wrote to me. We are trying to begin serving ads on WSOB.com too and try to help offset some of the costs, but the reality is we are considered a gambling site by Google and others, and thus most advertisers restrict serving ads on our site. Well, okay, that's true, but you can still find ways to serve ads on there for gambling-related things or advertise your own products. I mean, if you want to put ads all over the place, that's fine. I understand that. Makes sense. Like, like, why not just blanket it with ads for, for Caesars-related products? That would be a good way to 
monetize these updates without making them impossible to view. I, I wouldn't be complaining if I saw tons of ads, as long as they like weren't in the way or obnoxious. But if they were off to the side, if they were visible but not in the way, I wouldn't say, oh, my God, what are you doing putting ads up on here? Fine. Put ads up on there. I don't care. I don't think anyone would care. But th- this mandatory login crap is stupid. Joe Recreational Player from suburban Cleveland, Ohio. Loves poker and flies out to the World Series. He stays in the Rio, pays inflated rates because of the World Series being there. Eats your food over there. Enters a few World Series events. And of course you rake those. Eating your rip-off poker kitchen. You've made a lot of money off Joe Recreational Player from suburban Cleveland, Ohio. Joe does not cash. Joe is not a good player. Joe is not likely to win an event. If he does cash, it's probably going to be a min-cash. But while Joe is there, Joe's wife, Joe's dad, Joe's brother, Joe's friends, they go on WSB.com and read updates of the event. They go to the chip counts and see Joe's name there that he put in himself through the chip-in app, which I think is great, by the way. I like the chip-in app. But he sees Joe's name up there along with Phil Helmuth and Phil Ivey, Daniel Negreanu, all the other big-name players people got to know over the years. And there's Joe Recreational Player up there with them. Maybe even Joe gets off to a good start and is on the top. And everyone says, yay, Joe, wow, I can't believe Joe, right? You know, our Joe here, he's, he's on top like these other guys. Cool. So maybe Joe doesn't cash. Maybe Joe chunks it all off, as most recreational players do. Maybe Joe lost his buy-ins at the World Series and didn't come home with any money. But Joe comes back and has a good feeling because his friends and relatives saw him on that chip count list. Maybe Joe's name was even reported as being part of some big hand. It's cool. It makes you feel important. It makes you feel special. And that will keep Joe coming back. But if Joe goes there and his friends and relatives can't see this stuff without logging into social media that they may not have, they're not going to see all this. And Joe's going to come home and no one will have seen this stuff and there won't be excitement about Joe's trip to Vegas and Joe won't go back. But you won't know about any of this. Like Joe's not going to report back to you and tell you about this whole experience. But there will be many Joe recreational players that have exactly that experience if everyone can read the updates. So that's how you're monetizing it. You don't need a direct return on everything to consider it monetized. The same way as I said that having clean bathrooms there doesn't make you any money. But if you closed all the bathrooms or charged for them, that would really hurt your brand, as you can imagine. So think of this like the bathroom. It's just a necessary expense. Not a high expense, just like the bathroom, but a necessary expense. I just don't get it. Where's the expense?
It's not a steep cost. I mean, maybe I'm missing something. I just don't see how it could be. All you need are low-paid reporters, which they are low-paid. I've known some of these people. They're not exactly rich. Low-paid reporters on the floor who then go back to the computer and enter it in. It's not an expensive thing. So anyway, it's it's here. I mean, it's, it's not going to go away. It's here. It's queer. Get used to it. <laughs> All right, here's some texts we got from that same European in uh, England. That WSOP website decision is fucking ridiculous. Thank you for agreeing with me. From the 410, I'd call in right now, but I'm on a four-hour delay at McCarran. Well, that's a good reason to call in, unless you're stuck on the airplane. If you're waiting in the airport, call in. Oh, <laughs> the 647 wants me to activate his account. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do it after the show. That's Benny wins. From the 412, I'm using the call to listen line for the first time. Thanks for doing the show today, Todd. Okay. Glad you're enjoying it. Now, if you want to get around it, if you don't want to log in through social media, as I don't, CalWatt, our recent third co-host, or fourth co-host, we have the Northern California guy, he has set up a page on CrushLivePoker.com, which is the training site run by that Hanson kid. CalWatt is his tech guy. And CalWatt used that site to post how to get around the social sign-in page on WSB.com. I'm not going to give you the whole URL because it's too long, but just go to Poker Fraud Alert. Go to the Poker Discussions Forum, the Poker Community Discussion Forum. Look for the thread called WSB.com will not allow you to read WSB updates. Scroll down a bit. Look for CalWatt's post. It's like uh, the sixth one down and click on the link there and you will see how to get around it. Now, this stuff is kind of too difficult to explain over the radio, so I won't. Just go there if you're interested. But some quick workarounds. Uh, One of them that I use is just use Internet Explorer. For whatever reason, Internet Explorer does not stop you from logging. It doesn't make you log in. So that's just what I use. You may not see it immediately on your desktop, but just type in Internet Explorer in the little search bar at the bottom on Windows 10 or Windows 8, and it'll just come up. Not the Edge browser. That won't work. But Internet Explorer, you can view the content without this stuff popping up, which I assume was unintentional, but it works. I also heard, though I haven't tried it, that Google Chrome on iPhones only won't require that. Now, Safari will, but Google Chrome... Only on iPhones won't. Google Chrome on PCs definitely will make you sign in. Caller from the 410, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. So you're from the, uh, you done the whole introduction thing yet? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the introduction was fast today because we didn't have a free roll to talk about. So, yeah, it's pretty fast. Pretty loud in the background. That was pretty loud. I'm sorry. I'm up in the airport. Yeah, I know. Now, you're in the airport or the airplane right now? Airport. And why? Oh, was, uh, why yeah, it's very hard. It's kind of hard to hear you. But why, why is why is there a four-hour delay? 
Uh, it's probably the airplane. They won't tell us what it is. We have to wait for one from San Diego to arrive. You have to wait for a plane from San Diego. Yeah. Now, is this is this for you to go to the World Series of Poker? God, I'm leaving McCarran. Oh, you're leaving McCarran. Okay, okay. So you're, oh, that's right. You're leaving. I forgot about that. You're coming back like the 19th or so, right? You got it. Okay. Got well, good luck you, uh, with, with the delay. Yeah. Did well. you figure out? Thank you. Did you figure out when there was a PFA meetup? No, we have. We're going to do a PFA meetup probably in like the second half of June. So it won't be until something like after the 20th, probably. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely let you know. So I'm going to let you go. It's very hard to hear you, so I'll let you go. Thanks, thanks for calling. That's Scott from the East Coast. I just, I, I don't like when there's, I told him to call in, so it's it's my fault. But I, I said I'll call in anyway. Forget about the delay. Like, I actually, <laughs> it's my idea, and then it's super loud, and I guess he can't talk that loud because people think he's weird. So, yeah, I shouldn't have told him to do that. <laughs> Alrighty. The WSOP Top Up Turbo event had some controversy. Now, I thought this was a dumb event to start with. And, and to show you that, you can go back to an old episode of the, I'm not sure which one, but when we talked about the new events at the World Series a few months ago, I talked about how this one was dumb and it was not going to do well. And indeed, it didn't do well. It was a failure. I'm, I, it probably won't come back next year. Here's how the Top Up Turbo event works. Uh, it's a $1,000 buy-in, no-limit hold'em event. It's already taken place, by the way. I think it took place on June 4th. But it was a $1,000 buy-in, no-limit hold'em event. And it had a gimmick tied to the WSOP.com online poker site. Now, they, they, they've they been trying to do this to force people to play on WSOP.com, again, because it's not doing very well. So they're trying to give you an incentive to log in there and to fund your account and everything like that. So the gimmick in this event was that you'd start with the normal 5,000 chips, which is what you would normally start out with with any 1K no-limit event at the World Series. But then you could get an additional 5,000 chips to start with if you do either one of these three things. Number one, win a special sit-and-go at WSB.com or win a special sit-and-go live at the Rio or just pay an additional $1,000 to get the extra 5,000 chips. So you could pay 2,000 to enter the event and get 10,000 chips instead of 1,000 to get 5,000 chips. Or you can just pay 1000 and either win the sit-and-go on WSOP.com or the sit-and-go at the Rio, and you'll also get the extra 5,000 chips. Or you can just buy in for 5,000 chips for 1000 and not do any of this stuff. So this was tweeted out from WSOP, you know, at WSOP on Twitter on June 4th, 2016 at 10.09 p.m. Was this event on the 5th? No, it has to be the 5th. Fifth, I guess, is event. Let me see here. Let me look at the tournament schedule. Because if this was tweeted at 10 p.m., I have to think it was a, the ne- about the next day. Yeah, it was the 5th. So, so I guess the event started on June 5th at 11 a.m. So this was tweeted the night before at 10... Uh, 10.45 or something. Let me get back to the thread here. 10.09. 
10.09 p.m. June 4th, the following was tweeted. Because Ray Henson asked if we buy in for another 1,000, is it going to be raked or is that rake free? The first 1,000 is obviously raked, but is the second 1,000, if you pay the extra 1,000 to get extra chips, is that going to be raked? And WSOP.com, WSOP, not com, WSOP responded, the Twitter account, saying $900 out of the $1,000 buy-in to bring your stack to, t- to 10K chips goes into the prize pool. <laughs> In other words, we're raking 10% off your extra 1000 you're paying to buy in for 10K chips. Which is crazy. <laughs> so, not only does it cost you an extra thousand compared to everyone else, but it's also going to be raked. Even though they've already raked the event once. It's a double rake. Now, you can say, well, it's not really a double rake, because then you could just say it's a $2,000 event and they're just raking it 10%. But no, I don't believe the rake for a $2,000 event is 10%. I think it's a little bit less. But even if it was, this is not really a $2,000 event. This is... An additional thousand you're paying to get the same chips as others who got it without paying that thousand dollars. Now, you can say, well, those people paid rake. Because they, they paid rake to win it at the sit and go, whether it's live or online. I understand that. But it's just one of those things that looks bad. Because the truth is, people who are paying an entire extra thousand dollars right off the bat to get double chips, First of all, I don't think that's a very good deal. Because there's a law of diminishing return with chips. Your last chips are worth more than we have when you have a whole lot of chips. Why? Because with your last chips, you can keep doubling up and, and you, can, uh, uh, you can get back to where you were. So with every, every time you lose chips, the few remaining you have become more and more valuable. And that's the way tournaments work. In tournaments, once you have zero chips, you're out. Then you have a 0% chance to win at that point. So, anyway, I'm not going to go into that whole speech about tournament chips. I'm just telling you that when you have fewer chips, each chip is worth more than when you have a whole lot of chips. So I don't think it's a good deal right at the beginning to have to buy double the chips for double the price. If someone offered me that I could buy into every event for double money and get double the chips, I wouldn't do it. But even putting that aside, even if you want to say that buying double the chips is worth it, not many people are going to do it just because there's other ways to get them and a lot of people just don't want to pay twice for an event especially knowing that others only paid once to get the same number of chips. So you're just getting everyone angry. It's a bad PR move. Even if you want to rationalize that it's fair because people who played the sit-and-goes had to pay rake themselves at the sit-and-goes. So why should those buying in for an additional 1,000 get away without paying rake on that? Well, because they're paying a whole 1,000. That's why. Because it's adding to the prize pool. Because they already paid Rake to enter the event 
And if they want to throw another thousand into the prize pool, just leave it in the damn prize pool. I mean, that, that's the truth here. It just looks very bad that they're raking every little thing they can rake. So just with, without a mass number of people doing this, they should just let this go, and maybe more people will want to play, and it will look better to people. This is just a needless thing to get everyone angry to not make that much additional money. So that was tweeted out on the night before the event. Well, as you can imagine, there was a lot of anger about it, a lot of pros who weren't going to hassle with playing sit-and-goes. Let's face it, a high-limit pro or a medium-limit pro is not going to hassle with playing sit-and-goes to get that extra 1000 or save that extra 1000 They're just not. They're either going to play this event with inferior chips and just pay the 1000 or they're going to buy in for the 2000 and just say, screw it, I'll pay the extra 1000 or they're not going to play at all. Like they're they're not going to want to play these sit and goes. Like like uh, here's an example. Can you imagine these guys who enter like 10k events regularly playing a sit and go for that extra five thousand chips that they'd have to pay a thousand dollars? No, they wouldn't. There's no way. Like that's like what a, a a low limit grinder would do. Low low to mid limit grinder would do this. Would try to play that sit and go. Most most people who are medium or high limit players are not going to bother with that sit and go. So, a lot of pros just wanted to pay the thousand. So they asked, is it going to be raked? And they got that answer. Yes, it's going to be raked 10%. The extra thousand will be raked 10%. So here are the responses. This is from Jared Ludeman on Twitter. Boycotting this top-up turbo scam of a tournament, and you all should too. Retweet for awareness. Wow. So he doesn't, he's not just boycotting it. He wants everyone to retweet what he wrote that it's a scam so everyone's aware and doesn't play. Jared Jaffe wrote, want to congratulate WSOP for finding a new way to steal infinite money from its players with this top up turbo. It's legit criminal. Pretty harsh words. Retchy wrote, why don't you go across the street and buy some condoms? Because we should all be at least safe. If you're going to fuck me. <laughs> so he's saying that WSOP is basically fucking everyone up the ass. Pretty harsh words. We got less harsh, but basically same meaning words from others such as uh, Daniel Anderson, uh, Butters. And others who uh, didn't want to play anymore once they heard that this extra thousand was going to be raked. So they lost a number of people. I don't know how many, but they lost a number of people because there were several people announcing that they're not going to play because of this. Well, indeed, the event was a failure. It received 667 players. You say, oh, that's not bad, 667. That's, that's more than a lot of other events. Well, no. Remember, this was a $1,000 buy-in, no limit event. Those do very, very well. 667 is not very, very well. This was the lowest number of entrants by far ever for a $1,000 buy-in, no-limit hold'em World Series of Poker event. Never have they had a smaller feel for a $1,000 buy-in event at the World Series. Never. Now, how do these 667 players break down? 235 of them, approximately a third, won their chips online. They're actually 5K chips. So right off the bat, they, they pretty much had guaranteed 235 players and those who played those 
Sitton goes online and won. They got another 99 who played the Sitton goes at the Rio. So that's already 334 guaranteed entrants here. But then beyond that, only 81 people forked over the extra $1,000. And I have to think that very low number forking over the extra 1000 was because of the rake, that the word got around. And everyone said, screw this, we're not doing it. And then 252 people just didn't bother getting the extra 5K and started out with half the chips compared to about two-thirds of the field. I was actually surprised that they got this many people because I would not enter a tournament like that. You feel like you're handicapped. <laughs> you know? You feel like uh, you're playing with a handicap. But who wants to start a tournament where you're already short-stacked? It's one thing to lose at the beginning and be short-stacked, but to sit down, nobody's played a hand, and you're short-stacked already, that's pretty bad. But yeah, they got 252 people playing that, but this tournament had a lot of issues. But here's the dumbest issue. On June 5th, 48 minutes after the event started, the event started at 11 a.m. on June 5th, this, this tweet came out on June 5th at 11.48 a.m. 48 minutes after the start of event, the event, when you could still register, but it had already started. WSOP tweeted this. Got confirmation from the WSOP tournament director that players who paid $1,000 to top up, all $1,000 will go to the prize pool. <laughs> Oops. Oops. So what do you know? The World Series of Poker, I, I don't think they changed it. Well, maybe they did, but but I think it was a miscommunication. I think that all along they realized that raking this was stupid, weren't going to rake it, and then I don't know who did this. I hope it wasn't KevMath because KevMath is really good with info. I have to think if KevMath did it, he probably was given the wrong info by someone he asked. Maybe he wasn't operating the account that day. Maybe it was him and he was given the wrong info. Whatever it was, whoever was responsible for giving that info to the person who tweeted it out at WSOP screwed up big time. Unless they changed it on the fly the next day, which I guess is possible. I think it was probably just wrong. I think they just gave the wrong info the day before, but it's possible they changed it when they saw how angry everyone was. But either way, this is pretty bad. Either they made a dumb decision which got everyone mad or and then reversed it or they uh, made the right decision and then communicated the wrong one. <laughs> so that'd be kind of comical if it really was a miscommunication and if all these people would have played if they had communicated the way it really was. So here they made a good decision. Here they uh, didn't rake the extra thousand and they told everyone they were going to. Oops. That was a pretty bad gaffe. The event was a failure. Imagine you make the final table of a $1,000 buy-in World Series event. You just imagine you're going to do fairly well for yourself. Well, Vinny Pahuja, not Makul Pahuja, but uh, Vinny Pahuja. It was a different Pahuja. I don't think they're even related. They're both Indian, but I don't think they're related. Vinny Pahuja made the final table, finished in ninth. And for his ninth place finish... He received one million dollars. Now he wishes. Vinny did not even receive one percent of one million dollars. No, he got ninety five hundred and six dollars. 
That's it. $9,506 was the payout for the bottom spot at the final table there. <laughs> he can't even enter a 10K event with what he got at the final table of the Top Up Turbo 1K No Limit event. That is embarrassing. You hear someone made ninth. Oh, Vinny, cool, man. You must you must be doing well at the World Series. I heard you made a final table at a 1K. Uh, no, no, I only cashed 9500 Wait, wait, what? Are you backed? Like, Is that what your share was? No, 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 I'm not backed. This is my, I put myself in. That's what the payout was, 9500 I mean, Can you imagine? You make the final table of a 1K no limit at the World Series and your, your payout is $9,506? <laughs> embarrassing. Not for Vinny, but embarrassing for the World Series. So, I don't think that event is coming back next year. Big failure. Souza is 55, who, by the way, said that he's been losing interest in the show last few weeks. I hope he's enjoying today's. But he said in the chat, did the WSP not say anything on the tournament sheet about the rake on top-up chips? That, my friend, is a fine question, and one that I will try to get an answer of. Uh, I will bring up Internet Explorer, because they won't make me sign in. I will uh, go over there and take a look at the structure sheet. Let's see what it says. Scroll down. It says nothing. doesn't say either way, which explains why no one knew. Okay, so there's your answer. I've noticed the, at least the ones I find online, the structure sheets are giving very little info this year. They, they gave more info last year. Like last year, they really gave everything you needed to know. But this year, they're kind of short on info. I don't know why. I am curious, by the way, to know why Sousa's 55 was... Uh, not impressed with the show the last few weeks. I thought last week's was pretty good. We have some better shows, some worse shows, but I don't think the last few weeks overall have been noticeably worse than other shows we've had. Anyway, let's move on. Tanking. Tanking during a tournament. That means thinking, for those of you that are unaware of that term. That occurs when you have a tough decision. And when you are going all in, when you're short stacked, all in pre-flop, depending upon your hand, you are either hoping for a call or hoping for no call, or maybe hoping for a call with a worse hand, but uh, don't want to run into a monster. We've all been there. Uh, World Series of Poker main event. In 2010, the one where I finished 88th, I almost went out on day four or five, and I think early five, early day five. I mean, I was going to cash, but not really deep cash. I was short stacked, came into late position with jack eight, and went all in. Pretty standard. Yeah, you want to steal the blinds and annies, fold it to me. All in. Fold, 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 fold real fast, and the big blind without taking a second call. And I knew, I'm like, oh my gosh. I hope it's ace-king, because uh, this guy made a real fast call. So I knew it was something better than jack-8. I hoped at least I had two live cards. No! Pocket aces. 
I literally got up to pack my stuff up. And the board came Queen, 10, King. And I thought, oh, got myself six outs. Blank on the turn. And that ace on the river. The time you don't want to get a set of aces. He was pissed. He ran back and whined to his friend. Can you see what that guy did to me? Well, I didn't do it to you. I did a standard move. You had aces and you took, you know, I bad beat you. Which is one of the few bad beats I put on that whole tournament. It's pretty amazing. I got to 88th without really putting any bad beats on anyone. And without having any kind of real hot run where I was running the chips up really fast. Or without... uh, Any kind of coolers where I coolered someone else. Like, I, I didn't have set over set in my favor or anything like that. Like, I wasn't winning huge pots there. Somehow I just ate it into 88th. It was pretty a weird tournament for me, a really weird tournament. But anyway, getting back to tanking. If that guy had sat there tanking, 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 and like five minutes later says, all right, I call. Well, I'm unhappy to see that. With Jack 8, I just want to take the blinds. I don't want to race out with anybody. But I would have expected to see something like you know, Ace-10, maybe worse than Ace-10, Ace-6 or something like that. Maybe, I'd say worse than Ace-10. I mean, I'm short stack, he's calling Ace-10. But you know, maybe something like Ace-6, maybe something like uh, King-8, maybe even Queen-10, something like that. Imagine if the guy turned over Aces. After tanking for all those minutes? Wouldn't that be a dick thing to do? Like, what could ever be the reason when you're the very last to act to an all-in bet to tank? It's not even like it's not an all-in bet. It's just a raise, and he's tanking to disguise that he has aces. This was an all-in bet with everyone else folded. So there's no other move than to call immediately. So imagine how pissed I would have been if that guy tanked and then turned over aces and then I lose for good measure. I mean, there I didn't lose, but let's say I lost. I'd be furious. It's a dick thing to do. When you're the very last to act and you've got aces and someone's all in, you call. I mean, it's that simple. You always call. Especially a short stack. I mean... I guess if someone with a huge stack like you goes all in and you see aces, I I mean, I would call every time, but there are some people afraid, like, you know, what if I call and he's got kings and then he flops a king, like, you know, uh, you know, do I want to bust from that? And the answer is yes, because you, you, you've got a great advantage there, but still. Some people just don't want to risk the giant stack they've built up on one hand. They They want to feel more secure. If they're going to call all their chips off. But at least there for like a giant stack all in pre-flop. Even against one person. I guess a little bit of tanking could maybe be justified for certain people. But for a short stack or even a medium stack going all in. You've got aces. It should be snapped for everybody. So an asshole player named Alex Benjamin. That's spelled... Benjamin with an E at the end, B-E-N-J-A-M-E-N, who's played at the World Series at least since 2014 because he cashed in 14 and 15. They were in the money at the Colossus event, down to 30 people. 
and he got dealt aces. And there was an all-in. And he was the last one to act. And Alex Benjamin tanked. Yes, Alex Benjamin tanked with 30 left in the Colossus with aces. Ben Lindemulder was the one all in with 30 people left and uh, goes all in. I don't know what hand he had, but not aces. And Alex Benjamin, who had the aces, tanked before calling. He also asked for a chip count. So this is what... uh, Ben Lindemulder's friend Casey Carroll 10 on Twitter wrote Benny referring to Ben Lindemulder rips it in pre-flop and the dude tanks before calling with aces. There's a special spot in hell for those of you who do that. I agree. Well, a short time later, less than an hour later of all things, Alex Benjamin gets Dell aces And another player is all in. And again, Alex Benjamin is last to act, holding aces. And he tanks a second time for a few minutes. So now with 27 people left, Matthew Yora shoves in for about 2 million chips, which sounds like a lot, but it's not because uh, this is uh, very late in the Colossus where there's a ton of chips in the event. There's only 27 people left at this point. So like almost 99.9% of the field has been eliminated. So Matthew Yora shoves in for about 2 million. Alex Benjamin, who only had about 5.5 million himself. That's that's pretty amazing. It's not like, you know, like he's got to, uh, he's got to get chips himself. I don't know what the average was at this point, but, uh, yeah, if you're not going to call with aces, what would you ever call with? So he goes into the tank in the big blind. Before deciding what to do, he asks for them to count Matthew Yora's chips so he can see what to do. <laughs> so they count out Yora's chips of around two million. Alex Benjamin then sits back in his chair in a pensive manner and starts to stare. He stares down at the blank board <laughs> of the table. Because there's no flop out there. He's just staring down at the table. Four minutes pass. While Alex Benjamin is thinking what to do. Finally he announces a call and turns over pocket aces. Can you imagine? He actually thought about it for four minutes and asked for a count of chips before finally calling with his aces. And by the way, Matthew Yora had ace jack off, so he was in terrible shape. Board ran out as you'd expect. Yora was out. But Yora, unlike Ben Lindemulder, was not going to take this lying down. He got his stuff together, looked at Alex Benjamin and said, 
Do you know you're not supposed to do that? What does Alex Benjamin say back? Does he apologize? Does he explain it? No, he says, supposed to do what? <laughs> he, he's pretending like he doesn't understand why that's wrong. So then Yora responded, tank with aces. That's the second time this level that you've done this. That's bad etiquette. So at the neighboring table, Ben Keyline, who, by the way, uh, ended up winning the event, asked the floor if there's any rule about this, about tanking with aces when there's when you're the last one to act. The floor explained there's no rule. And Keyline said, well, it's just bad sportsmanship, to which a few of the players gathered around the table to nod their heads in agreement. Now, the reason it's not against the rules is because you have the right to not take a risk at any time in the tournament. Even if it makes sense to do so, you do have a right to fold aces if you want. Now, what you don't have a right to do is check back with the nuts if you're the last to act. So if it goes check, check, and you're the last to act on the river, on the turn you can check back with the nuts, but on the river, if it goes check, check to you and and you just call, or, or you sorry, you check or you just call on the river, you have to, with the nuts in the World Series, you are required to either raise or bet. You cannot check or call if you're last to act with the nuts. If you're not last to act, then you can check or call because then you could be providing deception hoping there's a raise after you or hope to get additional calls behind you. But if you are the very last to act, you are required with the nuts on the river to either bet or raise because there's no disadvantage to doing so. There's only an advantage. There's only an upside to doing that. So if you don't do it, then it's seen like you're, you may be colluding. So you are required to either bet or raise with the nuts on the river if you're last to act. But with aces, that's not the nuts. It's the best hand at the moment. But it's not the unbeatable nuts because aces can lose post-flop. It's, it's the nuts pre-flop, but it's not the nuts with the entire board dealt. So that's the difference. That's why you are allowed to be an idiot and fold aces. And you're allowed to take the time you need to decide whether you want to fold aces. You may say, well, why not make a rule that if you're last to act with aces and you're the, if it's heads up and you're last to act, that you can't tank with aces? Well, again, this big stack situation, let's say a, a big stack goes all in. And even though you have the best stack with aces, you, maybe you don't want to call it anyway. You should, but maybe you don't want to. And so you shouldn't be forced to. So that's the reason there's no rule. Anyway, two players at uh, Matt Yora's table, the guy who got eliminated in 27th, got up, shook his hand. One apologized to him on behalf of Alex Benjamin, saying, I'm sorry I had to go out like that. And uh, Yora just kind of stood there, looking stunned the whole thing happened that way. Then shrugged his shoulders and walked away. You know, I, I don't advocate physically attacking poker players for being assholes at the table, but someone who does this twice, if someone were to go up and punch him in the face or wait till he walked out of the parking lot and punched him, I wouldn't feel bad for him. I'm not telling anyone to do, anyone to do that. And I, I wouldn't do it personally. But if it happened, I would understand it. Because that's just being a complete dick. There's, the, there's no advantage being gained from doing that. Because when it's all in and you're the last one to act, 
snap calling doesn't give anything away about your play in the future. It, it's just an obvious thing you do. It's an obvious thing everyone does. I'd understand the fake tanking if there were people behind you. I've done that before. I've, I've had it where somebody raises or goes all in. I look down and see aces, and I don't want to immediately say all in. Because then I'm afraid if I immediately do that, it seems too obvious I've got a huge hand. So I'll sometimes put on the act. I'll sometimes tank. Not four minutes, but I'll tank a little bit. I'll sometimes try to look nervous or confused. I'll sometimes act like I'm unsure of myself and then go all in myself and hope that I get someone behind me that comes back over the top on me. Or sometimes I'll just call it and hope someone comes back over the top on me. It's like a, I'll look like I'm trying to make an uneasy call. That makes sense. But to, to tank when you're the last one to act in a heads-up pot, that makes no sense. That's just being a dick. And this guy has been playing since 2014 at the World Series, so he's got to know. But you may say, okay, maybe he's just a fish. Maybe he's been playing since 2014, but he still doesn't understand this. Well, here's why I doubt that. And this is where we have a connection to that Hanson kid, which is unfortunate. Of all things, on June 7th, because, by the way, something I didn't tell you is that Alex Benjamin, despite all the crappy things he did to show you that karma doesn't always uh, take place, Alex Benjamin doing that crap with 27 people left and 30 people left made the final table. Yeah, so he made the final table. He only finished seventh, but this is at the Colossus, so that was still a $154,000, 208 payday for him. So he got paid pretty well, considering it was only $565 to enter the damn thing. I don't know how many times Benjamin entered, but he got 154k. So probably not knowing this, that Hanson kid or someone operating the Crush Live Poker account, in fact, I, I hate to say it, it may have been Calwatt <laughs> tweeting this because uh, this was a tweet from at Crush Live Poker, which is that Hanson kid's training site. And it said it was tweeted from New York. And since that Hanson kid is in Las Vegas now, he couldn't have been the one tweeting it. So it was probably tweeted by Calwatt. But uh, there's a picture of Alex Benjamin sitting next to Bart Hanson. Bart Hansen is holding up Alex Benjamin's $154,000 check. Alex Benjamin is smiling. Bart Hansen is smiling. And the tweet says, Crush Live Poker subscriber Alex Benjamin wins $154,000 for his seventh place finish at the Colossus. Congrats. Oops. I'm not blaming that Hansen kid because I have to imagine that this was done probably very shortly after him cashing. He probably didn't know about the tanking with the aces. And all he knew is that this is a subscriber to Crush Life Poker's training site. And that by learning the tricks of the trade on there, that he went on to utilize it and finish seventh at that massive Colossus event for a over 150k profit. So I understand why they were promoting that. And it's very possible that Alex Benjamin learned whatever skills he had and showed at the table. I'm not talking about the tanking with the aces, but whatever he applied, you know, he probably learned and applied things he learned there to this tournament and ended up finishing seventh, which is an impressive finish. 
So I understand why a training site would want to promote that, but wrong guy to promote after he did that. But in their defense, they probably didn't know that. I hope that uh, Cal Watt, when he hears this show, and when the Hanson kid hears this show, maybe they can tell me. And I, you know, I I thought about should I piss off these new listeners to the show? I know Cal Watt's been listening a while, but Bart Hanson has recently been a, a listener and likes the show, and we like them both personally. And Cal Watt's put in his time to promote this. Should I should I really be a jerk and highlight an, this mistake they made by uh, promoting this? But I think they just didn't know. And if they didn't know, then there was no mistake because. It's not a mistake at all to promote a student of yours who did very well. I also don't think that Bart Hansen taught him anywhere to do this. <laughs> I've never heard of Bart Hansen tanking with aces last act. I've never heard of that before. I'm sure Bart knows better than that. I think this is just something that Alex Benjamin did to tilt everyone and make them angry. I guess it's a small chance he was an idiot and didn't realize you don't do that or was an idiot and didn't realize that... Uh, Strategy-wise, that this is a no-brainer. Maybe he really thought this is something to consider. Maybe he was just very nitty with his play style. So much that he has to consider what to do with aces and ask for chip counts. But whatever, uh, it's wrong to do. Even if Alex wasn't trying to be a dick, it's wrong to do. And since I'm sure there were comments after the first time he did it, then at the very least he should have understood at that point he made a mistake. The fact that he did it twice in an hour is really bad. So, you know, don't don't just just don't be an asshole for no reason at the poker table. Like, I understand people will sometimes do antics at the table that can be seen as, as borderline rude, but at least those can be seen as someone doing it for comedy or entertainment purposes or to keep up an image like that they're whatever personality they're trying to project but when you're just tanking with aces for four minutes that's not antics that's just being a dick it really is okay moving on speaking of being a dick Chris Ferguson decided that it was time after five years to return to the World Series of Poker Remember, Chris Ferguson was one of the four people on the board of Full Tilt Poker. One of the four who decided to steal our money. While the exact role of each party is not known, I mean, Ray Batar, it's known that he was directly involved in doing this, but the other three, Ray First, Howard Letter, and Chris Ferguson, it's never been completely made known how much they knew about it, how much they were involved in the decision. But let me tell you, these four were all on the board of directors. They were all very aware of the finances of Full Tilt. There's no chance that Ray Batar stole all the money of the site and that the other three board members had no clue. If they did not know, then they were... Then they were also doing something wrong by uh, shirking their duty as board members. As a board member of Full Tilt, you have to know and have access to the company finances. You can't just let one guy handle $300 million and never check up on it. You just can't do that. If you if you are on the board and you do that, if you give someone else full access to the $300 million and do not check up on where the money is every so often, 
then you are incompetent to the point of uh, criminal negligence. You can't use that as an excuse. You can't say, uh, yeah, we just left Ray in charge of $300 million. He's the one who screwed up. Sorry. If Ray stole it all in a day or two, fine. Then you can say that he just did this, and, and by the time you found out, it was too late. But this, this happened over a long period of time. So every board member, it was their responsibility to have access to and to check on the company finances. But there's no chance that the board didn't know about, for example, the, pro- the problems processing payments. They all knew. They all knew that they couldn't process payments. Basically, they were giving people credit for chips they were buying without actually billing anyone's bank account because they didn't have a working processor at the time. 100% the entire board knew this, and they knew the money had to be coming from somewhere. They also knew the distributions that they were paying out while this was going on, that they shouldn't have been doing that. I mean, they had to know everything. There's no, there's no chance that these four didn't know everything. I just don't believe for a second... No matter how much Howard Letterer tries to claim that he uh, gave up his day-to-day operations running of it back in, in 2008, and, and that's not true. He was still on the board. They all knew, and if by some chance they didn't, they should have known. So Chris Ferguson is one of four people who stole $300 million from the poker community in the years leading up to 2011 when Black Friday happened. Some people say, oh, it's the government's fault. No, it's not. The government simply lifted up the sheet and we saw under the sheet there was no money. It's like they it's like they had a, a table where all the money was under the table, our three hundred million dollars was under the table, and the government busted in and it's like, Okay, we're shutting you guys down. Now let's see the money you have here. We're gonna seize it. And then they pull up the sheet and there's no money under there. They go, What? Where's all the money? Uh we actually don't have it anymore. That that's what happened. The government didn't cause the money to disappear. In fact, someone on 2 Plus 2 said it very well. A future event cannot change a past event. The future event at the time was Black Friday. The past event was stealing money up to Black Friday. So if the money was not there when the government busted them, you cannot say the government caused the money to disappear. The money was already gone when the government busted them. They had already stolen all the money when the government busted them. All the government did was stop their scheme of robbing Peter to pay Paul to get the money back. That's all that was happening. Now you can say, well, maybe the government just stopped them from getting a payment processor to collect from these people that they had deposits from that they hadn't actually charged yet. But no, that was only like $60 million of the $300 million. So they, even if they were to collect all that back money, they were still down about $240 million from other misuses of the funds. They basically just dipped into the funds – of players, they stole our money to continue operating full tilt with the marketing, with all their other expenditures. They just they went broke, and they said instead of go instead of uh, stopping the distributions to the owners as if they're still profitable, instead of cutting down their expenditures, instead of even just suspending operation until they can get additional investors, they chose to steal our money on deposit instead. Our money on deposit was our money, and they stole it. Chris Ferguson was one of those people. 
So if you see Chris, he is the guy who stole your money from Full Tilt. He's not the only guy. Three others stole it. But he, along with three other people, stole your money from Full Tilt. That is a fact. You may say, well, but I'm okay. I got it back. Yes, but it took a very long time to get it back. But even more relevant is the fact that you only got it back because Poker Stars gave you the money back. The government technically gave it to you, but Poker Stars gave money to the government to give to you. So if you want to thank anyone for getting the money back, it is Poker Stars. But that does not mean that Chris didn't steal it. And had Poker Stars not bought it, you would probably not have gotten your money back at all. Or if you did, you would have gotten a very small percentage. In fact, uh, when group Bernard Tappy was going to buy Full Tilt before Poker Stars got involved to buy it, that was the plan that you would only get a certain percentage of your money back. So you would have had money stolen from you that you would have never gotten back if Poker Stars hadn't come in and saved the day. So it was not Howard Lederer. It was not Chris Ferguson. It was not Ray Batar or Ray First getting your money back after the fact. No. It was Poker Stars. Howard said, oh, I immediately went into trying to find uh, buyers for the company to get you guys your money back. No. What you immediately went and did, Howard, was try to rob Peter to pay Paul by continuing to operate for Europeans. By making the Europeans believe that everyone's money was safe and that it was safe to continue playing there rather than, hey, Europeans, deposit here so we can steal your money to pay back the Americans to make it look like we had the money the whole time. Literally robbing Peter to pay Paul. That is what Howard did. That is what Chris did. That's what Ray did. That's what Rafe did. That's what they did. So Chris Ferguson has the nerve to come back to the World Series after all this. Instead of just disappearing, instead of kind of hiding from public view, Chris Ferguson shows up at the World Series still in his Jesus Ferguson getup as if nothing happened. And he started playing. So, as you can imagine, a lot of people were upset by this. But, as is common in the poker community, uh, no one really does anything about it. Like, I would have been afraid to come back if I were him. I would have been afraid that someone would have assaulted me or found me in the parking lot afterwards. Or even if someone was really crazy, maybe they'd bring a gun and shoot me if I stole this much money. I mean, obviously he came back because most people have their money back now. But, but for example, uh, Mike Schneider, also known as Schneids, he tweeted that he, he's never going to forgive Howard or any of them because he still doesn't have his money back because he was tagged as, quote, an affiliate when he really wasn't. Because I guess he got some money for being a red pro there. So for that reason, he's considered, quote, an affiliate. He never got his money out. And you don't see Howard or Chris paying him either. So he's back. Same Jesus Ferguson get up as before. And didn't attempt to hide. Like he, you know, he could have cut his hair, shaved, uh, not worn that stupid hat and trench coat he always wears. And, you know, just kind of just showed up and maybe people wouldn't have noticed him right away. But no, he's like, okay, I, here I am, Jesus Ferguson. I'm going to play just as I did before. I'm going to look the same way I did before. Here I am, everybody. F you. That's basically what he did. Now, uh, he, he didn't want to comment. He didn't want to answer anything. He didn't want to apologize. Nothing. 
He just wanted to go and play poker. That's what he said. You know, anybody who who asked him, he basically said, I, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. He uh, he refused any interviews. He just said, I'm here to play poker. That's it. But you may be here to play poker, but so was everyone else on full tilt, some of whom had their life bankrolls trapped on there that you stole. So he played the seven-card stud event, and he busted out. I don't think he cashed. And then he played uh, a second event, the uh, $1,500 uh, dealer's choice, six-handed, and he cashed. So if he's entering $1,500 events, then obviously he has a a pretty full World Series schedule planned for this year. We're going to see a lot of him. So I guess he thinks it's okay to just come back and play poker. Now, have, have there been any attacks on him? No. Have there been any, at least verbal attacks on him? Well, not much. Here's one that someone recorded where they approached the rail and did the following. What? Hey, Chris, from me and all my friends, go fuck yourself. That's it. Yeah, so someone walked up and, you know, I kind of admire the effort. This, uh, I understand it. You know, some, this guy who tweeted it out said, you know, this is childish, but, uh, you know, oh, well, this is what I'm doing. And like, you know, I'm not, I'm not even saying it was childish. I mean, obviously, everyone has a right to be pissed off and say, go fuck yourself to him. I would have thought the better approach would have been, hey, see this guy right here? He stole everyone's money. He stole $300 million from poker players and full tilt poker, and now he has the nerve to walk back in here and sit amongst us. Now, it is true if you create a disruption at the World Series, they have a right to kick you out, or at least warn you. You don't have the right at the World Series to create a disruption, even if the person you're disrupting is a jerk. So, since Ferguson's not banned from the World Series, I would have liked it if the World Series just banned all these guys. Just banned Chris, banned Howard, banned Rafe, banned Ray Batar. I mean, some of them are... I I think that Ray Batar is never going to show his face, but... uh, uh, Howard definitely wants to come back, and, and I don't know, Ray First may come back at some point too. But I, I would have loved it if they just got banned. I think Russ Hamilton's banned, by the way. But I would have loved it if these guys were banned too. Because they, they didn't do anything better than Russ did. I mean, they, they, they didn't cheat at the tables. They just stole the money that was on deposit, which is just as bad. So, well, it was almost as bad. The only reason it wasn't... 100% is bad is because they stole it with the intention to eventually reimburse it. But you can't do that. It's still stealing. Whether you steal with a plan to give it back later or steal with a plan not to give it back later, it's still stealing. And as you see, they couldn't give it back later. So the result was the same. If Chris ends up at one of my tables, I'm going to start playing a pretty uh, aggressive World Series schedule starting the 14th. And there's a chance he'll end up at my table. I think there's a decent chance he'll play uh, at the 08 event that I'll be playing. I think there's uh, some chance he'll play Limit Hold'em. I don't know if I've seen him at Limit Hold'em before, but he might. He might be playing some of these No Limits I Enter. He'll definitely be playing the main event, I'm thinking. 
I have had them at my table before. Now, I'm not going to scream out loud there and get myself kicked out or warn. But I am going to bring up to the table what he's done. I'm going to ask him, how can you show your face here after what you've done here? If he tries to argue back or say, I'm just here to play poker, I'll say, there's a lot of people who couldn't come here to play poker because you stole their money and they still have not gotten it back yet. There are some people who have not been reimbursed because of this affiliate nonsense. There's others who couldn't play for years because their money was stuck because of what you did. You were on the board of directors, Chris. You were one of the people who stole our money. So after you stole our money that we only got back, most of us got it back, but the people who got it back was only thanks to a different entity, PokerStars, a third party coming and giving it to us. Uh, You have no right to be here. You shouldn't be showing your face here. You stole more money from the poker community than has ever been stolen before. You're much worse than Chino Ream, Eric Lindgren, any of these guys who stole from a few people. You were one of four people who stole $300 million from the poker community. You should not be here. And I'll let the table know that. And, you know, I've talked about on the show how one time I ended up at a table with Annette Oberstad. This is before she was promoting lock poker. But she was wearing a full tilt patch in the summer of 2011 when uh, she shouldn't have been, when it was clear something something wrong was happening. And I was very close to going off on her about it. But I got moved to her table. She had a lot of chips. Uh, Everyone at the table loved her. Everyone was kissing her ass and... You know, she was being very friendly. They were all being very nice to her. And I thought, crap, I, I can't show up as the new guy at this table and be the 40-year-old guy who just starts going off on a young girl who everyone likes. I mean, the table's not going to be receptive at all. They're going to think I'm a jerk. I'm a bully. You know, I was going to say, why are you wearing this full tilt gear? They cheated everyone. But, you know, I, I had a feeling the crowd on that table was not going to be sympathetic to that message. And she was just a site pro. She wasn't like one of people on the board or an owner like Chris was. So I was afraid that this would not be received by those at the table very well. And in fact, they just see me as the jerk and her as the sympathetic character. So I decided not to. But Chris is a different story. Uh, Chris is not a little girl. It's not going to be seen like as the big man versus little girl. It's going to be he's like, you know, dude against dude. Uh, Chris Ferguson is not a sympathetic character. He's one who made many, many millions, tens of millions from Full Tilt. And who stole all our money. And was one of the four people on the board of directors to do it. So he is not a sympathetic character. And I'm not going to feel bad to confront him. And anybody who still thinks I'm being a jerk by doing so will F them. I think the table there will be much more open to the message I'm going to try to portray there. Now, if I get warned by the floor to stop it, I'm not going to continue. I'm not going to get myself kicked out of the World Series for this message. I'm there at the World Series to play poker and to win, not to be an activist. But if I see him, I will say something. And I encourage all of you to do that too. And do so, do so in a uh, calm and reasoned manner. You don't have to shout. You don't have to use profanity. You don't have to be aggressive or threatening. 
I'm not saying to physically attack him. I'm not going to physically attack him. But but state your opinion that he shouldn't be there. Tell him he's a thief. Tell him that uh, he was one of four people who stole $300 million. If he denies it, say you were on the board of directors. You and three other people on the board of directors stole our money over a period of years. If he says, no, the government, no, it's not the government. The money was gone when the government got there. Tell him. I'm going to tell him. So if you see him, tell him. Especially if he's at your table. If he's not at your table, then they can start making complaints. Oh, you know, you're, you're, you're bothering players from the rail, blah, blah, blah. If you're a, a player at the table, then you definitely have a right to say something. Uh, if you're on the rail, you can still say something. And they're, you know, they're not going to kick you out for telling him he's a thief. Because they know. They know what he is there. Now, if, you, if you're really disruptive, yeah, they may kick you out. But if you, if you just go up from the rail and, and talk to him, uh, they're not going to kick you out. They may tell you to stop it, but they're not going to kick you out. They'll only kick you out if they tell you to stop and you don't stop. This didn't make it on TV, but in 2009 when I ended up at Helmuth's table, on TV, I made reference to UB and it's cheating and how he was still representing them. They didn't show it. I was hoping they showed it. In fact, I waited till a hand, which I knew would be on TV, to mention it. I, I waited till it was a hand I was going to fold, but when it came back around to my big blind, instead of just folding it, I made a statement about UB first, then folded. And he argued back with me, and we argued back and forth. Uh, then the floor came over and told me I can't do this anymore. They're going to penalize me. And since I was short-stacked, the penalty would have meant disqualification because I would have blinded out. So that was the end of that. I stopped once they told me to stop. But, uh, but I tried. I tried with Helmuth. And uh, I'm going to try with Ferguson, who's much worse than Helmuth was. Helmuth didn't directly steal the money. And Helmuth, I, I don't believe he was one of the cheaters at UB. Alan Kessler, I don't know why he did this. Uh, there's a picture that they took of him with Ferguson. Like, like he's posing with a celebrity. <laughs> there's a picture of Alan Kessler and Ferguson Standing next to one another, Ferguson's smiling, Kessler's kind of like doing a small grin, and they're standing together. Like, hey, look who's back. Hey, let's take a picture together. Like, what the hell? He's not a celebrity anymore. He's a thief. Alan, what are you doing, man? You shouldn't even be a poker fanboy at this point. You've been on the tournament trail forever. Come on, man. So I tweeted to Alan saying, so you're cool with Ferguson stealing hundreds of millions of our dollars in 2011? Disappointing. And... Kessler tweeted back at Todd Wattellis, not convinced of that. It may be true, though. <laughs> Come on, Alan. You're smarter than that. You're smarter than Alan. You're not convinced. Of course you are. You just, you just don't care for whatever reason. Awful. Daniel Negreanu has decided to chime in on the situation. This is what he wrote on Twitter. I'd like to know if Ferguson has any remorse. It seems that his actions are speaking louder than words. He doesn't seem to care. I just don't know. After five years, he doesn't think that he owes the players any sense of apology. It's so smug and absurd. Quote, I'm just here to play poker. Ferguson's only comment dismisses the damage he caused the poker community while hiding under the covers. 
Chris Ferguson returns to the World Series of Poker, issuing no no apologies, no remorse, as if nothing happened. Feels like a giant slap in the face to players. Absolutely true. Thank you, Daniel Negreanu. Thank you for making that statement. Needed to be said. Thank you. Good job. Not being sarcastic. Good job. Very sad these guys can feel comfortable to return. Now, I realize it's not like the old days. It's not like, you know, you cheat people massively uh, 40 years ago and someone will grab you on the way to your car and tie you up and uh, bury you alive in the desert. I I know it's not like that anymore in Vegas, but on the other hand, someone like Chris Ferguson shouldn't be allowed to play, and if he does, he shouldn't be able to play uh, unhindered and unharassed. There should be enough at least harassment, at least verbal harassment, to make him uncomfortable. So I will contribute to that if he is at my table. Or if I see him walking around the hallway. I'm not going to go to the rail of his events and harass him because, uh, I mean, if you want to do it, that's fine. I'm not going to do it because I'm a player there and I'm also a media there and I don't want to be seen as someone who's actually going to events I'm not in and harassing players there, even if it's players who deserve harassment. That's just I, I just don't want to do that. I don't think it would, I think it would be a bad look for me to do that. But believe me, if he's at my table or I see him walking by me in the hallway, I'm going to do it. He'll probably just ignore me by the way. I don't think we're getting it. I don't think there will be any kind of debate between me and Chris Ferguson. He'll probably just get, no, I'm just here to play poker. Or probably just he'll just stare at me probably. The World Series of Poker had an interesting lineup at the $10,000 stud final table. Keep in mind, these 10K events tend to get a lot of pros in the first place, so it's not surprising when the final table is filled with names that you know. This is the same with any of those 10K events. Here is the order of finish. From ninth to first at the final table. Rob Party from Las Vegas. I don't know who, who he is, but uh, Calvin Anderson from Oklahoma, eighth place. I don't know who he is. So after that, it starts to get more interesting. Bill Chen finished seventh. David Benjamin finished sixth. Steve Weiss from Las Vegas. I don't know who he is, but he finished fifth. Ted Forrest. Finishing fourth. Maybe that'll help his uh, bankroll a bit. He's known to be broke. George Danzer, who won two bracelets last year. Finished third. Didn't quite get one this year. Matt Grapenthien. You may not know him, but uh, he's a very, very good player. Was mainly a limit hold'em player, but he's since branched out to play other things. Very, very good player. Kind of a weird guy from Chicago. Uh... He's an odd person, okay? He's kind of an odd guy. Very quiet, very odd, but a very good player. I don't have any problem with him. Uh, but anyway, he's apparently good as stud, too. He finished second. He was known as uh, Big Grapes on Full Tilt and uh, Grape Nuts on Poker Stars. Did very well under both accounts. Matt Grape and theme finished second. And a Ms. Rachi, or Ms. Rocky, won. Not Mike Ms. Rocky but Robert Mizraki. So, 
The Mizraki brothers are still alive. Maybe Mike Mizraki's not doing that well, but I heard he's broke again. But Robert Mizraki won this event. Not a huge payday. Decent, but not huge. Uh, 242000 These 10K events, uh, the good news with them is that they're smaller fields, so winning a bracelet is easier. Making the final tables easier. The bad news, number one, the field gets very tough after you eliminate like the first half of people. Like there's actually a lot of fish to start off with, surprisingly. Like the 10K limit hold'em event, it's not like all limit hold'em all stars. There's a lot of fish in the ta- in the event, but then the fish fall off in like the first half, and then after that, it gets very tough. So that's why there's value in it is that in that uh, you have a lot of fish contributing dead money to the prize pool. But once you get past those fish. Then it becomes very tough, and you're, you're you're against a lot of tough players. You just got to hope to run well. That's how these go. So, uh, in the final stages, you're against very tough players. If you recall the final table at the 5K limit hold'em, which was the equivalent of the 10K that year, they didn't have a 10K. If you remember my final table, a lot of tough players there. But Mike Mizraki was the winner. And, uh, yeah, a lot of big names of this one. Even big names that aren't that well-known but are excellent players like Matt Grapenthien, George Danzer, Ted For- the return of Ted Forrest and David Benjamin, Bill Chen, who uh, plays a ton of events and uh, inevitably makes the final table here and there. And uh, I don't think he's won a bracelet since he won those two in 2006. And then uh, Calvin Anders- Anderson and Rob Party, whoever they are. Adam Friedman, remember him? The guy who cried on TV. He's done quite well, actually, since the TV crying. But he finished 10th. He had the he was the final table bubble. So Jeff Lissandro finished 13th. He could have been there. Well, Jacqueline Moscow, her ongoing situation with Nolan Dalla, where she alleged that Nolan Dalla motorboated her at a bar after the Poker Night in America filming in Pittsburgh back in November 2014 that he motorboated her big breasts without permission at the bar, sexually harassing her. Also claimed that uh, Todd Anderson, the uh, producer of the show, uh, was just a jerk, didn't like her, was an asshole to her, and that uh, Chris Hansen, the host of the show, made a comment about Jews, that the show is unique because it doesn't have Jews on it, which isn't even true. So she made these claims She in a blog on her website. This has gotten a ton of play over the last few weeks. I have been one of those people who has been skeptical the whole way. I haven't been on anyone's side. I'm not friends with Nolan Dalla. I've never been friends with Nolan Dalla. Eight years ago, Nolan Dalla wrote a nasty blog about me, which you can find if you Google it. I'm not friends with Nolan Dalla. And I I don't know Jacqueline Moscow. I had no axe to grind with her. I really have no reason to take any particular side in this. I'm not on anyone's side. I actually feel that both sides are leaving out or lying about certain things that happen. I think that uh, we don't have the information that we should have on this one. Especially since Jacqueline was the one to bring it out in public. Remember, she brought this out herself. This wasn't something that just slipped out. So some people say, what? Right do you have to comment on this? What right do you have to demand information? What right do you have to assume? I have this right because Jacqueline brought it out in public. So when you write a blog saying, hey, everyone, look what happened. Hey, everyone, I want you to hate Nolan Dalla, Todd Anderson, and uh, Chris Capra and Chris Hansen. I want you to hate them all 
for what they did to me, well then, I, as part of that public, have a right to try to dissect the situation and ask questions. If you didn't want these questions asked, then you should not be bringing it out in public. It's that simple. So, she has been appearing on a pretty aggressive schedule of, uh, of podcasts ever since this happened. First on the Chicago Joey show, then she appeared on... Uh, some uh, some other I forgot what the name of the other one was so some other poker podcast I forgot the name of it now and then she appeared on Lyman's Poker Sesh show Poker Sesh is a show that Lyman does from Live at the Bike you actually have to go to Live at the Bike's uh, Twitch to watch it uh, it's a video show. This is a, an audio show, by the way. There, there's no way to watch me on a video. I, I wouldn't even feel comfortable doing this on video because I would feel distracted. I would feel like, uh, you know, if I'm picking my nose or if I'm making a funny face, you guys are going to all see it. I, I don't want to look presentable throughout the broadcast. You know, what if I go sit down to the broadcast and I, I haven't showered in a while, I just woke up and my hair is sticking up all over the place. I, I, I don't want trolls taking screenshots and I, like, I don't want it. I, like, I don't want to worry about how I look. I want you guys to think about what I am saying, not how I'm looking. So I, I've always been a big fan of radio ever since I was a little kid in the 70s and I always had dreams of doing my own radio show. It wasn't like a serious career dream, but I always just had fantasies about doing my own radio show. So this is the closest I've gotten. This is the closest I'll probably ever get. And I like the audio format. I like that you just are listening to me and not watching me. But Lyman, he does the show on video, on Twitch. And Lyman... We have some similarities and we have our differences. In in our similarities, we're both poker pros. We're both in our 40s. We're both Jews. We're both from Southern California. We are both opinionated. We're both not shy to express our opinions through our shows. So uh, in this way, we're alike. But our approach to our shows are very different. Now, this show, we we do a lot of uh, outrageous things. We'll make prank calls. We'll uh, play videos and mock them sometimes. Uh, We'll state controversial or unpopular opinions. We will state opinions about individuals that uh, we have to end up seeing when we go play the World Series or elsewhere in Vegas. We have our general segments where we talk about uh, sometimes obscene or or, uh, risque subjects. But something I can say about this show is that it is respectfully presented. I don't scream and yell at people. I don't shout over people. I usually don't call the listeners or callers into the show names. It's respectfully presented. Now, if somebody calls up here to attack me, then I'll sometimes argue back and forth with them. But, but even then, I, I try to restrain myself. And that's, I just think that's the right thing to do. I think it's grating and stressful and difficult to listen to a radio show or a podcast where the host is screaming the entire time. Where the host is yelling at people, yelling over callers, 
you feel like you're you're listening to a shouting match. It's it's not good radio and it's not pleasant radio. I want this show to at least be pleasant. So I don't have the yelling or screaming element on here. In fact, when we have callers on here, like Marty, that will call up and do that themselves, I find it stressful, and in fact, I hang up on them before it uh, escalates too far. So uh, I went on Lyman's show, and I've been on his show, I think, twice before, and he's been on my show once, and every time it's the same. Every time it's a shouting match, initiated by him. He starts shouting over me, he starts getting insulting. So then I like I'll try to contain myself, but sometimes just to get in a word edgewise, I have to shout over him. It it doesn't make good radio. It's brutal. Like I I stopped enjoying being on the radio with him because it always becomes that. Not because of me. He he does that. And I don't know why he can't. I, I don't know why he can't control himself. He can't just sit back and let someone make their point and then respond. He always interrupts and shouts. So I found myself in a dilemma when he was appearing, or, or when Jacqueline Moscow was appearing on his show on Monday, and for the first time ever, she was taking phone calls because the other shows she was on, uh, she was just on with a host, but uh, listeners didn't have a way to interact with her. So I thought I've got to call in, and I've, I really want to speak to her and bring up some of the issues I have and ask some pointed questions that haven't really been asked yet. But at the same time, I knew that I'd probably be interrupted and shut down by Lyman, especially given that Lyman was very, very biased in that uh, from the second she came on, you knew whose side he was on. He was definitely on her side, definitely against Nolan, definitely believing everything she said and definitely supportive of everything she was saying and doing. Occasionally, he would bring up some minor thing that he disagrees with her, but never the core issues. So I knew if I called in and... uh, brought up things that were disagreeing with her or bringing up questions that might be uncomfortable that he would interrupt me and be difficult. Well, that's exactly what happened. Nonetheless, I'm going to play you the clips of the show. By the way, he actually had the nerve to criticize this show. I don't think I have a clip of this, but he had the nerve to, uh, to criticize this show earlier in his broadcast, saying that I, I take too long on the intro, that he just can't stand it, it's unlistenable, and then had the nerve to make fun of our precious call-to-listen line. Let me tell you something, Lyman. Let me tell you something. You should never make fun of a great thing like the call-to-listen line. The call-to-listen line is a beautiful thing that allows people another option to listen to the show, and there's a lot of people who utilize it. You know what, Lyman? It is tough to listen to your show. Not tough to actually stay listening, which is true too, but it's tough to actually listen at all. Because I think it's either go on Twitch and listen through them or nothing. So unless you go on to that Twitch broadcast, I don't think there's even a way to listen. Or if there is, I don't know how to do it. It's not easy to find archives of your show. In fact, I think maybe you can't even listen in the archives unless you you pay for an account through Live at the Bike or something awful like that. It's just not easy to listen to your show live or in the archives. And, and, it is so brutal to try to call into your show. I called over and over and over and over and you just don't answer. And also, when I when I did call in, I called in using Skype, which, by the way, he uses Skype. He takes Skype phone calls, as I do. 
But he was unable to take my call. He told me I had to call in on the phone because he can't take a Skype call and a phone call at the same time. (laughs) So he's having Jacqueline Moscow on the show over the phone, and because she's on the phone, he can't also take a Skype call. He says it does not work. (laughs) Lyman, we do that every week here. We take Skype calls and regular phone callers. You know when we get those Team MLK calls? Team MLK calls in by Skype, and we have phone callers on. In fact, if we couldn't do that, then we wouldn't be able to have Team MLK and Bad Guy, who calls over the phone, on at the same time for some of those legendary battles we've had between the two of them. We take Skype calls and phone calls all the time. In fact, I'm on with Brandon on Skype. I'm on with Calwatt on Skype. That's how they're on. And yet we take regular phone calls. We can do it. Why can't you? And the funny thing is, guess what? You know what I get paid for this show? I get paid a very large salary for doing the show. I get paid a whopping... Zero point zero. You actually do your show and get paid for it. Live in the mic pays you. Why, I don't know. But they actually pay you, Lyman, to do that stupid show where all you do is shout. All you do is shout at everyone and take phone calls from idiots. And yes, your audience is, is mostly full of idiots. There's a the few who aren't, but boy, is that a dumb audience. I mean, the audience of this show... It's not all geniuses, I'll acknowledge that, but, but we, we have a lot of smart people that listen to this show. As a whole, the audience is pretty bright. You'll notice most of the phone calls we get, people seem to know what they're talking about. You'll notice in the chat room, people tend to be pretty clever. The chat room for the Live of the Bike Poker Sesh show is awful. The callers are awful. It's, it's like a gaggle of idiots following the king of the fools. That's, that's really what the Poker Sesh show is. And you're telling me that you can't take Skype calls and phone calls at the same time when this free show can? The show that nobody pays me? I don't have any staff? It's just me? I have co-hosts, but I don't have staff. I don't have anyone paying me. You can't take a Skype call? you got to be freaking kidding me. And then he has like a one-track mind where if one person is on the phone, he cannot take any other callers. Maybe he can, but he, he, he just doesn't notice them. So you'll call in over and over and over. If there's someone on the phone, you have to wait till they hang up. Otherwise, he doesn't even see your call. So what you've got to do is you've got to wait until the caller hangs up and then quickly dial in and hope he sees it. And he still doesn't always see it. It's so tilting to call into that show. And I will tell you, and you guys know, this show, it's pretty easy to get through. Sometimes I won't take calls because I'm in the middle of something. But for the most part, if you want to get through here, I will answer the call. Or if I don't answer the call, I'll say, hey, I see a call from this number. You know, call it a bit later. I see the calls most of the time. So with that said, I'm going to play you my appearance on the show. I may break in a few times to make comments, and you'll hear how often I was interrupted and how I didn't get to get out fully what I was trying to say, but I did get off some decent questions. And uh, it's too bad they didn't get uh, fully fleshed out. That taken out of so context, the point no, of the matter, which was... I, I got to jump. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm producing the show during the show. Somebody touched me? <laughs> somebody touched me? Okay, let me uh, let me jump to the right point here. Somebody, you got to understand, somebody touched me? Somebody touched me? Oh, no. I should have had this ready. But of course they don't. So here's about where I come on. 
want to point good. that out. But, well, um, we're, we're going for it here. This is great. We're, we're fucking going for it. 818, 818, you're on with uh, Jacqueline Moscow. Yes, 818. 818. Would you? Hello. Yes. Oh, is this Todd? It is Todd, yes. Hello. I, I knew it was you because you fucking dog is barking in the background. What can I say? My dog doesn't like you. My oh, dog does not like no. you. He he uh, cringes at the sound of your voice, so I had to uh, go no. to a different room to get him to shut up. No, your dog sounds like it's trying to escape you, Todd. Your, to- your dog. Your dog wants. To I don't know. He only barks when he hears you for some reason. No. Otherwise, he's a quiet dog. That's be- it's actually true. My dog. Uh, Whenever I listen to Lyman's show, he just starts going crazy like this. I had to go to another room to escape the dog. You hear the dog, yeah, go quiet because I I actually went to a different room because my dog hates Lyman's voice. It's like nails on a chalkboard to the dog, and dogs have better hearing than people. So that shows you, like, he hears Lyman is like, rawr, 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 rawr. he just. I, I can tell you, Lyman could, will probably never be able to break into my house because as soon as my dog even hears a whisper from him, uh, he'll go crazy. So I had to escape the dog. And you'll hear, you know, you hear Lyman a lot clearer in this broadcast than me because I had to call over the damn phone because he can't take the Skype call. Pathetic. I know what he's saying. He's yelling, help, 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 help. Lyman, help me. I, I, don't, I don't think you're the man to help him, Lyman. I don't think uh, he'd be the one. I don't think you'd be the one he'd be calling for help. That's okay, my opinion. Todd, get to your, okay, ask a question, Todd. But don't, I want you to ask one succinct question and then be quiet. One question? I have so many questions. No, you got to be kidding Todd, me. One question? Todd, that's censoring Todd, you. shut the fuck up. You can, no, you can ask, you can ask a bunch of questions, but you have to ask a question and then shut up and get an answer. Don't talk over everybody or I'm going to hang up on you. So ask one question now. That, that's fine. Okay. That's fine. Ask but also don't talk over me. Okay, ask. No, I do what the fuck I want. Ask okay, a question. Okay, my first question. <laughs> my first question for Dr. Jacqueline Moscow is, did you Hi, release, hello, did you release this uh, whole story on May 25th on purpose because it was one week before the World Series? No, it is ironic timing. I will tell you the honest truth, and there's a lot of people that could back this up whether they want to or not. Um, the, the moment that I first was like, infuriated and realized I was going to be releasing the story was back in December when they came and they were uh, filming Ladies Night 2 at Hard Rock and I was like avoiding Hard Rock and at that time I was playing the most cash there and I went if if I'm avoiding a place just because those guys are there this is obviously bothering me more than I thought. I started reaching out to them around that time Um, there were a series of events that occurred there were some negotiations, there were some talks there was some like uh, whatever it was, I, I told myself, I got to get the story out there. I went on this same podcast I'm on now. I announced the story would be coming. That forced me to, to yes. have to put it out there. Right. Um, and That's then without getting into too much personal stuff, I went, you know, had a relationship, a three-year relationship at the same time, sort of go through some issues. And I, I had to move in recent months and things got delayed and then I wrote a blog, but I had to have some people look at it first, and that got delayed, and and the timeline just, I already gave out more info than I wanted to, but the timeline just ended up being, and these people could see the emails where I'm going, I want to get it up, I want to get it up, I want to get it up. I probably even, you know, told our host here, I want, you know, I'm trying to get this blog up as quickly right. as I can. Um, and and then it, this is just the time that it ended up getting up, and, and it, it didn't occur to me until afterwards when people were pointing out this is right before the WSOP for max damage right. that like 
I'm very open-minded, and I'm one of those people, like, someone wants to throw me a conspiracy theory, I'll listen to it, and I'll look at the evidence and, and such, and I, if someone had told me that, I'd probably be making the same accusation you are, to be honest, because it seems like it was Well, okay, okay, but you, you were on this show, you were on this show in early March, that's been two and a half months, that's a long time between... Uh, I wasn't on the show years. in early March. You were on in March sometime. I haven't been on the show since 2014. No, I haven't. Well, you were on something. Something happened in March. Maybe I'm wrong about that. There's something in March that happened where you were saying you're going to release something. Maybe he's wrong. But just move on. I'm not sure what you're referencing. All I know is that there's a lot of other stuff like that you guys don't know about me that's been going on, and that I tried to get the blog up as quickly as possible, and I also had to have people, you know, proofread the blog for me, and I had to have people. um, I had to have help uh i hadn't i hadn't had my website uh up for a while i had right. to have help on on that end I well i'm just saying anything. i know at least sometime in february or march you were definitely talking about releasing something mm-hmm. and then it took all the way till may and really may 25th if you had to pick it to, i know i'm just i'm just I, saying I, here I may 25th okay, Todd, 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 Todd. yeah have yeah. you ever had to move? It's really pretty hard. Really I just I just want to make one statement about it. May twenty fifth is the very most between March. I, I understand. I, I understand. Between the time that okay. I understand well, you moved, but I'm just saying May twenty fifth interfered with okay. when you wanted. I, can, to I, I can't even get a word in here. Okay, Todd, May twenty fifth is the no. very most damaging date no, Todd, to release it possible. You can't pick one more more no. damaging than that. Nobody listen to this. So you can see, I'm trying to make the point that May twenty fifth is the very most damaging date to Nolan Dalla, an employee of the World Series of Poker, to release this story because it's a week before the World Series. It'll be fresh on everyone's mind as they come to the World Series, and yet it's not interfered with by World Series news. So everyone you have everyone's attention for that week before the World Series when the news is kind of dead, and then they arrive to the World Series knowing Nolan Dalla is a scumbag sexual harasser. At least you want them to know that. You want them to think that of him, whether it's true or not. And... That was my point, that this, this wasn't a coincidence on that date, releasing it. So uh, she gives a story that this wasn't her intention. It was just an accident. It was that date. It wasn't uh, – she understands why I think that. But uh, then she gives the excuse that uh, moving is very hard. She just moved. So that's the reason that she released it on May 25th is because a uh, moving day got in the way. <laughs> Which, look, this is probably like a, one of those partially true things where she probably did move, but that's not the reason. I mean, I'm still convinced this was done a week before the World Series. There's some chance it was a coincidence. I'm not going to say 100%, but I'm saying that there's a. if I had to bet money on it, I would bet big time that this was done specifically a week before the World Series because that's the optimal time to release that story, especially since she was talking about releasing this story way back uh, two and a half months ago. I don't know what she's talking about, like, oh, nothing in early March. I, she was on something in early March or late February, there's definitely rumblings out there where she had said in early March or late February that she has a big story to release about Poker Night in America. They didn't know what it was at the time. We know now. But uh, it took two and a half months from there, and that, that was my problem. But listen how Lyman's running interference. And when I when I was saying that I may be wrong, it was about his show, but if you know, she appeared on some show saying she, he's like, oh, Todd's wrong. That, that's a shocker. And he's, you know. And he's trying to run interference here as I'm trying to get this question out. Instead of just shutting up. I mean, it was hard enough to talk over her and get her to listen to my question. Then I have Lyman now interfering. Nobody cares about the – like, I'm a cash game player. Of course, player. it matters. I haven't played at the World Series of Poker. Uh, I haven't played a tournament since 2004. Yeah, but I, no one works there. 
No I one don't... works there. Everyone's going to see him. It's going to be embarrassing for him. Well, okay. He's going to be uncomfortable. Well, yeah, well, I, I, I know. I'm just telling you that's. I'm not saying I feel sorry for him. I'm just saying that this looks to me like it was on purpose. So let's get I'm past that. I'm telling you, look, I gave you my answer. If I was you, I'd be asking the same question, but my honest answer is no. I yes. Okay, let me get to a better question. Okay, so, so, so Lyman's response was ridiculous. I don't play the World Series. I haven't played the World Series in 12 years, so no one cares. Well, you haven't played the World Series in 12 years, but... That means nobody else is? I mean, I don't care what you do, Lyman. I'm just saying that there's a lot of people at the World Series, and a lot of those people who read this story from Jacqueline on May 25th are going to think of that story when they see Nolan walking around as an employee of the World Series, and it's going to be embarrassing for him. Maybe he deserves the embarrassment. Maybe he doesn't. That's not the point. The point is this was released to cause him maximum embarrassment at that exact time of year when it would cause the most embarrassment. If you release this story in, in August... Then by the time the next World Series comes around in 2017, uh, people aren't going to think of this much anymore. The story will be very old by that point. Here it was released at the very perfect time to cause max damage. Do a better question. That question was fucking horrible. No, no, no. That, no, that was, that was a, a very useful question, okay, but here's yeah. one that's uh, easier to prove. Okay. okay? okay go. You, actually, I want to know, when, you, when, when the Poker Night in America people came to Florida on November 30th, you had been told, and tell me if I'm wrong about November this. 40th? You were told on no- Wait, what? November 30th. Okay. You were told on November 18th, 12 days earlier, that you're not invited anymore, that you're not going to be on the show. On November 30th, uh-huh. you posted a text you Posted a text where you texted Nolan basically saying, and I can quote it if you want, right. that where, where should I show up to? Where should I be? Hi, welcome That's to Florida. Where should I go? Capra had sent me an email saying, I have spoken to Nolan and Todd, and you have a seat on the show. If you'd right. like to see that email, I can show it to you. Was, was it prior to uh, November 30th? Yes. I would not have texted out of the blue, except that it had been established that I was going to be playing. Oh, and let, because I also saw I saw I saw a text to Chris Capra that same day, about 15 minutes after you texted Nolan, saying, hi, welcome to Florida, where do I go? Where you texted Chris saying, Nolan hit me up and told me that there's a seat available. Well, no one didn't hit you up. You hit him up right. and acted like you're still invited. Yeah, but and no Todd, one's like, uh, Todd, well, Todd, what does, what? It, what does it, who cares? Like, let's say, let's say, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate. She fucking sent the email out of the blue. Who fucking cares? So she's a go-getter. What's wrong with but being I a go-getter? I, I'm, I'm just playing I can just tell you that because I did it. Because it creates the whole picture. Because it creates the whole picture. It, one of the things that was criticized of Nolan mm-hmm. is that Nolan was lying, supposedly, about you just showing up to Florida uninvited and that he contacted you about it. But then I read the text go carefully. Back and go back on their Facebook page and look at the first time that they said that I would be playing in the Florida show. It's like... I can I can do it myself Todd, if you want. Todd, I don't I don't even have a Facebook. But it doesn't matter. They this promoted is me in all of their photos for this... the Florida show. I understand this question. Well, I know, they but there's twelve days in Florida. between where you were told now. You, no, I know you were invited to Florida, but then you were disinvited on November 18th, and but that I know for I sure. Was re-invited by Chris Capra. Okay, I'd like to see email. the proof of that because when you were on the 95-minute podcast with Gonzo uh, okay, Joe, okay, yes, sir. Since you're the I'm, I'm, I, I mean, I don't even know if I want to humor you with this. This is silly. Well, I do want to. It's the back your own story. This doesn't matter to me. Todd, this, this is the back your own Todd, story. Listen to me, Todd. Yes. I I am uh, closely involved in a poker show, and I host po- a lot of private poker games, too, and public poker games. And I can tell you that there are go-getter-type people 
who show up. But that even, wasn't the case. I'm not saying it's you, Jacqueline. What I'm okay. saying is, what I'm saying is, this line of questioning doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't. Of course it does because Nolan was Nolan was said to be a liar because he claimed no. she said that Nolan. Nolan's what? not a liar. You see, you're shouting over me. You're shouting over no, me again. Who cares if Nolan's a liar? Nolan, the only thing I care is that Nolan's a motorboater. I don't care if he's a okay. fucking liar. Okay, so here, here's another. So, okay, so let's talk about the motorboating. Okay. Uh, Jacqueline, before before the alleged motorboating. Wait, happened, hold on, by the way, sir. I, sir, pause. Yeah. I'm getting yeah. you the email yeah. you want. Would oh, you like to give me your email she's address? Bringing, oh, so yes. That I can send this to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, yes, my email address is dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. That's dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. Dandruff. I don't even know why I'm humoring you with this. Oh, this uh, I'm not... Dandruff is... Now you... Go ahead. Okay. Okay. You're you not know... humoring me. You're, you're proving your own assertions. Now you guys are... And she kept saying that she's going to humor me. Why is she humoring me? Why is she doing what I'm saying? Well, you're not humoring me. You made claims about things. Then you're providing evidence to back up those claims. It was your claims. It's not... I'm not just coming with things out of the blue. I'm not saying, uh, hey, hey, Jacqueline, uh, you know, I, I heard you had sex with five poker players uh, from Florida in 2015. I'm, I didn't hear that, by the way. I'm making that up. But if I said that and then I'm like, prove you didn't, prove that the guy who's saying this is a liar, then she'd be humoring me by providing me with this evidence because I'm coming to her with a rumor. But here she made statements on her own. And now I'm asking, well, prove those statements, and it's not humoring me to provide the evidence of those statements. But anyway, here's here's the discussion of providing that evidence. Dandruff at, at pokerfraudalert.com. Pokerfraudalert.com. Don't please, no, nobody. Dandruff You're about to get an email dated November nineteenth from Christopher Capra, where he tells me I'll be playing the ladies' event. Well, there I'm you sure go. you'll find okay. something in it there you don't you like or. I don't know what the fuck No, I look, I, 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 I look, the whole really time I've, I've tried to be fair about this. Okay. I've been Dan fair Ruff, about this the whole time. I'm trying to go question? by the facts question that I can three. see. Question three. I don't care okay. about Okay, it's been next. said to you. Okay, then, question three. So. Question. Now, now, keep in mind, you, you hear him rushing me by, I don't care. It's always, I don't care, I don't care. Whenever he likes, I bring something up that uh, either subject he doesn't like that I'm asking her or something he thinks is going to be uncomfortable to make her look bad. Whatever it is, I don't care. This doesn't matter. Why? If, yeah, of course this all matters. Even when she's trying to provide me with proof, he's saying it doesn't matter. So he's interrupting me again. I did get the email. And just to show you that her assumption about me isn't true, that I'll find something wrong with it. I got the email. I don't have proof it's authentic, but from what I could see, I think it is authentic. And that email, which I don't know why she didn't post before, but that email on November 19th, 2014 does prove that she was reinvited. So it looks like she was uninvited on the 18th of November 2014 from the Florida show and on the 19th one day later, maybe because they were worried that she was going to sue them or or make them look bad over the motorboating thing, whatever it was, you know, the night after that all happened, like you know, she on the 19th they reinvited her. I, I, I guess it wasn't the night, but a few days after this all happened. A few days after they uh disinvited her and then she complained about it like she was reinvited on the 19th. And then I don't know if there's any communication between the 19th and the 30th, but I haven't seen any. So if it is true, I mean, that she did seem to get this email on the 19th from Chris Capra saying you've been reinvited. So I had never seen that before. She never provided that before. She never even mentioned that email before. So my question was valid, but then she provided the proof. And I'm like, okay, well, then I don't know why Nolan's saying he doesn't know why she was there. Like then that whole part of his story doesn't make any sense now. So see, I, I'm fair to both sides. 
Now it looks like about the whole Florida thing, she was right. Now it looks like that even though she may have pressured them with, oh, you know, I got motorboated, oh, they made anti-Semitic comments, uh, most girls would say something about this, I'm not going to, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And then they're like, oh, well, okay, well, welcome back to our Florida show. <laughs> like, that's what they were doing, probably. But still, they, they can't make the claim that she wasn't invited to Florida because it looks like what really happened was she was uninvited and then reinvited. So fine. That's what I wanted to see, the proof. That's what I wanted to see, this hole. It wasn't even proving. It was like filling in a hole in the story of the text that you provided, Jacqueline, seemed to show that you just invited yourself on November 30th. And now you're providing something you didn't provide before, showing that you did not reinvite yourself, that uh, uh, that they invited you, probably after you gave them a hard time about the motorboating, but but they reinvited you. So fine. So there. You know, I'm... I'm saying here that that part of Nolan's story makes no sense. It was probably BS. But before before the alleged motorboating occurred, which, by the way, I believe, I do believe he motorboated you. <laughs> I, I don't believe his account that he didn't do it. Okay, so I'm not I'm not a Nolan apologist. I'm not even a friend of his. Right. In fact, he wrote a, a pretty nasty blog about me. Your email while we're on the air, since I was I was able to multitask and talk to you and send yeah. you this email. So why don't you check it and then you oh. can. Tell I don't think that, that makes oh, good. Yeah, I don't think that makes was... good radio. No, Dan Druff cannot multitask. His fucking dog is trying to escape half the time. Really, it doesn't make good radio for you to ask me the question, but when I send you the proof, like oh. the only only because then I've got to read it. I've got, I've got to sit there and put you on hold while I it's read it and, and figure out everything with it. Todd, it's, okay. hey, I was Todd, able to Todd. All right, what's your next question? We we don't care if you put us on hold. In fact, I, I might like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure you like it. I'm sure you like it so you can go on with a softball. I'm sure no, you like it. There's no softball. Then you can keep softball. Then you can keep softball. You love it if I go on hold. There's no softball. I get of to course the point, there are. Todd. It's the... been so clear here, Lyman. It's been so clear what side you stand on this I'm one. Not on so there, the are, side. there have been softballs. I'm on the it's, side. It's of only logic. a complete moron would think that you're neutral on this. You're not I'm neutral. neutral. It's, neutral. It's, it's so obvious. I'm 100 percent neutral. No, you're not. Not even close. Todd, go to question three. Okay, question number three. Before the electric motor voting occurred. Then we're putting you on pause. You're going to check your email and come back. Yes, that's What's right. What's question three? Exactly. You're not, you're not running this show. When are you going to put me on pause? <laughs> I can I can say whatever I want, actually. That's right. that's so. right. You can say whatever you want. You can't do whatever you want. So she's actually telling me, okay, you can ask question three, but then we're going to put you on pause, then you can check the email and come back. <laughs> but like, she's running things. She's a freaking caller to the show like I was. It's like, what the hell is this crap? So the reason I didn't want to check it is simple. I didn't know what I would see there, and I'd like to have time to look at it, to you know, think about it, to see if I believe it. I didn't want to be on the spot to read it right there and within seconds react to it. Because it's one of these things, you, someone sends proof, you've, you've got to analyze the proof, you've got to think about it. Is this authentic? What was the date of this compared to other things? Uh, what does this likely mean? These things take time to think about. You can't do it during a stressful phone call where everyone's shouting and you have like a few seconds to process it all. So that's why I didn't want to do it. And as I said, it didn't make good radio. All I, I mean, yeah, I could put them on hold a while while I, I do all this, but I was calling in to talk to her, not to sit on hold. And I knew what would happen if I was on hold too long, they would have hung up on me. So that's why I didn't want to do it. I think it's ridiculous. I'm going to send you an email and I want to hear your comments on it now. Listen, Todd, question three. Before the alleged motorboating, let me get this yes. out. Before okay. the alleged motorboating occurred, were you doing shots of alcohol up your nose? What the I'm not answering that question. Why not? That's very relevant. Chris the, the way you're portrayed. From 80, because, be, 80, okay. 80, 
No, I, one, I don't see how that is relevant. Two, I don't drink. And anybody that knows me knows that I hate drinking. It was like, and there was a whole group of boys from New Jersey who were sent out by 888. I think they're wearing their seats online. And they were standing there, and Chris Capper's going, hey, back in my fraternity, we used to do alcohol for your nose. I declined. He's like, come on, you should do it. I declined. There He's you go. telling my boyfriend at the time, you should do it. There he declined. Go. Eventually, yeah, did we give in once and do it? It was fucking disgusting. I think I blew my nose out into the, like, paper towel, and I was like, this is ridiculous, so it, and I don't know why so I it sounds in. like. But again, it sounds the like person you, who's in a position like you, of authority... Over me, telling me that like, we're all no. doing this. Well, now that no. that now here now listen. No, let me come get on. involved. Let me get involved. Let me get involved. First of all, Todd, if I was softballing this, you wouldn't be on the fucking show, okay? Number yeah, one. Well, you've got to have me on for appearances. That's why. I, there are no appearances. No, Nobody gives a fuck yeah, about Dan Yeah, appearances of neutrality. But go on. Nobody go on. in the world just, fucking just cares on. about Dan fucking drop. I, go, go ahead and make your point. Lyman, go ahead and make your point. And Stop screaming at me. Here's my make other, your point. Here's my other point. Okay. I, okay. Don't, I, I, I'm not buying that you, that you put alcohol up in your nose because somebody told you to. You probably thought it might be fun. But who cares? Who fucking cares? I really didn't. I'm telling. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm not a big drinker. It, I think it tastes bad. I think it's like a waste of calories. I don't think you feel good the next day. It's just not my thing. Like... I'm confused here. How come your boyfriend? How come your boyfriend was here for that, but then he disappeared when the motorboating happened? Where, where did he go? Where was he during the he motorboating? Stick by my side the entire time that I was. There. But where was he? What I was he doing? Know. He didn't know anybody there. What was he doing? He didn't know anyone else he, except you. He met people there. He met a lot of people there. There's a lot of people from New Jersey that can say that he was talking. Okay, so how much time between? How much time between the, the shots up your nose and the motorboating was there? How many minutes are we talking about? Like. Probably hours. I, I wasn't really drinking much. I had like eight. Well, okay. Well, so that, that's my next question. It, it sounds it sounds like you were socializing with them, uh, drinking, yeah. putting shots they in your nose for hours and hours and hours. Right. It sounds yeah. see the way you portrayed it. You just went up to Nolan, asked him a question, and then he just abruptly motorboated you. I don't believe that's what happened. I think that you were messing around, drinking with them for hours, and creating an environment where you are there was flirting, oh, everyone was having fun. Yeah, and, okay, and then, okay, and then no. there we go. There we go. The sh- see, I knew. I knew when I got to that. I knew when I got to that. Lyman was going to freak out because this, this was the main thing I was. I was building up to. So I asked some questions at the beginning, which were relevant, but weren't about the main part of the story. The main part of the story is the motorboating thing. So I was making the point that uh, since she was doing these shots up her nose and she was, you know, by her own admission, hanging out with him for hours before the motorboating happened, which kind of – I mean she didn't directly say how long it was. But the way it was implied in her story that uh, it just kind of abruptly happened right when she approached Nolan, Nolan for the first time. So now it's like they were all together for hours. So I, my point was it looked like you were just drinking and having fun with him for hours and, and maybe even flirting. And then Nolan stupidly got the wrong idea and motorboated you. Which which he shouldn't have done. It was a dumb mistake. It was inappropriate. I'm not defending it. Some people listened to this broadcast and thought I was defending it, saying that this gives Nolan the right to motorboat her. You'll hear the rest of this. I, I didn't say that. But notice Lyman is immediately running interference. Todd, 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 has ever created an environment where a 50-year-old man sticks his face in your tits. Nobody! Okay, again, I'm not defending Nolan. I'm trying to, I'm trying to 
cast doubt upon the You're events that are described in the story. You're telling me that I was flirting with him. How can you make a statement like that? I, I'm saying How that your description, that you just went up to him, asked him a question out of nowhere, and then he just motorboated you right away. I don't believe that happened. Most people don't believe it happened that way. Yet most of us believe you got motorboated, but not that way. Believe. We I want you to be honest it. about the circumstances that occurred Todd, over Todd, there. That's all Todd, we want is honesty. Dude. Who are you? Todd. Put him on pause, please. Yeah, yeah, Todd. Who, who, Todd, who the fuck? Pause. Todd, who He's are you to really decide? really getting out of control. Seriously, Todd, who are you to decide whether she's telling the truth or not? I think that her Because she brought it out in public. I have a right. Since she brought it in public, I have a right to comment and decide for myself. What? I'm not nosing my head into this situation. Whether, whether, yeah, but your, 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 your line of questioning is fucking moronic. Whether she... No, it's not. See, that's... Whenever people don't want to answer things or they're no. on the, her side, they say the question's moronic. It's not no, moronic. It is It's very moronic. relevant. There's a huge no. difference between a girl who's flirting with a guy for hours who gets motorboated while I agree it's no. inappropriate. It's oh, totally no. different than just ha it happening out of the blue. It's no. totally what? different. For hours. I, I mean, you're screaming about how it's you said for hours. You, okay, you said here, and I wasn't... Why would I be flirting with him? That's like revolting. I have a yeah, voice. Well, I had a boyfriend at the time. Yes. yes. Todd, like, this is ridiculous. I got rid of Todd. He can call back when he calms down. No, I mean, like, I'm really like offended now. This is the whole like you deserved it kind of mentality well, of yes, the world. No, but again, no. I Todd's, was not yeah. flirting with Nolan Dulla. No, I was not flirting no. with anybody on the set. But I was in a really point. serious monogamous relationship, right. and yeah, I was yeah. not flirting with anybody. Yeah, but it doesn't. Here's the point. It doesn't matter. Even if That's true see, too. this is the problem with Todd's entire line of questioning, even if you admitted 100% to everything that he is like prognosticating about, it still doesn't matter. If you went to the place uninvited, it doesn't matter. If you didn't right. shot up your nose, it doesn't matter. If you, Those are all good points. if you told Nolan you love the way that gray hair and red skin looks together, it doesn't <laughs> fucking matter. None of it matters. What matters is nobody can stick their face in anyone else's fucking tits ever, Todd. Thank you. Do you understand Thank this, you. Todd? You fucking netwit, Todd. Do you fucking no, understand he, this? He's come to the conclusion that I apparently brought it on or something. Todd, I'm not. And now Todd's going to. Todd, call back with a better question. Like, Todd, I'm going to answer your questions from now on. Because if the question doesn't matter, okay. we aren't going to fucking continue uh, re-litigating things that don't matter. It does not matter how you got to the bar. It does not matter how much you did or didn't drink. It does not matter how long you spoke to him. Nobody can put their face in your tits ever. Thank you. Period. Yeah. So fucking right. Todd, if you can't get this through your head, you ha come up with a new line of questioning and I'll take a more no, I've heard enough. I'm sure you've heard enough. I mean, it's, it's brutal to listen to. Brutal and stressful to listen to. So so what he did there, not only did he hang up on me, so I, I couldn't get out my main point without constant interruptions and screaming, but uh, also he changed it into the claim that I was saying that this gives Nolan the right to do. I never said that. In fact, you heard me several times saying, if he did that, it's inappropriate. That doesn't give him the right to do that. I said that several times. I don't know how much more clear I could have been. But they're going that way because that makes it easier to argue against me. That, that makes it easier to make me look like the bad guy. 
It makes me look like the jerk who says if a woman flirts a little bit, she's asking for it. She's asking for sexual harassment. At that point, it's okay to sexually harass a woman if she flirts. That's that's what they're trying to make it look like I was saying, which I did not say, which I have never said, which I have never written. Because I don't believe that. So uh, here's, here's a caller coming in from 412. I know this guy, he called into the show too before I did. Uh, and identified himself as Joe or something, right? That's right, Todd. Yeah, so, so I know you called in and tried to defend me in the show, and before I was even on there when Lyman was just going off about me. So so what, what's your opinion about this whole thing? Well, I did provide free promotion for Poker Fraud Alert. You can uh, PayPal me when I send you the invoice. But moving on, I do want to say Lyman disgraced himself. He's a coward. He's not much of a man. He really... I've pointed this out to him in the past. Lemon has a pattern. You pointed it out. If he doesn't like what the caller's saying, in this case you, he didn't want anyone to have any doubt. Basically, it was a fluff piece. We're, we're very used to this in the modern age. It's a fluff piece. You bring on a victim, and then everyone says, oh, wow, you're such a victim. And if anyone brings up any doubt whatsoever, you're just an awful guy. I was reading the, the chat box there, and you're right. It's just this weird circle jerk that Lymon has going on. It's not just a circle it's jerk. It's, a, it's like a dumb circle jerk. It's like the people in there are actually dumb. Like a, it's, I, And I don't say everybody who agrees with me is dumb. I've had people disagree with me, and I say I think they're wrong on this, but I think this is an intelligent person who's raising uh, intelligent points. I just think they're incorrect. But these are actually dumb people, most of them in that chat. It's like, it's like a chat full of morons, and it was it was very difficult to reason with them. Yeah, well... You did come off a bit confrontational, I have to say. You know I'm a fan of yours. It, it, it's just maybe it was a tone thing, and that's I, – I had no problem with it personally, but she's a victim. Not I, I mean, like, that's like her thing now. She's the victim. She's going to go through probably the next year or two of her life making the rounds, trying to get promotion off being a victim. So when you question a victim, these social justice warriors, these liberals, they, they can't handle it. They can't process in their brain that – hey, wait, maybe there's some legitimate points to be raised here. And I do think it's so brushed off, your point, about if she had been flirting with him and drinking for hours and he motorboated her, it is much different than if he just walked up. Much different. That's what I'm trying to say. In in one case, it's it's so different that it's like unbelievable that people would act like you're such a bad guy for raising that point, especially when you clarified that still, regardless, he shouldn't have done it. But it is much different. Anyone that's drank in a social environment and just been around a bar knows that. Yeah, and not only that, there's a large percentage of guys out there. I don't know what the percentage is, but there's a large percentage of guys that at some time in their life, especially when drunk, have when a girl is flirting with them or even on a date or something, some kind of environment where they feel comfortable with a girl, they think, they think the girl is enjoying their presence and enjoying their company, where they have made some kind of inappropriate move uh, which they shouldn't have because they got the wrong signals or mixed signals. And, and that's why, like, and, and I don't do that. I'm not defending it because I don't do that myself. In fact, I always make sure, I've made sure my entire life, whenever I have touched a girl in any kind of uh, sexual or semi-sexual way, any, any kind of you know, touching like that, I am always 100% sure that that's what they want. Now, I'm, I'm not an idiot and ask them, I don't go, oh, do you want me to touch you? And I, that's, that's totally kills the mood. But, but I know from 
everything I'm observing, everything they've said, like I, I can figure it out for myself with, with 100% certainty they want me to do that. And that's why I've never had a girl slap me, say, don't touch me here. Like I've never had that because I've, I've only done it to girls that I know want me to do it to them. And, uh, but other guys, unfortunately, especially when drunk, don't show this restraint. They should. I wish they all did. But uh, some don't, and some end up doing it. But the thing is, it's not – unless it's something like rape or, 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 or you know something really bad, it's not the end of the world. It's just something inappropriate they shouldn't do, and that's also why girls should always be on guard. I, in fact, I've had this conversation with female friends where I've witnessed them inadvertently flirting or giving the wrong signals to guys they have no interest in. And I, I say to them afterwards, hey, uh, I'm, I'm just curious. Do you like this guy? Oh, no, 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 no. I don't see him like a friend. I'm not attracted to him at all. I go, well, then let me tell you, uh, you gave him some signals there. If I were him, I would have thought that you know you were into me. And she said, oh, what? I don't. I said, I'm telling you. That's what you were. And I explained to her, and her meaning like one of many girls I've known over the years I've seen do this, I've explained to them what they're doing to make guys think this. So, so like, uh, and the, the reason you girls need to be careful about doing that is because guys get the wrong idea and they think, they don't think, oh, I'm being a sexual harasser. They don't think, oh, I'm, uh, I'm just touching girls who don't want me to touch them. They actually think, oh, the girl actually wants me to touch her because she's being so flirtatious with me. She must be really into me. So it's like a miscommunication. That's why it, it's a responsibility on both sides. One, the girl not to give mixed signals and, and two, the guy to be, better about uh, not making moves unless he's totally sure. But unfortunately, not everything that happens in life is perfect. You have people making mistakes, so you don't want to lead to the environment where mistakes are being made. So that's what I was trying to get to there, is that the way it was portrayed in her story, that she just went up to Nolan and confronted him saying, hey, did you put me on the show just because you have a thing for me? Oh, yeah, and I've wanted to do this, too. <laughs> so that, that's that's the way she portrayed it in the story, when I think that, as she even said, hours passed, and that uh, you know they were messing. Everybody was having fun there. Everybody was drinking. And then at some point, he thought he was comfortable enough with her to do this. A mistake, inappropriate. I and I have to say, what type of man was she dating? That he, I, I mean, even if I was out with the girl and this happened, and the girl said, "Hey, hey, just forget it." I would at least have a few words with Yeah, yeah, see, I, like, and people don't get that either, and I don't get, I think I know the answer though. And, and keep in mind, Nolan Dalla is not like some big scary guy. I'm not saying Nolan Dalla is a wimp or something, but I'm saying that it's not like Nolan Dalla is, is some, you know, big muscular biker dude who's, uh, you know, you're afraid if you say the wrong thing to him, he's gonna knock you out. Uh, Nolan Dalla is just like a regular guy in his 50s, okay? He's not someone you, you have to be terrified to say a crossword to, okay? He's a, yeah, I'm not saying that, and again, I'm not, saying that Nolan is someone that uh, you can easily beat up, but he's also not a scary person. He's just a regular guy in his 50s, okay? So uh, if a regular guy in his 50s that's not scary does this to your girlfriend, at the very least, you go up and say something to him. You don't have to go punch him out, but at the very least, you go up and say something. But I think I know... I agree. I at think, least a few words. Yeah, but you I... You have th- to just at least address it. But you I, have to, like, just as a man, or even as a woman, like, if, if my girlfriend was out with me and Someone walked up and slapped my ass. Some girl, she might say, hey, you know what? That's my boyfriend. Knock it off. Like, we're all just trying to have fun. I know you're drinking. It, it's just, it's normal behavior. There's, it's, it's, it's fine to question. Yeah, I think this her. is where it, it would is. happen. I think she was, you know, with them. She was drinking with them. She was, you know, they, she may, I don't know if she was flirting or not, but whatever it was, no one felt comfortable enough with her in that environment that he thought she would be okay with it. And that's, I think people are missing. I don't think Nolan is a serial sexual harasser. In fact, I don't think he is a sexual harasser. I think that, he thought that she would be okay with it. She would actually enjoy it or at least have no problem with it, which he was wrong about. So then he went and did it. Again, after they'd been together for hours there, everyone was having fun drinking. He went and did it, 
She didn't like it. She probably thinking, what the fuck? What is this? I didn't want this. And then she's thinking, okay, what do I do? What do I do? And then she's like, well, I want to get back on the show. I better just suck it up and let this happen. So she, she just kind of dealt with it. Then afterwards, she's like, well, this is kind of unpleasant. Uh, <laughs> didn't expect this. Well, okay, well, it's not a huge deal. I mean, I, maybe I better get out of here before anything worse happens. So uh, she probably went up to her boyfriend and was like, hey, hey, uh, you know, it's time. We, I think we should go. He's like, what? What? No, it's, it's pretty fun here. No, no, no. I think we should leave. You know, Nolan kind of just, you know, just put his face in my chest. Her boyfriend's like, what? What? I'm going to go say something. She like, it's not a big deal. We just, you know, we're just all sitting here drinking. He got the wrong idea. He's here. He smashed. Just, you know, I, I want to get back on this show. Don't create a stink about it it's just it's a minor thing who cares you, you know i have no interest in him let's just let's just get out of here so so that's probably why she probably told him don't say anything i want to get on the show uh, again i don't want to piss him off it wasn't that big of a deal he got the wrong idea uh let's just get out of here so nothing more happens i i, I, I mean i just want to make one more point Todd. yeah well another thing i noticed and i made this point when i called into limones podcast or whatever he calls it, his radio show. This girl, everything that happens to her is like a world issue. Like if someone makes an anti-Semitic comment to her, she, she relates it back to just like the Holocaust, all of this. If someone sexually harasses her and makes a sexual comment, it's she's a champion of women and all of this stuff. And when someone does that, you really do need to question their motivations because if someone makes a comment to me in life that I find offensive or about my heritage or something, you know, you don't always need, sometimes it's just in social conversation, people say things you don't like. And it's not always just an, an attack on women in general. Like, come on, the way she was presenting herself as a champion of women's rights, she was telling me all of these women have been emailing me. And I, that's great. If, if there's positives out of this like that, that's fine. But it's it's really ridiculous for her to put herself on that pedestal when she's handled it handled it in this way. Yeah. If that's the case, if she wanted to do that, then how you handle it is you go home, you have to call the police or notify some authorities. You don't wait a year and like you said, she picked the perfect date. You don't ask for a hundred K. It's ridiculous. Or if you do ask for a hundred K, it's through lawyers and through the legal system. There's if you want to be some sort of champion of human rights, there's a way to handle it, and she didn't handle it in that way. We all know it. It's ridiculous. Lamone's a softballer. He's a ridiculous man, possibly a, a drunk, a drug <laughs> addict. I'm not sure. He acts ridiculous. Yep. Well, That's my final okay. comment. Well, th- thank you for the call. I agree with you. All right. Have a good day, Todd. Right, thank you. So, uh, yeah, and we've discussed all this before, so I'm not going to go into the whole continued discussion about Jacqueline, but I will tell you about an extra thing that happened. We have a, a postscript to this story. Remember that email Jacqueline sent me? That, the, the proof that I told you? I accepted it. I accepted the proof and I believed the proof. You know, I could have been a jerk and said, I can't have proof that email's real. You could have made it up. You could have typed it all up yourself. I, I, I didn't because I believe it. See, I'm fair to both sides. I'm not a Nolan apologist. I believe the email's real. And now I believe Nolan was full of shit about the whole Florida thing. I, I, I believe that. I believe Jacqueline's account of the Florida thing how she went to Florida afterwards, and she was reinvited to the show. I believe that is all true now. Okay, so after all this was done, after she was off the Lyman show, which, by the way, I, I at first said I'm refusing to call back in after the way I was treated there. Then I thought, well, you know, I actually want to get back in and take Lyman to task for hanging up on me in the first place and proving what a softballer he is and proving how biased he was. But he never took my call, and I even waited till there were other callers hung up. 
called in. They didn't take my call. They just ignored it, pretended it didn't come in. Other people were telling Lyman I'm trying to call in. He just ignored it. So I think he didn't want me back on at that point, even though he said it's okay. And anyway, when the show was over, and just in case you thought maybe he was rushing me because he didn't want to take up too much airtime with, with the, uh, he, he wanted to get to other things. He thought I was taking too long. No. Shortly after me, some guy came on, some regular caller who was really, really boring and inane. Uh, they spent like half an hour on this guy. Just stupidity. Like nothing of interest is being said. Didn't rush him at all. Because he wasn't you know, questioning her like I was. Anyway, after the thing was over, I responded to her email and basically said, well, I know you were expecting that I was going to dismiss this, but I'm not. I actually believe you about this part of it. And, uh, you know, I just let her know that I'm, I'm just trying to fairly judge the situation. I have nothing against her. I'm not Nolan's friend. I, I just wanted her to know that. I'm not against her. I'm just trying to figure out. And I said, if my if I can give you any advice, it's to put out everything. It's to be honest, to fill in all the holes. Don't leave holes in the story or otherwise we question it. So she responded back and we actually got an email chain going back and forth. And we sent about 10 emails back and forth that night. And she and she was actually, after initially being a little skittish with me, was actually pretty nice and pretty reasonable. And I thought, oh, okay, I... I, I I'm thinking a little bit better of her. Now, I realize that this could all be an act and it could all be uh, you know, tr- trying to come off as nice so I stop questioning her and take her side. I, I realize that. But, uh, but yeah, it seemed mostly sincere. And she even was mentioning, oh, you know, I know you've, you're a person who always tries to stand up for uh, those who are cheated. Uh, I actually, at some point, would like to have a separate conversation with you about cheating I've witnessed in poker, not related to any of this stuff, but just, you know... Uh, other cheating I've seen, and you know, she, we had a good conversation back and forth. She told me that uh, this has been very stressful for her. That uh, there's been all these women emailing her. She doesn't exactly know what to do. That she doesn't. She doesn't really want to be their hero. She wants to just, uh, you know, she wants to be a listening ear for them. But at the same time, she she really didn't want to be the figure that everybody emails to uh, tell their stories. That it's it's kind of overwhelming. And it seems sincere. This stuff, you know, like. I thought, okay, well, she's a little more human now. Not that I believe everything. I told her, I told her, in fact, in the email, I said, look, I, I still have the same questions I did before. I asked her a few of them again. She didn't really answer them. But I, I said that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad we're talking. I think uh, I'd like you to come on this show. I was, I was trying to get her to come on the show. And that's not the only reason I was emailing with her. I was, uh, I was interested in hearing her point of view. And the email did make her a bit more human with us, you know, talking back and forth. And, and my opinion of her went up. As we were talking the email, she even said that she might appear on the show, but that she she has to listen to the special we did on on uh, May twenty eighth about their situation. She has to listen to the three hour special first before appearing on this show. <laughs> and I said, "Why do you have to do that? You know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna ask you questions about your own situation. You, you don't need to do homework about your own situation. <laughs> you know your own situation. But uh, anyway, she was saying she might come on. So." Uh, then we were emailing about a variety of things, and then she mentioned, hey, I'm on a phone call right now, but I still wanted to email you back. And, you know, I've sent like a five-line email basically saying, hey, I'm not ignoring you, I've, which I wasn't even – I'd be fine if she finished the phone call. I mean, she's not required to respond to me. I, I thought, oh, that's, that's nice. She's even like making sure to answer me uh, during a phone call. <laughs> so she's like, hey, when I get off, I'll, I'll send you a longer email and uh, answer these things and, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, thank you for uh, – hearing me out and so like a very good conversation except that was the very last I heard from her 
So I mentioned on my site that we were having these emails. It was not a like a secret conversation. I mentioned in the open in the forum on Poker Fraud Alert that we were emailing, and that the emails uh, were friendlier in tone, and that my opinion of her improved somewhat. I think someone probably got to her. I think someone probably read that and got to her and said, "Oh no, 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 no! Don't talk to this guy! No, 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 no!" You know, they probably were accusing me that I was going to—I was manipulating her. I was just uh, being phony so she'd come on the show. That I'm going to just get her on there and tear her a new one, and that I'm just trying to extract information, which isn't true. You know, I—I I don't communicate with people like that. I—I'm I, straightforward with my motives. You know, I'm not going to pretend to be friendly to her in email and then just turn around and betray her. In fact, I, I didn't post these emails. I, I, I gave you a very general overview of them, but I, I'm not going to post them. Even if she never responds to me again, I, I'm not going to post them. And uh, I, the only way I'd post them is if uh, you know she did something awful and was uh, you know ended up being a scammer or something, then I'd probably post them. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, those are private correspondences. And aside from just giving you a general overview, I'm not going to reveal them. So I was honest with her. I was even honest with her that uh, it's not like I said, oh, I'm a convert. I think you're totally in the right. Like I was telling her all the questions I had before, I kind of still have. Like all the criticisms I had before, I, I, I still have them. So I just want you to know I'm not on any side here, and I see the issues on Nolan's side too. Like I see the problems with his version. But just because we're talking here doesn't mean that I've come over to your side. I just, I, I have, I still have opinions about things on both sides here. So interesting. I don't know if she just forgot. I'm not saying I'm an important person in her life and she has to respond to me. I may shoot her an email just saying, you know, it's okay if you're done talking to me. I'm just curious. Is, is that what's going on? Did someone get to you or you just forget? Uh, I would like to have her on here at some point. And, and also I'm just curious what happened. Like maybe someone did talk to her and tell her don't talk to me. That's not, that I'm most curious about. Like, if she just forgot, no problem. But if, if it's someone got to her and told her not to talk to me, I kind of want to know who it was and what they said. Hmm. So that's where it stands right now. All right. So uh, I, I probably won't be going on Lyman's show again. And I, I was uh, arguing with him about uh, about the whole thing on Twitter afterwards. And he's saying that he, you know, he'll come on my show if I want and own me. Well, all he'll do if he comes on this show is shout at me, just like he did last time. Like, I don't think he can, he can talk without trying to shout. And he, he's also not a good details person. I, I noticed this when I argued with him about uh, poker stars and, and, their, and their rake and, uh, and about whether the high-limit games are beneficial for poker stars and whether if losing the very high-limit games is going to really matter. And and he had a ridiculous point of view that these like that they should let all these uh, grinders play on their rake free because it's going to make them so much money. I say it's not going to make them money. You're not going to have a lot of uh, high limit Badesi games on there. They're not going to rake very much in these games. These games are just window dressing. They're just uh, interesting things for people to watch, but they're not a whole lot of value for the site. Most people who come on the site are there to play lower mid limits. Like that's the reason they're there. It's to grind lower mid limits or micro limits even. But uh, he was just shouting over me, and uh, you can't really reason with him, and you can't go into detail with him. He just shouts over you with a very general point, what do you think sounds good? Nobody cares! This stuff doesn't matter! It's just you're not supposed to motorboat a girl ever if she doesn't want that. That's all that matters! Well, That sounds good, but that's not what we're talking about here. And that's what he does. How can you say these games don't matter? Games always matter on PokerStars. Any game that goes is important for them to have. No. 
if you're talking about whether a very small percentage of your players leave who don't you know who uh, who withdraw from the site and often beat fish so quickly that the fish don't even rake enough to pay what they had to pay for the deposit fees they mean poker stars then there's no net gain here for poker stars they've actually lost on the whole thing so it's hard to make these points with him because he he doesn't like talking about fine details because he's he's not good at analyzing these things he just wants to argue the the very 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 macro picture and ignore details because that's really all he can do and then he shouts so this way you can't get out these points so it's it's very difficult talking with him I'm kind of tired of it okay let's move on here Running out of time, to be honest. Been on for uh, about three hours. I want to talk a a few things about uh, 2 plus 2. Specifically two things about 2 plus 2. First of all, and I know Adam Schwartz will probably hear this. He may even be listening right now. The 2 Plus 2 Poker Cast has lost its major sponsor. And that's an appropriate sound effect because Adam Schwartz once stole that sound effect. I was once listening to the 2 Plus 2 Poker Cast and they played that sound in response to a shocking piece of news they revealed. And then, and then Adam Schwartz even said, Ah, Todd would tell us is going to be mad about this. So, here's the story of what's going on with the poker cast and why I'm kind of jealous of them. At least, I shouldn't say I'm currently jealous. I should say I'm now jealous about the past with them. Let me explain. So, this is from uh, Adam Schwartz on June 2nd, a week ago. He said, on behalf of everyone at the poker cast, I'd like to thank... Poker Stars VIP Club for eight years of sponsorship of the show. It's been a great run. That means they're gone. Been a great run means they're leaving. Not like I want to thank them for their current sponsorship running eight years now. No, it's been a great run. Nice eight years. He went on to say, to clarify... This is actually, there's another tweet in between asking if anyone else would like to sponsor, which I didn't save. But then he said, to clarify, we average between forty to 50,000 downloads each week, always willing to work with our partners to drive traffic. So he's basically asking for a new sponsor now that PokerStars has left. Remember, at the beginning, they would have their little intro music, and then it would say, brought to you by the PokerStars VIP Club. And it was. I mean, PokerStars was the sponsor for eight years. And I always wondered, hearing that, and I've known for years that uh, PokerStars was their sponsor, I always wondered how much PokerStars was paying. I always wondered how much the hosts made. I mean, I knew that they weren't working for free. I knew basically that the 2 Plus 2 PokerCast, which is an extension of the 2 Plus 2 forums, that they were, you know, the sponsors would be, be they'd be paying Mason, they'd be paying 2 Plus 2 for this, and then 2 Plus 2 would in turn be paying the host and also be paying for the production of the 2 Plus 2 Poker Cast because it wasn't just them getting on and 
recording a live show like we do here, they had post-production. In fact, it used to be impossible to hear live. They would record it first. Someone would remove the fail in post-production. And I'm not saying that to be insulting. I mean, this show has fail every time. Every week we have fail on this show from either me not having things prepared or some kind of technical difficulty or me losing the agenda in front of me or me getting confused for a second or anything that isn't sounding great for radio. I don't edit out. You hear it exactly as it is when you hear the archives where they had a guy who would go through it and remove it. So it all sounded like tight and good. And that's what all recorded radio shows do. This is a live show. This doesn't have any kind of editing. So two different types of shows. They eventually had, I don't know if they still have it, they had a Twitch broadcast where you could actually watch them live. And it was interesting. You, you'd, you'd actually hear them saying, oh, wait, you should cut this out. Like you'd get to watch it almost like the same way as you would watch a sitcom being recorded, which I've done before, where it takes hours to record a half-hour sitcom because they would do retakes. You see the same scene four times in a row. Uh, you'd see what they're going to cut out of it. Sometimes you'd hear the director saying, we're going to cut this part out. We're going to reshoot the, this last sentence, things like that. So they would do this during the two plus two poker cast. They'd say, Oh, I don't think the last part sounded good. Uh, say that part again or whatever. You'd actually hear them discussing what's going to be in or out of the actual product they release. So it made me feel better. I always listen to their show. Go, Damn, their show sounds good. How come ours can't sound that good? I'm like, okay, they have as much fail as we do. We just, uh, have our fail still in there, and they edit it out. And I actually probably would edit out the fail, but I, I'm the only guy who produces this whole thing, so I'm definitely not going to listen to the long show and edit out areas of fail. You just you get the good with the bad on the show. So the Poker Stars VIP Club left as a sponsor, and I don't think it's from anything they did wrong. I think that they're just cutting costs. Amaya has been cutting a lot of costs with Poker Stars. And I think that's smart to do. I mean, no offense to the 2 plus 2 poker cast, but uh, I, I think that Poker Stars is looking at where they are spending their money and trying to figure out if they're getting returned from it. And I felt that uh, Poker Stars advertising on the poker cast was probably a mistake because I think just about everybody who listens to that show knows of Poker Stars since it's the biggest online poker site. And also, for all Americans that listen to it, it's useless because they can't play on Poker Stars, except in New Jersey. So most of the audience of that show is American, not all, but most of it, and they can't even play on there. So it just didn't make sense for them to be advertising on there, especially if they're paying any kind of good money to advertise. If it's a really cheap ad, fine, but if it's uh, expensive, then uh, that's they really shouldn't be advertising there. They should be advertising in places where they're going to reach people who may not know about Poker Stars yet or may know very little about it. But if you know enough about poker to want to listen to the 2 Plus 2 Poker Cast, you know about Poker Stars. And I always thought that was peculiar, but hey, I, I was happy for, for Adam and and uh, the other guys on the Poker Cast that they had this big sponsor and were making money from it. I wasn't that happy for Mason. I don't like seeing him make money. He doesn't deserve it, but uh, whatever. I, I was happy for the Poker Cast guys who I like that they had this big sponsor. I always wondered, though, two things. Number one, how much was PokerStars paying? And number two, how much better does the Poker Star, or th- does the PokerCast do than Poker Fraud Alert Radio? I know they have more listeners than we do, but how many more? So when Adam claimed that there are forty to 50,000 downloads each week, that was kind of shocking to me at first. And I don't think he's lying, by the way. I, I don't know Adam as a liar. 
I've never heard Adam tell lies, so I don't think he's lying. But forty to 50,000 downloads, I mean, I talk about 1,000 listeners on this show. This makes our show look puny. That makes it look like their audience is 40 to 50 times our audience. It makes it look like for every one listener we have, they have 40 to 50 listeners. Crazy. Maybe not, though. I decided to look into this myself because I felt embarrassed. I felt embarrassed. I'm like, you know, here I'm proud about our 1,000 listeners and... Here they had forty to 50,000. I, I, I felt like we have a fail show. I always pictured they had maybe 4,000 listeners, 5,000. I, I pictured that they were like four to five times, not 40 to 50 times bigger. And that was just because they have the traffic from 2 plus 2 coming in to find it, and we don't. So they have much more exposure. That's why they have a bigger show. So I decided to finally hunker down and uh, look into our ratings and our downloads and figure out if uh, downloads really equals anywhere near what the actual ratings are. And I'll explain why I have that question in a second. But before we get to that, I'm going to talk to you about poker stars and what they were paying. Now, I only heard rumors and not from Adam. Adam didn't tell me anything. In fact, I did not hear this from any of the hosts there. So don't blame, uh, I think Mike Johnson was the name, the guy who used to be on there. Now they have Terrence on there. Don't blame Terrence. Don't blame Adam. I swear none of these guys told me. I heard a rumor, though, that poker stars paid a lot of money. And when I say a lot, I mean a lot of money per year for that thing to air. Some of the money went to Mason. Some of the money went to production costs. Some of it went to the hosts. That I know for sure. The exact amount, I don't know. I was given some figures. I'm not going to repeat them out here because they were not verified and I don't want to put out things that may not be true. But I can tell you it was a lot of money that PokerStars was putting in. Way more than you would ever imagine. This is per year. When I heard the rumored numbers they were getting, and by the way, I heard that at some point, I don't know when, but at some point PokerStars cut down on how much they were paying. They decided it was too much, and they actually cut it down to pay about 40% of what they once were, and it was still a ton of money. So you can imagine how big the first number was if they cut it down to less than half of what it was before, that they cut it down uh, basically 60% to where they were only getting 40% of what they once were, and still it was a ton of money I'm jealous of. Now, again, this didn't only go to the host. This went to Mason. This also went to the production costs. So... This didn't all go to the hosts, but the hosts got plenty of money, according to what I was told. Not where they're getting rich off it, but to where it was definitely worth their time to do, even if they didn't enjoy it. I'm not saying they didn't enjoy it, but even if it was like something that was a burden to them and a pain in the ass, they still got paid well. It's something that if I was getting that money, I would do it even if I didn't enjoy doing it at all. If I detested it, I probably wouldn't do it. But even if I just kind of didn't like it, I would still do it for the money that they were supposedly getting, both before the cut and after the cut. And I have to tell you, when I heard that, I felt kind of like a chump. I did. This is always what I pictured. I pictured that we don't have sponsors, but that I have editorial control, which that's true. I can say whatever I want about PokerStars and no consequence to me. I can say whatever I want about anyone. No consequence to me. 
I can have segments on the show like uh, about a, a hooker, not a hooker, a, a stripper, who for all I know could be a hooker, but that one who was denied boarding on JetBlue, that, that she pulls uh, underwear out of her vagina, and we can have a discussion about that. And I don't have to worry about being obscene because I don't have to worry who we piss off or offend. I don't have any sponsors that are going to get complaints about this or are afraid to have our their product associated with obscenity on our show. So I can be myself, I can say what I want to say, I can do the segments I want to do, I can criticize who I want to criticize, I can do all that, Brandon can do all that, we have no concerns about that. Complete editorial control, complete freedom to be ourselves and say what we want. And that's very valuable. But I make no money. Brandon makes no money. The other co-hosts make no money. In fact, I lose a little bit of money on this site every month because it has expenses. And I I put a lot of time into the site, time that uh, no one's paying me for. I'm putting the time into doing the show right now. And I felt like a chump because here we have the hosts of the 2 Plus 2 PokerCast. Same thing, a weekly show. In fact, I think ours runs longer. In fact, I'm sure ours runs longer. And uh, I, I always picture they have a somewhat bigger audience, but not like many, many, many times bigger. I knew they got paid, but I didn't think all that much money. And I accepted that because I said, hey, we have the editorial control and they don't. We, we have the complete freedom. They have to put together a product that Mason is okay with and that the sponsors are okay with. And we don't have those restrictions. But at that moment, when I heard what they were getting, I just, I felt like a chump. I'm like, you know what? If I could have just reined myself in, if I could have just kept away from the obscene topics or been willing to not ever tell lies, but just been willing to not go as hard on on a, a lucrative sponsor, unless it was something really, really major. I could have made a lot of money from this thing. Not get rich off of it, but I could have made a lot of supplemental income from this thing. And instead, I'm, I'm making zero. In fact, I'm losing money. And I'm not complaining to you guys or, or asking for sympathy. I'm just saying that uh, I think, wow, you know, I, I think of all these other shows and they have all these sponsors and they get paid by people. Like, look, even Lyman gets paid. I'm the one putting out the regular show and not getting a dime from it. Jason Somerville and his his Twitch podcast, which is just uh, not his, his Twitch broadcast, which gets an obscene number of people watching, and and now he has a lucrative Poker Stars uh, sponsorship, which I'm not criticizing. That's great that he did it, but all these people are getting paid for their efforts except me, and I have a following. It's not like it's a fail show. It's not like people don't listen. So I, I was uh, I was thinking, what am I doing here? Why am I wasting this time? Why am I not getting paid? And then I passed and I said, well, it's a hobby. I enjoy doing the show. I enjoy the fact that people listen. I enjoy that people want to hear what I have to say for all these hours every week. I enjoy that if there's something I want to put out there that... Uh, a message I want to get out to people, some assistance I'm requesting, whatever, that I can do that and that people will hear it and people will help. But 
I'm really not doing this for selfish purposes. I get very little out of this show as far as anything tangible. But in general, I like having it. I like doing it. So everything in life doesn't have to result in making money. So I thought, well, it is nice. It is nice that I can do what I want with this thing and not be under anyone's control. I mean, isn't that isn't that what we all want? To not be controlled by anyone, to not be uh to not have to answer to a boss. Isn't that everyone's dream? So I wouldn't want to have a boss with this show. But with that said, if I were to get the money that Poker Stars was supposedly paying the 2 plus 2 poker cast for all these years, even after the production, I would have taken them. <laughs> I would have taken them as a sponsor. I would never have said anything about them that was not true or I didn't believe was true. I wouldn't have come out and said, oh, yeah, they, they did nothing wrong with a, with a supernova elite the way they handled it. That was great. I, I wouldn't have done that. I would never lie for them or change my opinion for them. But if uh, I wouldn't cover up for them if there's some kind of major scandal. But if PokerStar says, look, we'll, we'll give you all this money to sponsor your show. I'm not talking about like $100 a show or something. I mean like big money. But you uh, you have to run by us what you're going to say about us. And if it's something really awful or really critical, you, you've got to tone it down. In general, try not to make us look bad. I'd probably agree to it. I, I Again, I wouldn't lie. I wouldn't... Uh, do anything I didn't, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror afterwards and feel like I sold myself out. But for that type of money, just to promote them and to not be as hard on them as I could be, yeah, I'd probably do it. You would too. So let me talk about the ratings on this show because I had looked into it and I'll give you my opinion about the 40 to 50K downloads they got on 2 Plus 2. So we had a show on... Uh, June 1st, the last show, eight days ago. On the, the show actually concluded on June 2nd in the morning at about 4 a.m. On June 6th at 11-something p.m., so we're talking about almost five days later, a little bit short of five days, I took a look at the download logs on my server, on the Poker Fraud Alert server, for the June 1st show. I could look at all the downloads. Now, these downloads came either through people that are requesting it through some sort of podcast format like iTunes or people just going to the thread where I post the show and listening to it there or downloading it directly from the server there. So basically, it's if they're receiving the show by podcast like uh, iTunes or something like that or if they're downloading directly from the server or playing directly from the server, that's where they would appear in these logs. Where would they not appear in these logs? Well, if they listen through Stitcher, if they listen through TuneIn, if they listen through PokerFuse, which uh, archives our show as well, if they listen to one of other sites, that third-party sites that are archiving our material and presenting them on their own site or own app. On those sites, I cannot see their numbers unless they let me in to see them. So I'm just talking about ones that got it directly from our server or use the podcast to get directly from our server, like iTunes. So, I looked up our ratings. After fewer than five days passed since the conclusion of the June 1st, 2016 show, and 
there were 18,000 downloads. Whoa! Party! I've got 18,000 listeners in just five days. I've hit the big time. Forget 1,000 people. 18,000 people! Sorry if I blew out your ears. It's so exciting. Okay, it's not true. Oh, it's true we had 18,000 downloads. That I'm not lying about. But it's not 18,000 people. No. Let me tell you how these downloads work when it comes to podcasts and internet radio shows. These are very, very large files. And what will happen sometimes is that they will download incrementally. So the device will download part of it. It will stop. And then as you've listened to part of it, then it will download more. And it will start to download again. The way the server sees it is that these are two separate downloads. In reality, it's one download. It's the same person listening on the same device at the same time, actually. Or even sometimes it's not the same time. Sometimes it will start a download, listen to part of it, stop it, and then continue playing it again in an hour. Well, usually at that point, it will re-download parts of it or continue downloading what it had not downloaded yet. But again, it's the same person on the same device. It should not be counted as two in the ratings. But it's not just two. This can happen like many, many times by from one person. So you can have the same person counted like 20, 40, 50 times from one download. This is not unusual. It's a very common thing to happen. In fact, I noticed that on Poker Fraud Alert uh, a few years ago, I was complaining of what seemed to be distributed denial of service attacks, or maybe not distributed, but at least denial of service attacks, where some people were hammering our server to where it slowed down. I finally looked into it and caught one person who was serially hammering our site. And it was a guy who posts on the site named Duped Samaritan. I thought, what a freaking jerk. He's always been nice, too. He's called to the show. We once interviewed him about bed bugs at, at Harris. Uh, he's always been pretty supportive of us. And, and what a freaking jerk. He's been DOSing our site. Then I thought about it. Maybe he's not really DOSing our site. And I looked more into it, and he wasn't. It was actually his device. He had some kind of faulty device, some kind of uh, faulty uh, iPod or something like that, that was repeatedly over and over and over requesting episodes of the show, where he'd be requesting like 500 times <laughs> episodes of the show. And I could see it wasn't him because it was actually his iPod. It was some device that wouldn't be used to DOS the site. So it wasn't his fault, but at the same time, I, I couldn't leave him doing it. You know, I had to stop it. So I actually I, I uh, wrote a program to prevent things like this. And now if something, something or someone hammers the site over and over really quickly with requests of any type, whether it's for downloading or reading or whatever it is, then it just blocks them. If someone hammers the site repeatedly to where it, it shouldn't be happening, whether intentional or unintentional, then it will block that IP for like uh, – some period of time I said, maybe an hour or something like that. And if it's easy to do it again, it'll do it again to you. But I see, I get to see the logs of, of people that are blocked. And there are a lot of people that get blocked when their devices over hammer the site over and over and over again for these downloads. So the reason I'm talking about this is because this counts as a, as a download each time. It doesn't mean a full download. It just means a download. 
A download can mean they downloaded uh, 10 seconds of the show. So I wrote a program on June 6th. Actually, it's, it wasn't even a program. It was a, a one-line script that would take the logs of the downloads of the MP3 files, which uh, are the archives of this show. And that script would strip out all the duplicate IPs, basically meaning any time it sees more than one download from the same IP address for the same show, it throws the rest out. So if a guy downloaded the show 600 times according to the logs, it counts them as one. So I ran that on our 18,000 download week of June 1st. Which wasn't even complete because we get more downloads after five days. Like a, most of them come the first five days, but after five days we still get some. In fact, we get some months and even years after the show is aired. So that counts in the ratings too. It's not immediate ratings, but it's eventual ratings. It still counts in how many people listen because we get some people listening way later. But five days isn't way later. A lot of people are a week or two behind or just can't listen right away and uh, they should be counted in the ratings. Not the live ratings, but in the ratings. So, even after five days, we had 18,000 downloads. But after that script that removes the duplicate IPs, the 18,000 listeners became 702. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) So much for my 18,000 listeners. 702. So does that mean that I have fewer listeners than I thought? 702? No. 702 does not include the live listeners which is about between 100 and 200 people each uh, each week. It does not include the Stitcher listeners. does not include the TuneIn listeners. does not include the Call to Listen Line listeners, which we have more and more. It does not include the third-party site listeners, like the ones who hear it on PokerFuse. In fact, only some of these are countable. Now, I was able to count Stitcher, because they have a, a tool on there where you can look at your ratings. I found on Stitcher in about... Within a month of each episode airing, we get somewhere between 100 and 160 people listening. So we have about 100 to 160 listening on Stitcher. Within a month. Like, not right away, but within a month of when a show airs. Which I think is about a fair time to really count for the ratings. If someone goes and finds the show years later, it's it's kind of hard to say, oh, those are our ratings. That's... I mean, it's... A, the same way you could go say if somebody watches an episode of the Rockford Files for the first time today that it counts in the Rockford Files ratings even though it uh, aired in the 70s. So at some point you've got to say these aren't really our ratings. But I say a month is a fair time to say is within our ratings period. So between like 160 people listen within a month on Stitcher per episode. Get about 100 to 200 live. Uh... Usually within a month of, uh, or should I, not really, not a month, sorry. Within the first week, I didn't look at a month, but within the first week, there's usually between 700 and 800 downloads directly from the server. That's what that 702 number was, though. It will be higher. Like if I checked it again today, it would be higher than 702 because uh, I checked after fewer than five days had passed. So this is like after a week, it's about 700 to 800 Distinct downloads. 
So with all that added up, and of course I've got a guest for the tune-in and Poker Fuse and other stuff like that. Uh, filling in those blanks, I, I'd say we probably get between 1,300 and 1,500 listeners that are either live or within the first month of airing. And then after that, probably uh, another few hundred over time. Because we really do get a lot of people like over time. I noticed that too, looking at the numbers, that if I go back and look at all the downloads from distinct IP addresses from all the episodes we've had, if we go back to like 2013, uh, way higher, not way higher, but substantially higher than the ones that aired like a month or two ago. Just because, And not that they were all higher back then. It's that over time, over the last three years, people download over those three years those old episodes. But I'm just counting like in the first month, probably 1,300 to 1,500 people are listening. That's that's my estimate. But I'm a lot. Cl- it's a lot closer of an estimate than before when I was saying a thousand. It's not that our ratings went up. I just I was always just kind of guessing a thousand from just quickly glancing at all the logs. And I knew these downloads of the eighteen thousand. I, I knew of that before. I knew that was a. We always had a ton of downloads, but I knew that was not indicative of, of what our real ratings were. So I'm afraid the two plus two was doing that too. No offense, Adam, but uh, I think the downloads you have, and we had 18,000 downloads, and you saw what that translated to, 702 people. So unless you have your tech guy throwing out all the duplicate downloads, which you're going to have many, then you don't have 40 or 50,000 people. I, I was shocked at those numbers because I just didn't think there's enough people that are interested in hearing poker podcasts that are listening to you. I just didn't think we have enough of a potential audience out there to get numbers like that. Okay. Other 2 plus 2 story They are covering up For a scam And I don't understand why they're doing it I've understood more In the past of their cover ups they, They've covered up stories that have to do with Wait, Hold on a second I'm going to take a call from An important person to poker fraud alert Belly Buster, hello Drop, hello Hello, so uh, Belly Buster you're in England I'm sure you're happy with the time slot of this show Oh yeah <laughs> so, so, uh, so, what did you call to, to talk about this time? Well, you might have eighteen thousand listeners, but I've only got three runners for my uh, free roll tonight. Oh, bollocks! Bollocks, indeed. Yeah, that's too bad. You know, though, uh, this this show I knew would be the lowest rated show we would probably have uh, uh, in a long time. It's actually grown uh, when we first started. When I first turned it on, and the opening song was playing. Uh, we had a whopping five listeners, <laughs> but but it's it's gone up substantially since then. We 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 have fewer than usual, but uh, it's gone up because people have seen during the day that it's been on. They see the on-air indicator. They see the tweets I've made about it. Uh, I, I had a feeling a free roll would just be a no-go today because the free roll uh, has to be scheduled and people have to know about it. So. Uh, how long after the show was running did you hold the free roll? Oh, it's running now, and it's actually still late registration. So okay. if you want to, if you want to jump in, fill your boots. Okay, fill your boots. Is, is that a British term? I'll have to steal that for Faversham. Yes, it is. You can have that one. Okay, okay, yeah, that's. Uh... So yeah, sadly, so three runners and uh, and one person sitting out. <laughs> Shout <laughs> out to Spennywins, who's uh, cleaning me out. 
and uh, Bubbles, who sat out. Well, so the, the Bubbles is doing better than me, and he's been sat out the whole time. That's a good strategy. The good news is, so far, everyone's going to make the final table. Yeah, so far. Well, the problem is that I'm trying to test a seven game, and I'm only going to get to like Raz, and it's probably going to be the end. So, uh, oh, I've got one more slip slaps just joined. Oh, they're piling in now. They're piling in. They're piling in. So I guess they just didn't know. Yeah, so they're hearing, and they're like, "Oh, I better get in there." So now, is it, is it an actual free roll for money? Because I know I didn't put anything into this, but. Uh... No, it was sort of a, a sort of a, a, a no prize free roll. A no prize free roll. So, so, it, so it's actually a free, a free tournament with no prize rather than a free roll. Yeah, but. you can just kind of see why it's not a not a big winner. But um, <laughs> I, I did offer a, a free custom uh, PFA mosaic as the. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, he actually makes these good. You guys may have seen. I tweeted this out. Uh, the mosaic he did. Belly Buster made this mosaic of. Uh, the avatars of Poker Fraud Alerts, where he, he takes all the avatars of Poker Fraud Alert and arranges them to where if you stand back from a distance, it's a picture of me when I won my bracelet 11 years ago. So it was yeah, like, it's I didn't actually take very long to do, actually. There's some software that you can use. Yeah. And um, I was a bit lazy as well. I didn't um, uh, be particularly clever in, in getting the avatars. I just uh, sort of went to Google Image Search and, and just put in a few words and... Uh, uh, I got a tool to kind of download everything that it sort of threw up. And uh, if you were missing, it, it's not personal. Um, but I I think most people sort of crept in there. But, but interestingly enough, mine, uh, uh, my avatar didn't make it in either. So, uh, <laughs> he left his own avatar out. So, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I, I know Benjamin's mom got a kick. I showed her. She was like, wow, that's really cool. She was really uh, impressed with that. And... Uh, so yeah, you you can see that uh, on Poker Fraud Alert on my Twitter. I, I linked to it, and then uh, Four Dragons he decided to compete and made one as well. He he made one of uh, of the fake Jay Searles, the the guy who who claims he has sex with roller coasters, who looks like Jay Searles. He made one of that guy. So with Poker Fraud Alert avatars, so the creative people on this uh, on the site, and uh, thank you Belly Buster for everything you do with with the free roll and and with the donations to this, and and of course uh, Belly Buster again bought pieces of me in this World Series, and I'm hoping that uh, starting with the event five days from now, which I'll just be starting during this hour in five days, that that I can uh, I, I can get some big hits here. I, I felt like last year, even though last year overall wasn't a successful series. I felt like last year I was I was twice kind of close to uh, to blowing up. It just didn't quite happen for me at the end, especially that uh, that that fifty fifty DraftKings event where I got rivered for a huge pot. That uh, you know, if that went the other way, then uh, who knows? Yeah. Well, good luck. Good luck this year. I've got a little bit of uh, a bit of interest, and um, yeah, I, I was a little late catching up with the the show last week. I um, sort of independently. Moaned about the the Caesars WSOP website fail, and uh, yeah, I agree entirely with you. I mean, the, the whole business of putting that sort of not quite a paywall, but a a sort of Facebook wall or whatever it is, it, it's just totally off putting. There's no way I'm giving them my uh, details. So you know, I just kind of figured, well, you know, forget the whole thing. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm just not gonna follow the update. <laughs> so I'm gonna maybe find somewhere else um, that they. Uh, I didn't hear what the conclusion was. I'll, I'll catch up in the archives a bit, but um, you know, they. I, I did look today; it was still um, still the same. So, yeah, the, the, the short the short answer is it's not going away. Yeah, that's a terrible decision. It's just 
It just makes no sense. I don't know what they're thinking. Yeah, and, and like, look at Major League Baseball. I know you're not from the U.S., but Major League Baseball, if you go to MLB.com, you can see uh, recaps of all the games, uh, video clips of all the games. You can see uh, a lot of information there. They don't make you log in. They don't charge you. Everything's free. And does it cost them money to provide this? Of course it does. Do, why do they do it? Because they want to promote their product. They want you to be excited yeah. about Major League Baseball. They want you to, to then... Uh, utilize products which do cost money you know, to buy uh, merchandise, sure. to go to the games, to, to watch TV. Uh, yeah, that... they're making a shit ton of money on the WSOP. They right. don't need a nickel and dime, you know, um, getting extra ad hits or, um, you know, Facebook likes or whatever it is. Yeah, it's just... Um... It just makes no sense. And, yeah, uh, and really, know. and if they want to do it, what they sh- I would think like an example, I would give other incentives. For example, they could say, uh, do you want to win a free seat to a $1,500 yeah, event? Sure. Uh, log in with your Facebook, you'll automatically be entered. Well, there, there, everybody does it knowingly that it's an optional thing, but that if you do so, it may give you the benefit of a free seat to the World Series. I bet they get a lot of people doing it because uh, you know a lot of people would love something like a free seat, especially lower limit players that uh, $1,500 is a big deal. So like something like that, not just force everyone to do it. It's a horrible decision. So Yeah. Well, my promotion's worked. I've now I've now got a full table. Oh, good. Um, so um, we might make it to the uh, we might make it to the pot limit Omaha at least now. <laughs> All right, beautiful. Okay, thank you, Belly Buster. I appreciate uh, everything you do here. No problem. Take care. You too. Bye. So that's the good news of having this show at this time is we got Belly Buster listening live, which he usually doesn't get to do. The the ratings are rising. As the day's passing, so uh, I think people are getting back from work and in the East Coast and noticing here it is. You know, here we are on the East Coast now at six twenty-three. So, okay, let's uh, so talk about uh, this is our third to last topic, by the way, and I do have to end the show pretty soon. I, I definitely want to be done by four, or close to four at least. But full flesh poker, we've talked about that a few times on the show. I don't want this to become the new lock story where we've got a long segment on that every week. But uh, basically, they're broke. They're, they're not paying anyone out. There's, there's a few little payouts going to people supposedly, but uh, for the most part, people aren't being paid. There's some cash outs that have taken a year or longer, which is absurd. In general, if you have money on full flush, it's stuck there, and it's probably never coming out. Maybe they'll successfully rob Peter to pay Paul and make some more cash outs, but that doesn't mean that everything is good. Now, there's an affiliate. Their major affiliate is Professional Rakeback. And it's run by a guy named John Brown. I might as well just give out his name now. I don't, I don't care. His name is Jonathan Brown from Louisiana. And uh, he runs professionalrakeback.com. It's a longtime affiliate site. Had a pretty good reputation. And he's known as Conatron. He's known as uh, How Quaint on Poker Fraud Alert. He's also a Limit Hold'em player. He's also a PLO player. He has been not just standing behind Full Flush, but he's still promoting them. If you go to his site, it's the, quote, site of the month, which has been the site of the month for a very long time. It says on his own site that it's safe to play there. It's 100% safe as far as they can see. He doesn't mention a word about the cash-out problems, and on 2 Plus 2, he's doing nothing but defending them. So at this point, it's very clear that Full Flush, just like Full Tilt and many other sites that have been shady, have stolen. Yeah, they stole the money. Full Flush stole the money on deposit. 
probably for promotional or operational expenses, which they can't do, which they should not be doing, which is stealing. Player money needs to be untouched. It doesn't have to be a separate account. People always say, oh, segregated accounts. You don't need segregated accounts. You just need to not touch that money. I don't care what account it is in, but it needs to not be touched. If you have a million dollars of player deposits that are currently in the site, you cannot touch that million dollars. If you have 10 million, 100 million, whatever you have in there, you cannot touch that money. It is not yours. It is the same as you holding money for a friend. You cannot touch that money. It is not yours to touch. It is someone else's money. If you touch it, if you spend one penny of it, you are stealing. It's that simple. I believe Full Flush has done that. Like many smaller poker sites, they're probably struggling. They probably spent too much on promotion. They're not taking in enough. Whatever it is, they probably stole the player money. So they're probably broke. That's why they have not paid most people in the past year. That's why everyone's money is stuck on there. So not only has John Brown of professional rakeback, how quaint, Countertron, not only has he been promoting them as if nothing's wrong and reviewing them as a 100% positive review, not mentioning a word about the cash out problems in a long review. Not only is he defending them on 2 plus 2, but he was buying up people's full flush money at 40 cents on the dollar which just in case you think is generous for a site that's struggling, it's believed that he probably has priority cash outs and he can cash out the money at uh, full value or close to full value. That he has special cash out status because he's promoting new people to, to deposit on there. So he's not doing anyone favors. It's a huge conflict of interest for someone promoting a site to buy up funds at anything less than full value. He will not answer whether or not he has full cash, uh, priority cash outs, which means, of course, he probably does. He will not explain why he promotes them as safe when they're not safe. He actually messaged me on Skype because I sent him a scathing series of messages on Skype that basically he was a scumbag and an accomplice to a scam, which he is. And and he and I never had a problem with him before this, but I, I just was, I've been so outraged by this story and what he's been doing. So he responded back to me that. When Full Flush gets everything back on track and cashes everyone out again, I'm going to expect a full and complete apology to me for everything you've been saying. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's what, that's what he said to me. That's what he said to me. So here's what I said to him. I said, an apology for what? Am I not raising legitimate concerns? If this improves, it's only because Full Flush robbed Peter to pay Paul and was able to mask that well enough to start paying cash outs again, which hasn't happened yet, by the way. But that's the only way they're getting back. Uh, uh, there's no way they're, they're going to get back able to cash people out if they're broke unless they mislead people into depositing, believing that their money's safe. That's the only way that they'll get back. So I said, even if the player money actually existed all this time, which we both know isn't the case, the simple lack of communication about the situation from both you and Full Flush is reason enough for everyone to be upset. So even if everything's fine, even if they're just having trouble finding a uh, a payment processor, then they just need to communicate to everybody. Hey, we have all your money. We're looking for a payment processor. Here's the timetable you're looking at. Not Not just give no info, which is what they've been doing. So obviously it's because they have no money. It's not, it's not a lack of a payment processor. Not, not, not for this long. Sometimes you'll have delays for a few months from a payment processor loss. Never for a year. Never. I said, you won't even acknowledge if you get priority cash outs. Also, failing to warn people on your affiliate site about a long time no pay site is incredibly scummy. That's what he's doing. 
They are a long-time no-pay site that's verified, and he's not warning people. He's sending people over there like they're safe. I said, at the very least, some people have been waiting 9 to 12 months to get paid, and your customers deserve to know that before signing up. You hide that because you're greedy and you're, you're trying to be an accomplice to the scam, just like Lock Poker and so many other sleazy poker rooms did. So no, I do not owe you any apology, no matter what happens. You owe an apology to the community who trusted you. That's what I told him. And it's true. Now, 2 plus 2, what are they doing? Well, unbelievably, they don't seem to want this story to really get out. The story is actually buried in the uh, full-flush poker equity network payout thread, which not everybody's going to read in the internet poker forum. So that's already one problem is it's not in the main news, views, and gossip forum where it should be. But putting that aside, there's a mod there named Bobo Fett, who's a guy in his 50s, like a bald guy in his 50s. Uh, he has been over-moderating that thread, deleting messages, and being very, very hard on anyone who criticizes uh, Counitron, the main affiliate who's been driving, trying to drive people to full flush. You'd, you'd think that they would be very tough on him over there saying, hey, you know, you're an accomplice of the scam. You're trying to drive people over through your site to deposit to a site that's not paying anyone. And instead, they're defending him. It's so weird. So, so here's what uh, Boba Fett wrote. First, there's some guy named NJ Spaghetti. He's kind of looking through the whole thing with rose-colored glasses, and he's kind of being an apologist. So this is what NJ Spaghetti wrote. NJ Spaghetti's no one special. He's just a poster there. But this is what he said, and then I'll give you Boba Fett's reaction. NJ Spaghetti said, I'm not speaking out against criticizing the site. I'm speaking out against sharing your experiences of not getting paid, uh, of not being getting paid, or his He's saying he's not speaking out against the site or about experience, sharing your experience of not getting paid. That's good, he says. He says, what's bad is attacking people on this thread who've tried to be productive. It's just not me. I've read through the whole thing. The same people who replied negatively to me for joining 2 plus 2 to post my experience uh, of having a high balance on full flesh and being worried about it have consistently uh, been halting useful discussion. Posting themselves, being abusive towards support people, etc., it really seems like you don't want to get paid when you do stuff like that. It seems like you just want to be angry. I'm in the same situation as the rest of you. Now, I get what NJ Spaghetti's saying, but he's saying don't be mad at support people. Don't insult them. No, that's not true. If these support people are not being honest with everyone, and if they're making up stories that everything's okay and telling people to still deposit there, yeah, you should be abusive towards them. And these aren't just support people. These are our affiliates. It's one particular affiliate that's uh, – John Brown, Hal Quaint, Canatron guy that, that makes a lot of money from them. So, yeah, this is a partner to the scam. This is an accomplice to the scam. Of course you should give him a hard time. So Boba Fett reads that whole thing and said, very well said. So you may say, okay, well, no big deal. He's just supporting this guy saying don't be abusive. Well, but then it gets worse. One of the biggest critics in the 2 plus 2 thread is named Borg23. Borg23 said, the main guy getting attacked is Khan. He fully deserves it. Read his post from a year ago, swearing up and down things were going to get better, causing people to deposit more money and new players to join. Meanwhile, he makes money as an affiliate and from buying money at 40 cents on the dollar, which he can obviously cash out for a much higher rate. So then Boba Fett says this, I get people, I get why people are upset with him, and we've let a lot of those posts about him that that really don't belong in a thread that's supposed to be primarily about people's deposit and cash-out requests and issues. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. When people are unhappy that a guy is promoting a no-pay site, that's not topical? What? What? Then he says, but that said, I think it's time to put a stop to these now. 
We had the same thing happening in the merge cash out thread when their payouts were ridiculously slow. He, referring to Khan, would rarely post in the thread and people would constantly bring up his name over and over, derailing it with personal attacks. Time to get the thread back on track. As much can happen in a cash out thread for a site with so few cash outs. Well, look, if you have a major affiliate of a site who is being dismissive and or dishonest with people who cannot get their cash outs off a site the guy is promoting, and if the guy is continuing to promote it as if there's no problem, and if he's not being honest with the new people signing up that there are cash out issues, then yeah, that guy deserves a lot of vitriol. He does. He's being dishonest. He is being an accomplice to a scam, or at the very least, an accomplice to getting people to put their money online where it's not really safe. Even on Merge, which eventually paid people, I have a feeling they were broke or close to it and have just, you know, through new deposits managed to get their heads enough above water to pay out cash, cash outs. But there was a big problem there. There really was. And at that time, it was, again, very dishonest to promote them without a warning that they're not paying people. If you are sending people over to a site that doesn't pay people, even if they paid before, if they have not been paying people for enough of an amount of time to where it's becoming concerning, and you're sending new customers there without warning them first, you are a scumbag. You are a scumbag because you're, you're leading the lambs to the slaughter. You can't make excuses. Oh, they've paid in the past. Be honest. Be honest. This site is slower with cash outs than they've ever been. Or cash outs will take six months on this site. Cash outs have been taking four to six months. Uh, be aware of this before you put money in. People need to know what they're getting. You don't need to bring up every negative of the site before referring people there. You know, you don't have to put the, the software's kind of crappy. It has bugs. Like it, it's okay to leave that off uh, when when you're trying to promote. But if people aren't getting paid, you better tell people that. Otherwise, if you don't, you're a scumbag. And people have a right to get mad at those who are doing this. They have a right to get mad at those people who are trying to encourage robbing of Peter to pay Paul. So it's not personal attacks. Personal attacks would be, hey, hey, Conatron, I saw a picture of you. Man, you're so ugly. I can't believe any dude, any any chick could sleep with you without throwing up. Maybe he sleeps with dudes too. I don't know. But, but no, I I haven't heard that. But uh, you know, if you say he's ugly. If you say he's fat, if if you uh, make fun of other personal attributes he has, that's personal attacks. But uh, attacking him over how he's behaving with being an accomplice to a scam or a likely scam, that is not a personal attack. That is very topical and that is deserved when the criticisms are valid, which they are very much valid here. So the fact that they're censoring that, and they've deleted several messages on there. So then, uh, a guy named Jasweez, he may listen to this show because he responded by saying, okay, well, how about just Conditron answers these five questions? And I actually went and posted five questions for him that I posted on Poker Fraud Alert, which he reads, by the way. Conditron reads this site. He's just not answering anymore. But uh, he took my five questions I posted here and reposted them on 2 plus 2. Which is fine, and I'm, I'm glad he did that. I'm glad that he thought my questions were good. So he said, okay, well, we're not going to insult him. We just want these five questions answered. So he said, uh, you know, he said, if you want these insults to stop, the best way Conestron can handle that is just answer these five questions. That's what Just Sweeze said. Here's what Boba Fett, the moderator, said back. No, the best way to stop it, referring to the insults on Conatron, 
if people can't stop themselves, is for me to start deleting posts and handing out warnings and or infractions. And if you want to ask Khan some questions, 2 plus 2 has a private messaging feature you can use. What the hell? So this is what he's saying. Basically, uh, Conatron doesn't have to answer. And uh, if you're going to insult him for not answering questions that are very pertinent to the no cash out situation and the situation of why he's still promoting this site as safe to potential suckers after all this is going on. If he won't answer this, you're not allowed to insult him for that. You're not allowed to go at him pretty hard. You're not allowed to strongly criticize him and say nasty things to him. You're not allowed to do that. We're going to protect Khan from that. We're going to protect his feelings from being hurt. And if you don't stop yourself, if you don't stop being angry that he's helping cheat people, if you're not angry, if you don't stop yourself from being angry that you can't get your money off the site, we're going to hand out warnings, infractions, and delete your posts. That's what we're going to do on 2 Plus 2. That's what Boba Fett said. I'm reading it word for word. And then if you want to ask him questions, you can do so through the 2 Plus 2 private messaging feature. Now, first of all, you can't even use that feature there until you have 10 posts. But putting that aside, you can't ask these questions in public? Why not? This is of the public interest. This is what everyone should see the answers to. Why do you have to ask him in private so you don't make him look bad? So if you're going to ask him things that could potentially make him look like a thief, a scammer, and an accomplice to something really bad that only... He sees it privately. No one sees what a scumbag he's being. What the hell? This is a two plus two moderator saying this. What a callous dickhead this Boba Fett is. I have no idea why he's doing this. I mean, talk about blaming the victim. People are being victimized by full flush poker and by Conatron, and you're not allowed to, to be angry about it. You can't, you can't express frustration. You can't express frustration with the people doing it. You have to be nice and respectful with the way you talk to them as they steal money from you. You can't hurt their feelings or personally attack them as they scam you. What a freaking moron this Boba Fett is. You have to ask him privately? You have to ask Conatron privately? He's going to delete posts and hand out infractions to the victims who want to know where their money went while protecting the scammer who's still promoting a, no, a non-paying poker site. Unbelievable. So I don't know why he's doing this. I don't know if he's friendly with Conatron or maybe uh, Conatron's advertised on 2 Plus 2. I don't know. I have no idea. But all I know is that they're trying their best to not make him look bad and, and to censor discussion as much as they can without making it look like they're outright censoring. Like, they're not shutting down the discussion, but they're making it very difficult to uh, really express the full extent of what's going on. So, I'm not sure why, but I I do know that uh, Conatron at one point moved to Toronto and that Boba Fett lives in Toronto, so maybe they met out there. Um, someone posted named Santa Cruz who was a 2 plus 2 poster who's actually just quit 2 plus 2 because he's so angry at the way they're handling this 
He said when Merge closed their subforum, because I guess Merge closed their forum on 2 plus 2 after all the criticism for not paying people, I could see that Khan was bullying and lying to posters on 2 plus 2 about the Merge network. He, he tried really hard to suppress criticism of Carbon through ridicule and sending 2 plus 2 posters who disagree with him, very harsh PMs, myself included. Yeah, something's not right over there. I mean, I, I don't know if they're influenced by advertising money or, or by ass-kissing of the mods. On 2 plus 2, they're very selective with, with the scams they, they allow to be exposed over there. I mean, remember, they, they tried very hard to suppress any discussion of the stocks trader collusion scandal, which later was proven to be collusion. Stocks trader Nick Gridzian, he was he was colluding. He was. And uh, they were suppressing that discussion because he was one of their authors on 2 Plus 2. They didn't want one of their authors uh, having his name dragged through the mud, even if it looked like he was guilty. So they've suppressed it and made up excuses that uh, this is just hearsay, that it's, it's not uh, valid criticism. And only when Viffer, who's a you know, fairly big-name player, got involved and started posting there, they, they felt that at that point it was too big to suppress. They were afraid that if a, a big player like Viffer gets involved with, with making a big deal over this, that uh, now it could get into the mainstream poker media and it's going to make 2 plus 2 look horrible. At that point, they let the discussion continue. Up till then, they kept deleting posts by the person posting it about the stocks trader. Stocks uh, colluding scandal, which turned out to be a valid scandal. It turned out it was really happening. And if it was up to 2 plus 2, this would have never been known. And Stocks Trader, he left the poker world in uh, disgrace after that happened. So yeah, they like to they like to censor on 2 plus 2 if they don't love the topic or they think that it's not in their interest to have the topic fully discussed. I don't do that on Poker Fraud Alert. You come over to Poker Fraud Alert, you want to talk about anyone that's been uh, ripping you off or scamming you in any way, I'll allow it. Now, I'm not going to allow you to, uh, like, use my site for Google purposes to slam someone's name. If you just post unsubstantiated accusations with a person's full name in there. And it's just to get on Google. I'm not going to allow that. I'm not going to allow you to use my site for uh, Google results with someone you just want to smear. Unless it's unless it's valid criticism. Unless it seems like you have evidence and uh, that your story looks like it's a good chance of being true. But other than that, you, you can go post. You know, provided it looks reasonable what you're posting, I'll leave it up there. I, I'm not going to censor with any kind of agenda. So if 2 plus 2 is letting you down with deleting posts and stuff, post it over here. Poker Fraud Alert, the scam sh- Scandals and Shadiness Forum, this is the place for it. Especially if it comes to a site, a poker site, an affiliate site, I... That, I, I assume, is not a Google smear tactic because you're, you're not smearing any individual. So there, I'm, I, I really don't like deleting anything because uh, I, I think uh, that's different than you just don't like a guy because you, you, know, you think he's an asshole and decide to put out false rumors about him. That can happen with, with a company, not so much. And then, of course, if you do it with a company, then people ask, okay, where's your proof? Uh, uh, you know, there's a discussion right now about America's card room on there for someone who's claiming the site's rigged against him. I don't believe it. I think the guy is, is just imagining it. I think he's just getting bad luck. Maybe he's not as good of a player as he thought he was, and he's just uh, running badly. That's, that's not the scam. So feel free to share these things on, on Poker Fraud Alert. Okay, so... Uh, 
We have two more topics, not long topics, and then we will be done. The first of the two remaining topics is a Las Vegas story. It's about the Monte Carlo Casino. The Monte Carlo, we've reported on previous shows, is going to be reimagined. It's uh, it's not going to be the Monte Carlo anymore. It's going to be changed to a different theme. What we did not know, and we now know, is that the Monte Carlo is going to split into two different resorts. Yeah. This is uh, actually from the MGM Resorts website. So they're putting out their own statement on this. MGM Resorts International and New York-based Seidel Group, not the Eric Seidel Group, but S-Y-D-E-L-L, have announced a partnership to reimagine and rebrand the Monte Carlo Resort and Casino. The approximately $450 million transformation, which will touch every element of the property, will include two distinct hotel experiences. A Las Vegas version of Seidel's widely acclaimed Nomad Hotel and the launch of a new luxury hotel called Park MGM. Now, Park MGM is a new concept by MGM and Seidel conceived to target a younger, well-traveled demographic seeking unique experiences and innovative design. Park MGM will appear to, will appeal to this growing audience's desire to be more social, connected, and cultural, culturally aware. This sounds like the Cosmopolitan, by the way. It sounds like a, the attempt to compete with the Cosmopolitan, which will be, you know, it's fairly close to the, uh, Cosmo, to Monte Carlo. Or, yeah, the Monte Carlo and Cosmo are close, and this is, you know, now this is going to be a competitor. The design of Park MGM, approximately 2,700 rooms, will build upon the property's history, incorporating its European design influences while retaining a powerful connection to the park just next door. That is uh, Park MGM. Uh, park MGM, what does it mean the park just next door? Is there actually going to be a park? I don't know what that means, actually. But they're talking about the Park MGM, so that's a weird statement. Park MGM's design will reflect a residential feel signature to the Seidel Group's hospitality experiences, but not yet introduced in Las Vegas. That's not true. They they have that in, in the Cosmopolitan. It's kind of residential-looking because it was designed originally as condos. Uh, working with talented British designer Martin Bradnisky, uh, Seidel Group and MGM will transform the resort's public areas with a Beautiful and casually elegant design. Clean lines will define the architecture of each space combined with with classically inspired European furnishings and a robust art program, which is core to both companies' design philosophies. Park MGM's expansive food and beverage program featuring a full-scale Italy marketplace. What is Italy? E-A-T-A-L-Y. Will bring interesting new talents to Las Vegas with concepts custom-tailored for the design and ethos of the resort. With its unrivaled central location, Park MGM will offer guests direct access to what is quickly becoming the city's premier entertainment district featuring T-Mobile Arena and the park. I still don't know what the park is supposed to be. As well as the previously announced Park Theater, a 5,300-seat, $100 million entertainment venue opening later this year. Now here's the description of the Nomad, the second resort. The Nomad Las Vegas, since... uh, uh, Here's the description. Since... 
Opening in 2012, Nomad's New York flagship has earned many accolades for its thoughtful restoration of a turn-of-the-century Beau Arts building into a beautiful hotel that fuses traditions of Europe's grand hotels with a modern approach to service. The Nomad Las Vegas will draw upon success of the original with a distinct luxury experience that complements the Park MGM experience. The Nomad Las Vegas will offer a complete hotel experience, including 292 guest rooms and suites, a dedicated drop-off lobby and swimming pool area, as well as nomad gaming, eating, and drinking experiences. Seidel Group will once again team up with chef Daniel Hum and restaurateur Will Gadara, the creative and culinary forces behind the Nomad Restaurant in New York and 11 Madison Park, one of the only restaurants in the country to receive three Michelin stars and, and the only restaurant in America in the top ten of the San Pellegrino list of world's best restaurants. The Nomad Las Vegas design will be a collaboration between Seidel Group and legendary French designer Jacques Garcia, the visionary behind Parisian hotels such as Royal Manceau and Hotel Costes. The partners anticipate spending the coming months in design and development around the resort's transformation and will share further details as they become available. Construction at Park MGM and Nomad Las Vegas is expected to commence in late 2016 and conclude in late 2018. So you won't be staying at these until the end of 2018 or later. And it looks like probably the Monte Carlo will shut down. doesn't say that, but I'm guessing at the end of this year. So basically, I think the Park MGM is going to be like a competitor to the Cosmo aiming for a young but rich and hip crowd. Because the Cosmo doesn't really have competition for that at the moment. The only sort of competition they had was the Palms, and they, they pretty much blew away the Palms, and now the Palms has uh, is a has-been. The, the Palms is a has-been. It gets like the, the remnants of who goes to the Cosmo. The Cosmo crowd now is what the Palms crowd used to be. So I guess they want to try to compete for that, feeling that it's an, a market that needs more competition. The Nomad Las Vegas is going to be, looks like a little boutique hotel aimed at, uh, probably going to be expensive. They'll probably both be expensive, but I bet, I bet the Nomad will be more expensive. It's aimed at uh, upscale, probably older guests who don't want all the craziness of, and, and young crowd at the, the Park MGM. So it'll probably be a, an expensive boutique hotel with uh, only 292 rooms and the a restaurant that uh, is done by the same people who have a Michelin three-star restaurant in New York. For those of you that don't know, Michelin three-star restaurants are very rare in the world. It, it's very hard to become a Michelin three-star restaurant. Very, very hard. Even to become a Michelin one-star. You would think a Michelin one-star would be crappy. Like you think of Yelp or TripAdvisor and one-star means... It's awful, but that's not like that. Uh, Michelin to get one star is a very big accomplishment. That means we're recognizing you as one of the best restaurants in the world. Two stars means we're recognizing you as even better than that, above among the best in the world, among the elite of the elite, and then the three-star, the Michelin three-star restaurants, which is the very highest you can get, is really saying one of the very few in the world that's top, top. So they're saying that the people who are behind 11 Madison Park, which is a Michelin three-star in New York, are going to be behind this uh, new restaurant at the Nomad. 
So that's what uh, Monte Carlo is going to become. Tell a friend who listens to this show, said, uh, expensive lipstick on a pig. <laughs> so that could be true. But it seems like it's not going to be just uh, – lipstick on a pig was more what they did at Caesars with the Julius Tower where they just renovated the Roman Tower. I, I think this is going to be substantially better just because it's the same structure of the property. It doesn't mean it's the same thing. Anyway, we have someone calling into the show now. No, he was. We, he called in and then he put himself on video as he's walking around. And then, then he hung up. Let me, let me see if I can call him back. I love when people call me and I see them. I don't think they can see me. Hello. Yeah, Adam Schwartz, welcome to the show. Druff. Hi, so did you hear my uh, segment talking about you? I did not. So I heard the beginning of the show. It was like the uh, agenda that usually takes an hour and a half. Uh, Okay, Lyman, thank you. And then I had to record our show, so I did not hear it. uh, Oh, okay, okay. But I was I was intrigued by the uh, tease of rumors that you had heard about our show. Well, okay. I mean, now that you're here, you can discuss it. We've already had this topic, but since the, the oh, person I was talking, kind of, don't well, beat it to death or anything. Well, since since you were the you were already uh, since you're here, that's uh, better than talking about you. So uh, basically, what I was saying is about uh, Poker Stars not being a sponsor anymore after eight years, which you tweeted. It's not a rumor. That's true, yeah. unfortunately. But I was saying that I was jealous, and I'm, I'm serious about it. when I I heard rumors uh, discussing okay. with someone else uh, not any of your hosts in the past or present, but that, that poker stars paid a lot of money, uh, first, uh, a lot, lot of money. And then they cut it down by about 60%, but still, even after that cut, we're still paying you guys a shitload of money. Uh, and when I say you guys, I don't mean that it all went to you and, and your co-host, but that, that, uh, we're paying two plus two, uh, a, a very large sum of money, some of which went to you. Uh, and, and that you guys were making decent, pretty good money from this. And I, I thought, what a chump I am to be doing this thing for free. <laughs> that, that's what, really what wow. I thought. I don't know what numbers you heard. Uh, I certainly uh, am not rich by any stretch of the imagination. So, Well, I um, said that too. I said not that you being rich or not, but I said that this is not uh, – it wasn't going to be something you'd get rich off of, but it was, it was a nice payment. In fact, I said that uh, if, if Poker Stars had offered to do this show – and I, I still don't know what – I didn't hear what the hosts were getting. And I also right. didn't, I didn't get an exact number, but, but just uh, making assumptions from everything, if it's anywhere in the ballpark that I said, I, I would take them as a sponsor here, and I'd even <laughs> uh, tone down what I say about them if, uh, if the, I get that type of money. And, uh, so. uh, I don't know. Well, first of all, you know, we're not 2 plus 2. Uh, your favorite uh, person, Mason Mouth, is 2 plus 2. So the money goes to uh, Mason. We have a deal with Mason. So Well, I said that too. I, I said that Mason gets paid, but then he probably pays you from that and uh, – that, that's what I was assuming. Look, we, uh, we, we did quite well by Poker Stars. I'm never going to complain. They were a fantastic sponsor, no matter what a lot of people think about Stars. They never once told us what we could do, what we could talk about, who we could have on. They just wanted us to do our thing. And, and that's the kind of sponsor you, you really hope for. Um, you know, I like to think that we were um, unbiased, and uh, we certainly gave our opinion when Stars did stuff that we didn't like. Um, and, uh, you know, that's just the way it went. But... Uh, you know, so it's a chain, different market now. Twitch and and all kinds of different things have come along that that they uh, spend money on. So it seems like that's their focus now. Yeah, but I, I figure then also just uh, the the truth is that uh, uh, if, if the listener base of the show, and this is just my opinion, but if the listener base of the show is is a, an aware enough base to where they probably know about Poker Stars and and would play there if if they have the desire and ability to, then I, I didn't think they're you know gaining that much anyway from advertising on a show where uh, you know, people already know about them and will be playing right. there if they can be. 
Well, I think it's a branding exercise. Like there's this, you know, I'm not far from a marketing expert and completely understand exactly how it all works, but people keep telling me branding is a thing and, and, and companies spend money on it. So I would think that's probably part of the exercise. We drove traffic via a, a, uh, invitational value added tournaments. So we sent players there a lot, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's far from me being a marketing expert to, to assess value to what they thought, but clearly they feel like their money is spent uh, better elsewhere now with different media. Yeah, that's why like, I, I wasn't going to ruin, I was going to ruin your uh, sponsorship with them when they were there, but, uh, you know, now, now that they're gone, it was safe for me to say that, but, but, you know, I, I you got, they were, I mean, from what I heard, they were very generous for these eight years. It's good to hear that they weren't, uh, uh, cracking the whip as far as what you could and couldn't say about them, and and one other thing I mentioned, uh, unrelated to the Poker Star story, but also related to things you tweeted. Sure. You, you tweeted out, and maybe you can clarify this one. You tweeted out that you get sure. forty to fifty k downloads per show, and that also right. made me feel like a chump because I said, "Wait a minute, I've been saying our ratings are like a thousand, and and like you're getting like forty or fifty times our ratings." I thought that I'm like, "This is obscene." So this actually made me go on that night to go yeah. uh, into the server logs. And check okay. our downloads, and I saw we had eighteen thousand downloads. I go, oh wow, look at our amazing ratings. But I thought, wait yeah. a minute, there's no way that's our real rating. So I, I wrote a, a one line script that extracted from that log file any duplicate IP addresses, and it, it went all the way from eighteen thousand to seven hundred and two. In the now, this wasn't this was <laughs> this was not our entire ratings. This was just our ratings for downloads in like the four plus days since we had the episode. So uh, yeah. our, I, I after a lot of work of looking into everything i estimated we're probably within a month of of error including the live listeners getting like 13 to 1500 people so and that's you know so my thousand was a little bit low but in the ballpark so gotcha. i was glad so, so i was wondering with your 40 to 50,000 did someone yeah. go through and eliminate the duplicate downloads or was it just 40 to 50,000 downloads i'm not near smart enough to write a one line thing of code that would do such things uh i get or we get raw numbers from our tech guy at two plus two, whether he's done, I don't, I haven't asked him or anything like that. I don't I actually don't look very often, but once in a while I'll see, I'll have a look. Uh, we're certainly trending down. Poker is, has, you know, the market has shrunk for, for the last couple of years. Um, we, uh, we get probably, you know, that's still you know, much less than we did back in poker's heyday. Yeah. But we also have you know, two plus two to draw from. I think, you know, that was a, that was a, and we've been doing it for a long time. So, I think we built up a listenership over time, and plus we have the, uh, you know, two plus two driving traffic to yes to the podcast as well. That helps us a lot. Yeah, and I knew, like I, I and I said on the broadcast too. I said I'm not trying to say that the two plus two pokercast has the same ratings as we do. I said I, I'm, I've I've always been sure that that your ratings are are higher and substantially higher. I just didn't I didn't think forty to fifty times higher sounded realistic. It just seemed like a, that was like way way higher. Where I thought it was just uh, higher. So that was my yeah. Idea. I mean, again, I'm not uh, computer savvy enough to know. I extrapolate everything. All I do is read the numbers that they send us. Yeah, and that's and that's all. I that's basically all I said. You can go back and listen when it's on. But uh, and I and I oh, yeah, sure. a lot of the points you brought up, I actually brought up myself about uh, you know a lot of it going to Mason about uh, about uh, just a lot of things. I brought, the last stuff you said I assumed were probably the case, and I said that. Uh, I said at the beginning, and you know, I'll say again now. I never saw the the two plus two poker cast as as competition because this 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 show first of all right. has no sponsors, doesn't make any money, so there's not really reason for it to compete. Uh, second, it, it's uh, it, it's a different type of show. It's just it's just there. It's just one of several poker shows people yeah. can listen to, and and uh, and I don't feel like 
people, if they listen to other shows such as yours, that they won't listen to this one. They 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 have other shows. They can listen to multiple shows. If, if the bottom line is, if the show interests people, they'll listen. If the show doesn't interest yeah. people, they won't listen. And that's that's how I. I don't think it really has much to do with. Now, if, if I was the only poker uh, show out there, then yeah, they'd probably get higher ratings. But uh, other than that, I don't really see the other ones as competition. You know what? I, it's interesting. So I listen to probably – I've listened to tons of podcasts, but f- probably four poker podcasts. Uh, well, not – I don't listen to ours because I'm just like you. I'm sure you never listen to your show. Uh, I listen to BFA or PFR. I, I listen to Poker News podcasts. Okay. Oh, we're having problems with. Let me get Adam back. We've had trouble here. I hope. I hope he has a better connection when he does this his own show. It. it he was cutting out and then it put him on hold. So we're gonna we're gonna call him back. Yep. Now I can't get him at all. It's too bad. It's 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 offering for me to send him a video message. Like, what am I gonna do? Send him a video message. Right? I should send him a video message. Like what? Like, yeah. I, I don't even want to say it. Yeah, Adam, we were having a connection problems, then it just cut. We lost her. Where did we leave off? Uh, you were saying you listened to this show, Poker News, and then it cut. Okay, so I listened to ah, Poker News, Yersh, and Joey are the, are the podcasts that I listen to. Uh, we're having connection I, problems still. Do you have good internet where you are? It's just very bad connection this whole time. Uh, yeah, it should be okay. Is this better? Is that better, Todd? Right yeah, now it's better for this, Yeah. Okay, let me uh, walk around. My house is sort of in a bad spot, but it's weird because I can get a couple of bars at the front door. How's that? Is that better? Uh, I'm hearing the little cutouts. For the, just start talking. I'll let you know if it's a problem. Okay. So I think between like the four shows that I just mentioned, including ours, I think they're all pretty different. And you know, if they were the same, I probably wouldn't listen to them. Um, so you know, if you're if you're a poker enthusiast and you're listening to a podcast. I think there's a pretty wide range of shows. So, you know, you're talking about the fact that you don't, we don't consider each other competition. I don't either. I think we all do different shows. Yeah, that's, that's what I, I think too. Yeah. So I, I, that's why, like, I, I don't see any clone of this show out there. So I don't, uh, I, I don't even really feel any kind of competition from the other shows. In fact, I heard the Mark Hoke show is actually broadcasting right now, but uh, maybe it's over. Oh, I it? don't know. But, uh, but yeah. I don't listen to Mark Hoke. Anytime somebody tells me, they're the greatest show in the world in their intro. I, I don't know. Oh, did they say that? Uh, that's right. I forgot about that. I forgot about the greatest show in the world. You know, Mark Hoke, he's, he's, he's back at the World Series, I heard. I'm sure I'll see him in, in uh, five yeah. days or so. So uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, right, well, yeah. thanks for calling in and uh, giving uh, your take on the subject. Hang on, Todd, I want to say one thing. Yes. I, I want to say one thing. I think you do an awesome job with your show. I think it's really – people don't really – realize how hard it is to do a show and you do by yourself uh for a large majority of the time or have in the past and uh i just wanted to say i think you do i don't know that i could do that put it that way okay well thank you i mean uh uh you guys are the ones with the forty thousand listeners but, <laughs> but, uh, but, but uh no no like i i appreciate it in fact i when you i saw you were listening to the show you know when i first discovered this some time ago i thought oh this is cool this is an indication that uh i must be doing something right if if someone who runs his own successful uh show i mean i'd say i know it runs on two plus two but you've been the longtime host there i said if if adam schwartz likes it enough to after doing his show to still want to hear this one then i've got to be doing something right so i was uh glad to see you were a listener 
Well, I think it's primarily because you talk about different topics a lot of the time. That's what I want to hear discussion on that we don't really talk about. So, but anyway, thanks again. Yeah. Okay. Well, th- thank you for calling in, and uh, I think you need a second router in your house because the the, the calls, the, the, the sound quality has been kind of poor in this call. I'll tell you that. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. Okay. Thank you. So I, I liked what he had to say. I just didn't like the quality of the voice saying it. That was a pretty bad connection he had there. Sounded like a robot at the end. I'm sure. I'm sure when he hears it, he'll understand. I've uh, when Mumbles badly called in here a few shows ago, and uh, at the end, I let him talk about various topics, and then I had to finally get rid of him because the, the sound quality was so awful. And then he messaged me. He said, "Oh wow, I just heard it back, and I'm surprised you didn't hang up on me earlier." So it's hard to tell because when you're on the radio, you can't hear that you are not sounding good. You can only hear your own voice. So to you, you're clear. And then the people hearing you, you sound terrible. So anyway, if, if you were hearing him uh, break up, it was it was not your connection. <laughs> okay, so let me uh, – so about Monte Carlo, I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect of the uh, the Nomad and Park MGM – Looks like a, a Cosmo competition and a, a small boutique, very upscale, expensive hotel with it, a very expensive restaurant. That's what I think is coming in about two years. We will see when it opens. But I want to tell you the, the Monte Carlo, it does make me a bit sad that it's closing. It is kind of a shithole now. Like I, I stayed in it uh, about two years ago and it sucked. But seven years ago, the Monte Carlo is where Benjamin's mom went to stay when she came out to see me in Vegas, and when she saw me for the first time in over 16 years. So she came out there, and the reason she stayed at the Monte Carlo, well, I don't know why she chose that, but uh, probably because it was reasonably priced, but she got a hotel room there because she was afraid, what if there's fail? Like, what if we see each other after all this time and it's fail and she just wants to get away from me? (laughs) Then she has her own room to go to. She's not staying in my apartment. That's the truth. That's what she told me. But fortunately, there wasn't fail, and uh, and we spent the whole weekend together. But, you know, the first night, I actually stayed over there in the room with her in the Monte Carlo. Uh, we didn't have sex, in case you're wondering. But uh, I, I did stay overnight there. And at 7 in the morning, on the fr- right following the first night, I woke up with a, with a headache that was starting to develop because I didn't have my pillow. I've always got to bring my pillow. I bring my pillow everywhere. Because if I don't, then I'm on a pillow I'm not familiar with, and I end up with with uh, neck problems. I'm, I'm always having neck problems. It's just uh, something I inherited from my mom that my neck can hurt very easily, and then it leads to a headache. So I get tension headaches from my neck. So I didn't bring my pillow there because I wasn't like expecting to stay the night there. It's just it's how what had happened. So I tried to sleep on a pillow there, and I really couldn't very well. So at seven, I woke up and I I said to her, "Look, I, I really enjoy being with you here, but..." I've got to leave. If I don't leave and go back to my own bed with my own pillow, uh, or at least my own pillow, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do anything today because I'll have too bad of a headache. So she said, okay, I understand. And went back to my apartment, slept in my bed, and then you know we talked a few hours later and uh, came back and saw her and took some pills for the headache, and it went away, and that was good. So... It's just, you know, it's just part of the memory of, of the beginning of our time together. And it, it was a stressful weekend. I've talked about this before. Not I mean, like I enjoyed the weekend, but it was stressful coming into it because I had such high hopes for it. And I usually didn't have this high hopes for any kind of like dating situation. But this one, I, I really felt like it had the potential to, to become something very uh, big in my life. 
and indeed it was. You know, here I am seven years later, and I've got a, uh, we're still together, and I have a five-and-a-half-year-old son, where she's the mom. So that was the beginning there at the Monte Carlo, and soon it will be the end of the Monte Carlo. Finally, and it is after four, it's 4.09 right now, Formula 4.09, California Online Poker. I've tried not to co- uh, to cover this topic recently because I cover it and then it uh, it doesn't come to pass. Like I cover it and then it turns out whatever was being proposed fell apart and they, uh, because of the bad actor clause, blah, blah, blah. It's just I, I hate covering these state-related poker topics because they never turn out like they seem they're going to turn out and the, the potential is never reached. So it uh, it's a waste of our time. I get I spend time on the show. I waste your time listening to it, and then it doesn't happen. So what's the point of talking about some online poker being legalized in some state that you probably don't even live in, and then it just doesn't even come to pass? Like it's a complete waste of time. So I, I have avoided the California online poker subject, even though California has about 11% of the country's population. It's the biggest state, population-wise. Uh, it really is the state that will probably make or break legalized online poker in this country. It's a, a state where I am. There's a lot of reasons to talk about California, but there's been an ongoing battle that I just don't see being resolved anytime soon about the bad actor clause. The bad actor clause is very simple. There are some card rooms and casinos in California that are partnered with poker stars and there are some that are not partnered with poker stars. The ones that are partnered with poker stars want to see poker stars getting a license to provide their services in California, obviously. The ones that are not partnered with them know how good poker stars software is, know how familiar poker star software is to people, and they know that their fail site probably won't be able to compete. So they don't want poker stars to be licensed. It's all a matter of money. Forget about the, the high-minded idea whether poker stars should should or shouldn't be allowed in this state, blah, blah, blah. The ones that are on each side of this debate are only acting out of self-interest. The ones for it have something to gain. The ones against it have something to lose. So, this has been raging on and on. The justification being given by the anti-Poker Stars forces is that Poker Stars was violating U.S. law all the way through Black Friday by providing real money online poker when that has been against the law since the end of 2006 and they did it for four and a half years anyway made a lot of money doing it and the ones on the side of allowing poker stars are stating that poker stars has been out of the market now for five years that they have complied with that that there were not explicit laws mentioning online poker only about uh, processing real money transactions and that there is different ownership now so the owners who did this of poker stars are now out of the picture, so the new owner should not be blamed for the previous owner's sins. So those have been the arguments back and forth. The problem is it's not going anywhere. Both sides can't agree, and this prevents legislation from being passed as far as legalizing online poker in California. There is now a bill called AB2863, let me slap Brandon on here. He's going to be on here very briefly before we end the show. Hello, Brandon. We're talking about an exciting topic known as California online poker. Y'all are still on this fraud show? Still on it, but I've got I've got to hurry through this topic because I gotta I gotta go get Benjamin from uh, from daycare on his final day of school. When uh, oh, the final day of school. When did this whole fiasco begin? This fiasco began at eleven forty a.m. 
Jesus. And yeah. when is it ending? When do you got to go get the kiddo? Like like within minutes. So you, you can okay, hang out well, here. But... I just, I'll say shalom now. Okay. Well, uh, so I, I don't blame anyone. I don't blame Brandon for missing this. He didn't know he was even going until this morning, and he was no. probably sleeping. Yeah, I was. Okay. I well, get messages from people all over. Why aren't you on radio? Well, I told What's them. What's wrong with these people? I told what them. What do they think? Didn't you give it a disclaimer? I told them. I said Brandon didn't know until this morning, and he's probably sleeping, so he probably still doesn't know. Well, I didn't even know exactly, yeah. So I'm getting the, my, you know, I have a little text-free line where they message me. I'm yeah. getting all these disturbing messages. How dare you? Where are you? <laughs> I'm on a plane boarding. Why aren't I? I don't hear you. He's talking about Ferguson on and on and on. Talked about that Ferguson, I assume? Yeah. What a joke that is, huh? Yeah. No, I said that if I see, if I see him, I'm going to say something. You're going to heckle him? Especially if he's at my table. Did you heckle him? Uh, the only thing I'm not going to do, I'm not going to heckle him like from the rail. That I won't do, but I will. If he's at my table, uh, I'll heckle him, and probably if I pass him in the hallway, I'll say something. When are you coming out to Vegas again? Four days from now. Mm. All right. Anything else exciting I missed? Uh, I played my appearance on the Lyman show with, uh, with, with Jacqueline, and you know, that's... That's the guy that was screaming over you. Yeah, the, the screamer. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Don't you and that lineman have a contentious relationship as it is? Pretty much. Yeah. Hmm. What about uh, have you had a co-host, Trader Ruski, or I, I've had nobody. Adam Schwartz wow. came on with a terrible internet connection at the very end here and was <clears throat> discussing a few things. Hmm. How's he doing? I heard that uh, he had to sell the house and get <laughs> second loans, and I don't know. He he didn't say that, but it may, that may be in the works. You know what? I'm gonna. I probably shouldn't say this on the air, but I really don't care. I heard from some. I mean, I, I, I don't say that I know this factually, but I heard you make a mention of this, so I'm gonna actually say it. I heard from somebody that I consider reliable that it, at the height he was making over a hundred k on that show a year. Well, I don't know how much he was making, but I was hearing. I, I, I was I hearing large. I, I heard a hundred k. Okay, I was hearing large numbers. That went to the entire show. I never heard what he was getting, but I I had to drink. I had to take a drink of scotch after I heard. That. No, no, that's what I, no, no, I. I heard. I heard a very large sum was going to the entire show, of which was split by Mason, the hosts, and and uh, and then some of it went to producing it, which couldn't have been that much. But they had to uh, give Mason Mason's grubby fingers want some of that. Oh, of course, Mason's grubby fingers took oh a lot of it. God. But 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 I I heard that. Yeah, and then I heard there was a cut where it got cut by about sixty percent, but it was still a lot of money. And yeah, so, Jesus. so you know, it wouldn't shock me if, if from the some figure I heard, it wouldn't shock me if he was personally getting a hundred or or close to that. So yeah, like I had, I'm not listen. I fucking God bless them. That's I'm what not I said. Like I, I them at all. It's not, I'm just it's jealousy. Like I've been. That's what I said. I, I, I'm stuck. PayPal this. PayPal that. <laughs> uh, the, you know, free roll this. Uh, Skype wants more money every time I log in. You need to give me money. You need to give me money. <laughs> I mean, no, I said, I said I was jealous. I, I I put out a whole segment here talking about how I was jealous and how I felt like a chump. Well, what about me? I mean, I'd be well, I can only too. I can only tell my own feelings. I, I knew you oh, would too. Yeah, I can't speak for you. That Schwartz, he's holed up somewhere in Brentwood, living a life of luxury, and we're sitting here doing these eight-hour fraud shows and nothing, and and nothing. losing and losing money. Yeah, America's card room won't even take our calls. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll finish your segment. Okay. Godspeed, and uh, you know, in all fairness, again for the angry people that have lashed out at me, for the record, I truly did not know there was a show. I mean, I'm yeah, know, he didn't, asleep. he didn't know. It's yeah. hot. I don't even want to go outside. It's miserable. It's 114 today. Yeah, I know it's horrible at. today. It's miserable. I think it's so gonna. I, I think it'll get a little bit better by the time I get there. 114 is just miserable. It just sucks the life right out of you. 
So listen, I do want to say real fast, because uh, I, I don't think he's listening now, but he was listening uh, when his plane took off. I'm talking about a longtime radio listener, uh, Scott from the East Coast, uh, the amputee. Uh, he was in one of those little Doyle Brunson scooters. Have you seen these things? Yeah. Very cute. But anyhow, uh, he left this morning. He was actually literally on the tarmac listening to you. And uh, he's coming back, I think, in four or five days. But I had the honor of meeting him on, when was it? Uh, let's say today's Thursday. I met him on, hello? Well, I, I just took I just took his call because this, this is Scott. Scott is calling in. Brandon. What, what, what's this? Some backlash feedback. That's not us. It's something else. Are you not hearing that in the background? Yeah, I was. It was something like three quarters full. I don't know what's going. Maybe he's calling us on the plane. I, I would imagine because I think he left at noon. Can't. It has to be more than four hours to that East Coast, huh? Especially the Northeast Coast. Anyhow, uh, I had the pleasure, the honor of meeting him on Tuesday at the Rio. Very, very nice guy. Uh, a little obviously gimpy because of the missing leg, but very, very friendly. And uh, he actually brought me two gifts. I'm only going to say one, you know, but he brought me a whole case of chocolate Entenmann donuts because uh-huh. we talked about it on the show. <laughs> so anyhow, I, I met him. We chatted for a while. Very, very nice guy. So maybe I'm, maybe this is the summer I'm running good meeting people. From the, the, yeah, the true. fraud channel. That's true. I mean, I've, I've met, uh, let's see, I met Trey Daruski this year. He was nice, uh, twice. Met Scott from East Coast. I highly recommend him, Druff. In fact, he wants to meet you. No, I've met him he before. Was... I met him last year. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you know he's normal. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that's really, oh, one other thing. I, you know, it, I need to post this. I, I'm just going to say this on radio. Um, a PFA user, he does not want to be named, so I won't name him. Uh, has procured a room, uh, I want to say it's the Badara, it's somewhere in city center, I believe, a suite for us to host a, uh, PFA meet and greet sometime early next week. I think the date is the 13th. Shit. I know we're getting close. The 13th? I'm just gonna, I'm going to barely be there on the 13th. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll do my due diligence and I'll post it tonight. And if there's enough feedback, then we'll take them up on his kind offer. If there are enough people in town, I know. Uh, who's in town? I know Matos is in town. I know Suicide Kings comes in and out. Who, yeah, who, I don't know. I wasn't really can't even track because I thought like I just kind of felt like the thirteenth, like I, I was going to be by myself that night. Like it's, I was just going to get there and you know, uh, and the limit holds not till three p.m. the next day, but that's like it's just the night I get there. Yeah, but I mean, I'll go if it, if it's something going on, I'll go. Okay. All right. Well, listen. I know you got to finish up. Uh, was there a free roll I missed again? No, no. It was just it was just like a test free roll with no money. I saw something about a mosaic free roll. I don't know what the hell that means. <laughs> but those mosaics are getting out of control. I read, I saw the uh, Four Dragons. That was just brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. All right. Have a great uh, California poker recap ending. And when, when when are we possibly being back? That I don't know. That I'm not sure yet because I, I'm playing, after, starting Tuesday, I'm playing every single day for like a week. Yeah. I'm 0 for 2, unfortunately, but it's. Still, it's very early. It is early. Uh, I'm I mean, back I, I, at it tomorrow, 3 p.m., the uh, eight-game mix. And that's Horse with No Limit Hold'em, Pot Limit Omaha, and Deuce to Seven Triple Draw. It's at 3 p.m., and I will be there promptly. All right. Very so good. hopefully I'll get something going. Okay. Um, and, and tweet with that hashtag. I think I wanted to say, well, okay, well you know, I know you got to go. Okay. I will. I, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.
That was Brandon, a brief appearance on the show. Again, no fault of his. He had no idea. I had no idea. When I woke up this morning, I had no idea. I had zero idea that I'd be doing the show. And then I dropped Benjamin off at his final day of school. And uh, I knew today would be the only day I could do it. Tomorrow, Ben will not be going to school, so he'll be with me the entire day. And his mom is still gone. So... Do I even have a thread up for Brandon to do his uh, eight game? I may not have done an eight game thread. I did not. I will have to put that up. Hmm. Glad he mentioned that or will not have posted. <laughs> All right. So Brandon is playing eight game tomorrow. Good luck to him. We will be in a few events together, Brandon and I, so maybe we'll end up at the same table. We've never been at the same table at a World Series event. Never once. And in case you're wondering, MyCon and I have only been at the same table once. That was many years ago. And we've had the potential to be. We just haven't been. Only one time. There's other people like Ronnie Barda that I get like several times a series. <laughs> I guess I'm a magnet to certain people and others not. I get Matt Harolenko too. Like, I don't know why I get those guys. Uh, not that I want Brandon at my table. He's a good player, too. But, like, like I wish I'd be a magnet to some fish. Like, why why am I not getting, like, the same fish over and over with? Why, why am I getting uh, Ronnie Barda and Matt Harolenko? Like, I don't, I don't think any of you want them at your table. They're definitely not uh, providing any value to you. They're definitely not uh, players you're happy to see sitting down next to you. So now, at least they both said to me independently. They they both told me that they weren't happy to see me either. So at least at least the feeling is mutual. At least they they also said that they were uh, not happy to be getting me so often. So you know we all think, hey, that's what you think when you sit at these tournaments. A lot of it is is what tables you get. You can't control it, but when you sit down at a table where there's no one you recognize and everyone either sucks or is or is mediocre. It makes such a big difference of how well you're going to do, provided the cards are okay. In that situation, you can take average cards if you're a good player and just destroy everyone. If you're with a bunch of good players, you get average cards, uh, you don't go anywhere. So, the absence of good players at your table is very important. But unfortunately, you cannot control that in tournaments. In cash, you can. In tournaments, you cannot. Okay, so getting back to the California thing. There's a new bill, or a, an updated version of an old bill. This is AB 2863 with uh, new amendments. Uh, so, so here are things that have changed that uh, would make this, uh, this bill more suitable to be passed. Uh, the biggest thing is that as far as the bad actor clause, it exists, but it has been moved as far as the date they are considering. In the new version of the bill, it says the applicant or its corporate or marketing affiliate accepted a better wager or of any form of internet gambling from a person located in the United States after December 31st, 2011. What does that mean? It means if after December 31st, 2011, meaning 2012 or later, if you have taken an internet bet and you were not licensed – if you're taking an internet bet from a U.S. resident, then you are not eligible for a license. Well, what does that mean here? What that means is 
Poker Stars does not get shut out because they stopped taking bets from people in America after April 15th, 2011. So that means by this, they qualify. Now, companies like Merge, America's Card Room, Bovada, they would not be able to get a license in California based upon this because they are still taking bets from people right now in 2016. But Poker Stars was not. Poker Star stopped in April 2011. So this would allow, and I'm sure that December 31st, 2011 date was selected on purpose to permit Poker Stars. Uh, here, here is uh, another thing that's in there that would disqualify. A member of the board of, dire- of directors or ultimate parent company of the chief the CEO of or a shareholder holding more than 10% of the shares of the applicant or its corporate or marketing affiliate was directly involved in an executive or decision-making capacity in facilitating a wager or financial transaction related to internet gambling in the United States and that person remains affiliated with the applicant at the time of the application. So basically what they're saying is even if you have not been taking bets since 2012 with your company, if at any time Someone who is a major player in your company currently has been taking those bets before or after this December 31st, 2011 date. If at any time they did this, then you don't qualify. But this only applies to CEO, shareholder with more than 10%, or on the board of directors, or the, uh, the being the same thing with the parent company. Of, of whatever company is doing this. But again, this excludes poker stars because everybody who was involved before in these capacities is no longer. They still have people working for poker stars that were back in the old days, but they, they don't qualify for these, uh, this definition. They weren't the CEO. They weren't a 10% or more shareholder. They weren't on the board of directors. So, so basically they're saying if any major, major people in the company or owners at any point offered illegal online gaming in the U.S., then you don't get a license either. But again, that means poker stars would be okay. So those are the only two factors that make someone ineligible in this uh, section of the bad actor clause that before was excluding stars. So uh, this basically, if this were to pass, would allow poker stars to get through. And we're not saying this is going to pass, but they've made this amendment, which may or may not receive a challenge. I mean, they probably will receive a challenge from the other side. But this version of the bill is pro poker stars. It's not pro every site that was offering illegal games to the American market, but it's pro poker stars because it, it massaged the date and the executive situation to where poker stars is not excluded. It was written around poker stars. Whether this passes, I don't know. That's the, the question here. We will be monitoring this. I'm not going to give you an update every week or anything. But 
we will see. We will see where this goes. There's also a little bit of a change in the licensing fee. It'll be a $12.5 million licensing fee. And then a tax rate, which goes up depending on how much uh, money they take in. So if their gross revenue is uh, uh, starting from zero, it's, it's at 8.847% tax. And then uh, if they actually have uh, gross gaming revenue of $350 million or more, then it actually uh, goes all the way up to 15%, which is the very top uh, tax they would be paying. But I doubt they would be taking that, that kind of revenue even in California. That's just uh, be way off from, from that type of uh, revenue in one year. So that has also been done in this amendment. So we'll see. We will see if uh, this is supported. I still think it's going to hit a logjam because uh, this is still creating the same division. This is not giving any kind of concession to the sites that are not using PokerStars. I, I think the only way this is going to be solved is if there's like a concession to those that are not using PokerStars. Something that makes it a little easier on them. With the justification that PokerStars has much more mature software and a much better visible product to the general public already due to their illegal actions of the past, which is true. So I think the only reasonable compromise would be maybe you know the ones that are not PokerStars pay fewer taxes, which I know the PokerStars supporting rooms will hate, but you've got to come up with some sort of fair solution in the middle because both sides have a point. I know the players love to see poker stars, but as I've said before, poker stars had an unfair advantage. Poker stars got to develop their business, their brand, their software for all these years while operating illegally with illegally obtained money. And it's not fair to make rooms which acted legally and are less mature than poker stars compete with them. But at the same time, PokerStars is the best product, and just shutting them out of the market, uh, you, know, you know, they also rescued us with the full tilt thing. You know, there, there's reasons to let them in, and it would harm the consumer not to let them in. They'll do the best job. So it, it's a tough one, but I think that's the solution. It's something in the middle, something which at least for some time gives some kind of break for the rooms that are not using PokerStars and letting PokerStars in. This way, uh, everyone gets something out of it. I can see the argument to let poker stars in. I can see the other side saying, not fair to let them in. They're going to have an unfair advantage. We're going to get crushed. So if I were deciding, that's what I'd do. I would say a middle ground that helps everyone. Let poker stars in. But if you're not poker stars and you're affiliated with some other room, uh, you get the following breaks that poker stars doesn't get. Let me decide on this. We'd have online poker tomorrow. <laughs> All righty, people. We are done. We're done. I squeezed the show in. I spent my entire afternoon doing the show. My one free afternoon I spent on this. I hope you're happy. Be very busy for the remainder of the time. I, I haven't even... Uh, I haven't even... Uh, what was I saying here? Yeah, I, I haven't even played much on Bovada. I was distracted by something on Twitter. So thank you for listening. Not sure when our next show will be. As I said, I'll be very busy with events next week. 
for those of you unhappy about this, uh, don't blame me. It's, you know, I, there's only so much I can do, and if I have a lot of World Series events back to back to back to back to back, what am I supposed to do? Check twitter.com slash pokerfraudalert to find out about when our next broadcast will be. We'll definitely have one the week following next week. I just don't know about the upcoming week. Probably will not have one in the evening of any of the upcoming nights next week. I was thinking maybe Monday, but now that's kind of too soon because we just did the show today. So I'm thinking that uh, maybe if Brandon and I are both busted out of an event surprisingly early... And we don't have to be up really that early the next day. Maybe we can squeeze one in next week. Otherwise, uh, there may be no show next week. But you never know. I thought there'd be no show this week. In fact, I announced no show this week, and then I did a show this week. So here you go. It was a mostly solo effort, which I haven't had to do in a while. I've had a lot of co-hosts recently. In fact, sometimes too many co-hosts. This week, I had too few co-hosts. Nobody was around. Thank you to Brandon for coming on at the very end. Thank you for Adam Schwartz calling in here even with a questionable internet connection. Scott from the East Coast, I hope your flight was going okay. And That was a weird phone call you made at the end. Thank you, whoever you were from the 914, telling me that uh, you enjoy the show. Thank you, the guy in the 412, who called up to defend me and this show on Lyman's podcast. I know they tried to razz him afterwards, but that's what they do on that show if you don't agree with them. Who am I forgetting here? Did I leave anyone out? Oh, Belly Buster. Yeah, I knew I was leaving someone out. Thank you for the mosaics. Thank you for all you do with a poker room. And uh, all the generous donations you've made to Poker Fraud Alert over the years. By the time we have our next show, unless I do one on Monday, which we probably won't, I will have played at least some World Series events, and we'll talk about that. I'm looking forward to it. If you're out in Vegas starting June 13th, you can let me know. You can text me, 775-372-8355. Maybe we can meet up, especially if I know you. No guarantees, though. I will be busy. Thank you for listening. If you see me around the Rio, come say hello, too. always like to meet listeners. Good night. Shalom.